they're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Bilodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got it. Yes! yes. is off the podium an olympics podcast coming to you today for your favorite type of show it is a clip show that is right can you believe we are done another 50 episodes where we are here to bring you a best of best of part five we really should have just stopped at one of these because there really hasn't been that great of a content since then has there uh we're here to bring you the snippets of the episodes between episodes 201 and 249 a busy group of episodes that not only brought you some fantastic interviews as we always do it also brought you some highlights of the beijing olympics we had an olympics in between our last best of and these clips that you're about to hear on this best of and of course we sort of became an award-winning podcast since our last best of so all the excitement to bring you in this one but plenty of interviews to whet your appetite as always not going to go through every single guest that you heard in between episodes 201 and 249 but to give you a bit of a taste bit of a teaser we're going all the way back to 201 it's what you're about to hear in just a moment our interview with american speed skating royalty chad hedrick and all the way through to our most recent episode most recent interview with australian broadcaster emma friedman so you'll hear basically everything from that interview through to that other interview and everything else in between if you want to know who all these guests are that you are hearing the best way of course is to hit us up on our social media or our podcast channels where you can then listen to the entire interviews in full basically and all the episodes in full as well and of course since our last best of we have now introduced video interviews so you'll be able to go to our youtube channel search off the podium if you want to see and hear these a little bit more then you'll be able to do that on our youtube channel it's pretty simple really uh so you're gonna sit back right now you're gonna relax you're gonna listen to some great snippets from some great interviews and great highlights from our beijing coverage and our other episodes in between and i'll be back after these have finished to wrap it up and let you know what's happening in some upcoming episodes here and off the podium but sit back relax and listen to the best of off the podium part five We also beat him again uh, come Vancouver in the team pursuit, the, the famous semi-final win, of course. Uh, you went on to win the silver in that event. I mean, how do you rate that medal up against, say, your gold from Turin, beating a, a highly fancy Dutch team, uh, you know, in an Olympics when we all know how good the Dutch are generally when it comes to the speed skating? I mean, was, was that almost as good as, as winning the gold in, in Turin to be able to achieve that? Let me tell you, uh, the team pursuit uh, – beating the Dutch was probably my biggest accomplishment in sports. Um, everybody says, Oh, well, it's a silver medal. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had two partners, um, that were in their first event as Olympians. Um, it was my time, uh, to really become a leader and really encourage these guys and, and get them in a position to perform their best. Um, we almost won the gold medal. Um, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot about life 
through that event right there and really um, going past speed skating and starting a life in business afterwards, I always look back at that moment and understanding how I can encourage, how I can challenge, how I can hold those around me accountable um, for their <clears throat> for their actions. And that moment before that race with those two two kids, those two rookies, um, was definitely a moment that really molded me as a leader way beyond sports. So I'm I'm so thankful for that. But people think I'm crazy that a silver medal was was my biggest accomplishment. Well, when you again you're beating the the, the Dutch, I mean it's it's no different to you know if if you, you mentioned Michael Jordan, if you're meeting if you're beating the 1998 Chicago Bulls in the you know the conference finals on the way to losing the NBA finals, I'm sure you'll take that in some weird way, won't you? Because you beat the goat uh, at what he's doing at his peak, right? <laughs> well, let me let me say at the time at the time I'm I'm reflecting now, but at the time second place kind of sucked if we're honest. Give us an example. What's what's a, a fun rule then that is very unique well, with ski this jumping? One, this one is one that's my favorite because it's absolutely ridiculous, but it's you don't have chicken wire in your suit. No. Yeah. <laughs> is that a common <laughs> thing that ski jumpers want to have? Well, it used to be something that people would do to cheat. And right. so uh, like you have a certain measurement for your crotch that you have to meet because the crotch of your suit, if it's lower than your actual body, uh, it's like a wing, like, you know, how like mm. a wingsuit has the extra span yep. between your arm and your body. It's the same principle where it's same weight, more surface area, which gives you an advantage, right? More surface area equals better lift and better lift equals a big, like a further jump. And so basically they had to make this rule so that people's suits weren't down to their knees. Anyways, so to get around that rule, people used to put chicken wire in their suit and like they'd push their hands like they'd move their hands in a certain way and the suit would slide down after they'd gone through equipment control. Wow. That's, yeah. that's crazy. And I, 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 know. I, mean, I feel like, like I've got to ask a stories. question. Like we, we recently had Daniel Gregg on a speed skater and we kind of, we got onto the topic about aerodynamics and the suits. And I asked the question to him. I'm like, does that reward men who maybe are more gifted in like, is that ski jumping? Like if you're, Yes. More gifted in the uh-huh. crotch? Like, do you have better aerodynamics? Well, there's stories of, like, I don't actually know if people do this anymore, but, like, when the crotch rule first came up where the guys would uh, build, like, fake dongs and, <laughs> like, they, like, basically, like, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of been abolished just because, like, you know, Fist wow. found out about that and so people have stopped. But it's actually quite funny that um, – yeah, there's like a bunch of people who like, you know, you always hear the stories of how someone got caught trying to, you know, stick in the sock down their pants or whatever, <laughs> but to get a lower crotch it's, pressure it's, it's It's so funny because we talked a lot during Tokyo that in athletics, and I really don't want to talk about crotch bulges this entire interview, but like <laughs> we, we would talk about how like, hey... Andre de Grasse, the Canadian men's team, they're very gifted athletes. Look at them go. Like, I think we need to keep attention during the ski jumping at Beijing to be like, hey, yeah, look, the Norwegians, look this is why they're good. Uh, okay, do you want to know something really funny? Norwegians are notorious for cheating when it comes to, I shouldn't be saying this, I, 
<laughs> you got to finish yeah, the sentence now. Come on, I want to I yeah. learn more about this. <laughs> um, but basically, they're notorious for having really low crotch measurements. Um, wow. Like, even the girls, too. But it's just really funny. If you look at uh, ski jumping suits, like, when people aren't jumping, it's like, that, like, they had to cheat somehow. Like, I don't know how you did this, but, like, look at that. It's, like, down to your knees. Wow. And and, and how yeah. much improvement, like, in all seriousness? Like, and Meters, that's, like... Well, the thing well. about our sport sport is that, like, I mean, half a meter can be, like, fifth and first. Mm. Like, you know, depending on how close the competition is, you really want to push that boundary, right? Because, you know, half a meter could be a medal versus just top five. Like, and, I mean, some people would be, like, I'd be thrilled to come top five, but, you know, a lot of those really competitive guys would be, you know, disappointed with a fifth place, right? And so... No, it's like that every little bit counts, you know, that. I'm, I'm yeah. so fascinated by this conversation, well, Ali, because like I legitimately now can say that during Beijing, that legitimately the gold medal winner is probably got the biggest dong. So um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that for sure, you know, <laughs> but I mean, if you'd like to say that, go for it. Oh, I'm I saying go, it right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's obviously not a sport in which you are weighed and restricted by a certain weight for a division, but going back to your point about your body size and the fact that I can imagine it does favour a certain body type. So, like, is it a is it a restrictive sort of diet sport? Are you constantly having to maintain a, a weight because that certain weight will help you perform or is it maybe not as restricted as it may seem? Yeah, I would say it's pretty restrictive. Um, it's basically, you know, the lighter you are, that's a big benefit. It's like if you had two paper airplanes and you threw both of them, but one of them had a rock on it, the rock on is going to, you know, make that airplane sink, but the one without is just going to catch the wind and fly. So, you know, that's where your, your diet and your body size um, comes into it. And so that can be, you know, a challenge. There's definitely, you know, some darker sides to the sport. It's challenging to maintain such a lightweight, um, but that's when you just need to, you know, prioritize yourself and your mental health. And, you know, if, if some sort of physical weight's going to be detrimental to your mental health, then it's not worth it. They, worth it. they really need to, to work in tandem. Which I can imagine, yeah, with any sort of sport where it's based around a, a weight portion of it it can be very challenging particularly at a young age when you're sort of growing up and you, you know you are at an age where you're kind of wanting to just eat pizza all the time and kind of just you know go drinking with your friends and things like that so I guess that's that mind over matter aspect sometimes too where you're like okay my goal is to get to an Olympics this is how I'm going to achieve it but as you're saying without doing it in an unhealthy way in which you're being forced upon a certain image I guess which you must maintain to get to that yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, if you have the passion in your sport and if you like to do it, then that's a super great drive to um, maintain your your training regime and everything. Um, and, and yeah, I think that, um, you know, even just looking at things in terms of like the Olympics, the Olympics is amazing. It's, you know, the epitome of high performance sport, but if it's just one day, you know, is it enough? Is that enough drive for you? So you really have to find your why and find what works for you and just customize it to that. 
I also just found probably my first main roadblock into getting into ski jumping. Well, I mean, also the fact we don't have any facilities in Australia. But secondly, that I would probably be the rock on that paper plane. <laughs> you know, I might have to kind of shed a few pounds in order to achieve that. I don't know how much I would fly. Probably jump off and just go and flop straight away. So... Well, you you'd know. probably go pretty fast on the end run, so at least yeah, you well. have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting to also know the little stat that you apparently are officially the 100,000th Olympian, which was a little fact that was dropped to you during the Pyeongchang Olympics. Now, how is that told to you? Like, does somebody just kind of tap you on the shoulder once you've landed after your first run and go, by the way, by competing that jump, you are the 100,000th Olympian? No, I mean, it seems pretty weird and it's convoluted. Like, it's, it's confusing to me. I mean, I got told at a presser, basically, like, a pre- like an interview, that I was like the 100,000th Olympian. And as an athlete, it means absolutely nothing to me. I don't think it's supposed to. Like, I couldn't care less. I should have, I think, in, in the long run of things, I regret not playing it up more and making it more of a big deal and maybe gaining some some popularity off of it. But, uh, no, at the Olympics, uh, that was not at all what I was focused on. That's for, that's for sure. But it was cool to have that little, you know, Mr. 100,000 or whatever whatever they were calling me for a little while there. But, uh, but yeah, at the, at, the, at the games, I was pretty focused on, on what I had to do there. But, but it's yeah. It's fascinating that the historian who came up with that knew that. So I'd like to think he was literally sitting there during the Olympics going, okay, this is the schedule. This is how it plays out. These are all the debut Olympians. And by the time we get to you, it's like, okay, I'm doing my math correctly. All right. If he officially goes 100,000, there it is. Like it's the, the stats involved in collecting that fact is, is incredible. Yeah, 100,000 is a big number, um, bigger than I care to know. I mean, I don't, I don't count that. High. I don't even know what that is. So for me, it's like, you know, it was pretty interesting that, you know, being number 16 on that day, I just happened to be the, the 100,000th Olympian, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely not, uh, you know, it's not taken lightly by me. I mean, I think it is a big deal. And, you know, there has been that many Olympians throughout the years and it, it is cool, but uh, but it's all, in the long run of things, it hasn't changed my life in any way. <laughs> <laughs> the IOC doesn't like give you a quick call and go, by the way, Casey, here's a bonus check for being so yeah, sadly, no, I good. Wish, man, I wish, <laughs> I, I love learning so much from some of the guests we've had on recently about the real mental aspect of ski jumping. I think we had it explained that it's pretty much 80% mental, 20% physical which to to me is is an incredible sort of discrepancy when it comes to that but when it comes to your mental preparation for an event sort of do you have anything that you do yourself that maybe other ski jumpers don't or is it kind of a case is there a go-to mental preparation method which generally works for most ski jumpers um so what i've been doing is i listen to music at competitions but only with one earbud in because um i like to hear the announcements um So that kind of helps. And then while I'm actually like getting ready to jump and stuff, if I have any like time where I'm just sitting there. So instead of being anxious, um, I recite written poetry in my head. Wow. Which like, yeah, I've tried like singing in my head, but it didn't like take my focus off of being anxious enough. So now I now I recite poetry in my head. (laughs) Wow. So is this poetry that you've written yourself or do you have like a favorite poet that you kind of go to? No, I kind of, I have one really long one memorized. And so I just kind of pick up pieces from that when I need to like, just focus and stuff. It's um, Jellyfish by Sarah Kay. 
Okay. Wow. Can you give us yeah. a taste? Am I putting you on the spot if I ask you for a bit of jellyfish? <laughs> but, you know, I, I, don't, I can't um, say I've ever heard of it before. Uh, yes. I also haven't competed in a while, so I'm going to have to remember it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it was somewhere between the first day of school and the last, somewhere between morning and nightfall, somewhere between New York City and the very tip of Long Island. There was a nine-year-old girl standing somewhere between the shoreline and the sand dunes, scanning the horizon like a hawk, like an Amazon warrior, like Charlemagne the morning before he took on his last enemy, jellyfish. There were jellyfish on my beach and in my ocean, and that silhouette of a soldier, that was me. I was the nine-year-old protector. I was the Amazon warrior. I was the conqueror of the venomous. I was the, no, sorry. I was the vanquisher of the venomous. I was the conqueror of the jellyfish, and I was armed with my bucket and my legs, which were strong enough to hold against the pole of the sinking tide and wait for one of those red and purple translucent throbbing bubbles of death to float unexpectedly into the claws of my plastic trap, and then to dart onto the shore <clears throat> to toss my captives mercilessly into the sand pit I had dug, never stopping for breath, except for a juice box under the shade of a green and white umbrella. That's kind of all I can remember off the top. Wow, but, that's I, I've got to give you yeah. a clap for that. That's brilliant. That, oh, thank I, you. I've never like that's insane. Like, and that that like the the focus that you have just to remember that. I mean, I could see it in your face there, kind of doing that. But like that that's got to help a big time, kind of in a sport like ski jumping to really like yeah. you, you're so focused. Yeah, because what I found is like um, with ski jumping under competition environment, if you're like thinking a lot about your ski jumping, you're likely to overanalyze things and mess stuff up. So if I can take my focus completely off of the competition until I'm actually like putting my skis on to go, I find that helps. So have you actually then considered a, a career post ski jumping in slam poetry? Because I can kind of see that there, there might be something sort of <laughs> going <quite>. on there. <laughs> that should be an Olympic sport. We're actually break dancing in Paris. Where's slam poetry? Come on. <laughs> That's gotta be, Wait that's long gotta enough, be it might be added. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> y- you never know that. Now, for our, uh, our our video audience right now behind you, I, I mentioned you off air. You've got the great finished jersey there, but I also see a, a series of bibs. So, is this is this something that you like to sort of collect, sort of after every competition that you that you get your bibs and kind of uh, put them on display the, the the most favorite ones and the ones behind you what are what are those ones that you've got uh so those are actually all the youth olympic ones Great. <laughs> and then that finished jersey is just kind of a um that my old jersey that i used to play with um and honestly it's just um kind of like a memory type thing and i've my teammates have said, I mean, on based on the way they act is they kind of grew out of that phase or I don't know if they ever had that phase, but they're giving away bibs left and right. And whenever I'm asked to give away a bib, I'm like, wait, no, I want this one. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm sure I'll grow out of it someday. But for now, I, I enjoy collecting everything that I compete and like I have all my um, accreditation and stuff like that from competitions. And I, I keep those. Is it a sport in which there's bib trading? So, like, if you, say, make the Olympics and then you come across a guy who you're like, oh, my God, you're my idol, I want to meet you, like, I want to swap bibs. Like, does that happen at all? Um, Actually, not that I know of. Not uh, bib swapping, just because most events, all the bibs are pretty similar. Um, But I guess the bigger thing is, is uh, uniform swapping. 
Right. Um, yeah. So like the last day of youth Olympics, everyone was out in the middle of the field, uh, huddled around, like asking to trade different pieces of clothing and stuff like that. Great. Did you get any cool sort of, uh, uniforms that, uh, what did you trade for and, and what sort of the favorite one that you might've gotten? I actually got a Germany, uh, t-shirt from nice. another Nordic combined athlete. And then I got an Australian, uh, ah. quarter, uh, quarter zipper, like long sleeve shirt. It was, um, I actually don't know who that came from. I just kind of, it was kind of a quick exchange. I was going to say that wouldn't have been from a Nordic combined athlete. So I don't know. I was going to no, say, what sport no. was that from? <laughs> We've had one Nordic yeah. combined athlete ever in the Olympics back in 1960. So it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> mentioned before world championships 2013 the success bronze medal you get at the the world champs particularly as you said with with your brother as well does that rate as the highlight of of your career coming away with a a world championship bronze medal yep so far um (laughs) i mean i i look back on that day that that year was special i got my first world cup podium in seyfeld austria we had our first World Cup team podium in Schoenach, Germany, and then our first World Championship team podium in Val de Fiem, Italy. Um, I was skiing really well that year. And so I remember getting my podium a couple of weeks before World Championship started, saying, and one of the, the um, media channels was like, does this make you an underdog for world championships? I said, this is my first podium, but we have a team that is capable of producing good results. And, and if anything, we've shown it over the years that we show up to these events ready. And so to be able to come away with a medal was a dream come true. Um, and to be able to do it with my brother was, you know, a bigger dream. Um, but to do it the way that we did it is uh, even better. Give us give us a taste for those who maybe aren't familiar with kind of how it happened. How did it all play play about? Um, so a friend of ours started a temporary tattoo company called Stash Tats, and uh, it's a team event. Team events are for your country. They're a huge, you know team bonding experience. So we showed up our entire team, staff, wax techs, coaches, you know, personnel and athletes all wearing these American flag temporary tattoos. (laughs) What are you going to say to a person that shows up to one of the biggest competitions of the year with a temporary tattoo all over their face? (laughs) It's going to, it's going to distract you. Yeah. And, you know, we showed up and it threw a lot of people off. Wow. It was, everyone's like, Oh my God, those are so cool. I can't, I can't stop looking at it. (laughs) We wore them. We wore the hell out of those all day long, the jumping around the skiing around and on the podium. Wow. Are you allowed to do that at the Olympics? Because I know the Olympics are very restricted with certain things that you can and cannot show. So like, could you could you show up to, to Beijing and go, well, that that worked for us like a decade ago. Come on, time to bring back the tats. Yeah. 
No, I mean, uh, yeah, you could do it at the Olympics. I, I know people have done face paint and stuff like that. So I imagine that would slide. Um, you know, I'm kind of the opinion that that was that team's thing, you know, that that's something that was special with the, the guys that were in, um, Val Lafayette in 2013 and, you know, to, you know, have another team try to replicate that would be cool. Um, but I don't think it would be as, as special as what we did it as. case too because as we're finding out a lot with winter sports is that you don't really have these multi-sport events that a lot of the summer athletes have outside of an olympic games right like you don't have a pan ams or a, or a commonwealth games or something like that so is it also a case too of you can not only just go off and enjoy maybe watching the the snowboarding the, the figure skating things like that but it's also a case of you can you can you know shoot the shit with some of these guys and girls and basically be like hey so like you're 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 in skeleton tell me the you know the aspect of that i want to learn more and, and kind of you know learn from other athletes as well yeah definitely um my roommates at youth olympics were a cross-country skier a skeleton and a luge athlete. So wow. a bunch of different people, two sliding sports, two skiing sports, but um, the type of training and the type of athletes that they were was much different from what I was. And so um, it was definitely cool to, to see that. And then unfortunately, I think maybe it won't quite be like that in, um, in Beijing, but getting to interact with people from different countries, um, people from all from the u.s and from different countries and all different sorts of sports um and getting to watch those events was really cool um i i wish that could be the case for the beijing olympics as well i don't think um we get to stay to watch all of the other events um this year but it was still very cool when i was had the opportunity to do it i'm a, i'm a massive olympic geek clearly because i'm hosting an olympics podcast but do, do you get sort of caught up in things like pin trading, you know, like I want to trade a uniform, like, oh, I really like the Liechtenstein uniform, have a Team USA shirt, give me yours. Like, you know, you kind of get in the hype of all of that sort of thing. I wasn't the biggest trader on my team, but I do actually have an Australian Youth Olympics uh, kind of like quarter zip thing that I traded right. one of our Team USA quarter zips for. I got a couple different things. I have, I have a fair number of pins and a couple of traded articles of clothing, but I, I was by no means the, the biggest trader doing multi-stage <laughs> trades on, on the team, which I definitely saw going on, which was pretty fun. So how did that work with the Australian one then? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Kind of how did that work? Um, I don't remember exactly. Um, I think we were on a bus together and they had just finished. They were like getting ready to pack up or something. And they were like, Hey, I got this. You got anything we can trade for? And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's exciting that way. Now, um, I believe you weren't even able to compete in the super G basically because of, of the injury kind of what sort of happened and, and like sort of, you mentioned sort of what it was and kind of that sort of stuff. But I mean, how much were you pushing yourself or like listening to the doctors, but kind of wanting to be like, well, I just like, I'm at the Olympics. I want to be able to compete. Like kind of like, how was all that process before you were able to even get to your competition? Um, yeah. I mean, it was super tough. Like we, yeah, it was just, physio and rehab every single day um especially like for super g and then um 
couple of days before the Super G, we I tried to ski and it was it was too bad. And then um, I sort of thought like, yeah, it doesn't matter how bad it is, I'm going to race. Um, but then, yeah, it ended up being the doctor's decision saying, you know, it's, I mean, why, why even start if you can't even ski the way you want to, you know? Um, and it was, yeah, sort of a group decision to, to skip the super G and, you know, get as good as possible for, for my event. Um, which how hard is that when a doctor says like, this is a doctor's decision? Like, can you not somehow just be like, well, of course I want to ski how I do, but this could be my only Olympics. Like I, I, I need to do this. Yeah. Um, I sort of like, I, I mean, I sort of agreed. I, I was, I mean, I was there to do the GS. Um, the super G was sort of just, yeah, it was, it was a sort of a bonus. I hadn't, I hadn't trained much super G that year or raced it. So I was sort of, yeah, I sort of agreed with them. Like I was there to do the GS and, um, you know, I want to do as well as possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's tough, uh, tough in the situation, but, um, you sort of accept it and yeah, looking back was, it was for sure the best decision. So when it comes to the GS, what happened there? Um, yeah, I mean, I was feeling pretty good and my back actually felt like way better than it had been. Um, and, and then, um, yeah, I was skiing not too bad and I, yeah, I was feeling pretty good. And then, um, there was last like three gates. There was a bit of a terrain change and a bit of a direction change of the course. And, um, yeah, I just didn't react fast enough. And then, yeah, pretty much, yeah crashed in the finish um yeah a few a few of the top guys did that so i wasn't i mean i wasn't too bummed um it was sort of like a, a bit of a tricky section but um yeah i mean in the end i tried my best and yeah do, do you still get obviously you want to finish you want to do your best but i mean the fact that you were able to line up after the disappointment of not being able to go into the super g does it does that do you take away now like maybe after a few years of reflection to think well at least i got there i was able to start and ultimately didn't turn out how i wanted to but i still was able to get to that point where i maybe didn't think i was going to be able to get to that point yeah for sure i mean um i guess looking back now i was pretty proud of what i did and um you know, I did everything in my power to be there. Um, so yeah, I guess looking back as it was pretty cool that I was there to be, to start. Um, yeah. Do you remember what it was about ski jumping that you fell in love with at that young age? Uh, no, I think I just, I was just kind of going with the flow and I, I enjoyed it and I seemed enthusiastic. Like I, I would just go, I was going around and around and around and I was going off the jump again and again and I wouldn't stop. And I think that's why they, they kind of picked me out of the crowd and said, yeah, you should keep doing it. Cause lots of the kids would kind of get bored and wander and, you know, start picking grass and stuff. But um, yeah, I think I, I remember I was pretty fascinated looking up at the the really big towers at the top of Canada Olympic Park and I was like 
who would ever do that? Like, what is that? But I don't know if I made the connection when I was six. I don't know if I made the connection between that and what I was doing. But yeah, I guess I just had fun. I, I love the fact that there's these kids out there that were just picking grass who are maybe probably <laughs> going to be staring at the TV screen soon, watching you at the Olympics. Going, oh, God, if only I had have just taken one more jump. Could have been Abby's teammate, but I was too busy picking grass. <laughs> yep, those grass pickers, they'll, uh, they'll regret it. <laughs> yeah, unless they become like a gardener or something like that, you know. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> park Olympic ranger. Or, yeah, well, exactly. They could be uh, keeping, uh, you know, the Olympic Park there in Calgary better. <laughs> For the border cross races, I, there's a day where the coaches go up and they have a look and there's like a testing day and a few like selected athletes go through and make sure that the course is all running smoothly and that there's no um, parts where it doesn't work because it has to flow if everyone's going to be doing it. So like uh, I think it's two girls and two boys do it. And then often we either go up and we watch that or our coaches film it and they send it to us. So that's what we get first. And then... The following day, like before training, there's always a course inspection every morning, no matter what, because the course is different. The gates are set up different. The snow could be running weird. There could be like death cookies going into one corner and you've got to want to know that they're there. So um, we go through that and then we try and memorise the course as much as we possibly can. And that's something that I definitely struggled with last year was remembering like how many rollers are in a roller pack and all of that jazz. But um it's definitely something that comes with the time and I've been practicing and then I write it down and I highlight the parts where um, I think that they're going to be like the money makers. <laughs> when I was growing up, my sister, when she would take me through um, course inspection and into school, she would say, okay, this is the money gate. So I always look for the money gates um, and that's just something that I do internally and then I go home and I refresh it and then we often do qualifying the next day and then heats the following day or on the same day. You mentioned death cookies. Now it sounds like the best heavy metal band ever, <laughs> but I'm guessing it's got nothing to do with that. What what, what the heck is a death cookie? Um, it is where like the groomer, I think it comes from the groomers. It's where they like spit up and the um, balls of snow, they form. They could be all different sizes and shapes. And then overnight they freeze. Right. Um, so it's not smooth and completely easy to go through and it could cause some, you have to be like stable to go through there. Okay. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified that because I'll give you an example. During Tokyo, we got very confused in the rowing when they kept talking about hitting crabs. And we thought <laughs> there must be some crab infestation in the Tokyo water that we don't know about. I'm not seeing them. But now it was explained to us. We understand it. So now during Beijing, if all of a sudden the commentators are going, oh, she hit a death cookie. We're not going to be going like, well, what sort of evil cookies are the Chinese organisers putting on the course here? I don't I don't know what they're doing. So clarification, <laughs> I like this. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't. What does hitting crabs actually mean? I'm not. It's, I'm not. it's sort of the way they are hitting their, their stroke is kind of out of time. So like they're sort of hitting right. the water at the wrong angle and it puts their stroke off, if I'm explaining right. that correctly. Any rowers listening, if I've gotten that wrong, that is my uh, recollection of what was taught to me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Well, death cookies, there you go. Now you know. Another thing to add to the lingo. I do, yes. We, we, do, we do commentary, Josie, during the game. So if we do snowball <laughs> cross, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I remember that.
does that then when you come to double luge? I mean, is is that then even more complicated because you got two guys there basically having to to, to oh. work it out? Oh yeah, that's a whole new beast. Doubles luge. Uh, I I don't know a thing about doubles luge sleds. I mean, <laughs> you know the uh, the basics of it are quite similar to a single sled, but man, there's a lot going on in those double sleds. Yeah. yeah, which again, that's that's the the disadvantage of being the only Australian. It's not like you can sort of have you know like form yeah. an alliance with somebody to kind of do that. So come on, we need another Aussie out there so Alex can go on the doubles luge. Come Milan in twenty twenty six. Actually, I had a go at a double sled once, probably in twenty thirteen. Um, there was a Turkish team from in Kuningze from S three. They uh they kept crashing out of Krasl. And the coach was like, all right, Alex, I reckon you can get the sled down with this bottom man. Give it a go. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make it through Krasl. It was, it was different. You're so much higher. You can see a lot more. All the steers are delayed. And then um, I made it, I made it through Krasl. And then the next corner I crashed off the end. Wow. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah. It hurts so much crashing on a double sled because you got so much extra weight on you, right? You got, yeah. so you, your body weight and then someone else and a sled pushing you into the ice. It's uh, it's not wow. fun. Which it, it seems like it's one of the more closer sports uh, between athletes, but it's also a case of, it's also that weird, like it just looks absolutely insane that at some point in history, somebody's like, Luge is great. Yeah. But let's add another person. Well, why not? Let's 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 give it a crack. Who cares how it looks? People are gonna laugh at it. Sure, but this is awesome. Like it just—it's such an odd sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's strange from the from an outsider's perspective. But you know, we have so much respect for those guys. What and you know, being able to luge in a team environment—that's that's pretty cool. I mean, all the single sliders—we only got ourselves to rely on, right? We haven't got anyone to talk to about how the run went. And I mean, we can talk to each other, but those guys—they um—they form a pretty cool bond, you know? Yeah. And I um, have to. You're that close. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, they lie on top of each other. Let's let's be honest here. But <laughs> they um, yeah. I mean, it's. Once once you get past that, it's two men lying on top of each other. It's actually a pretty cool sport, believe it or not. In all seriousness, this might sound like I'm trying to take the piss, but I'm not. How do you decide who's the top and bottom? Like, is it is it a weight thing? Like, is it like how do you decide? It's a weight and tall thing. So the taller, bigger right. person lays on top, and the bottom man is is um you want them as small as possible. So the top so. You want the bottom man smaller so the top man feels like he's the only one on the sled, kind of. Wow, okay. Interesting. You think about it like that. And then also aerody- aerodynamically, it's better to have the um, the bottom person a lot smaller as well. So. Which is probably, is that the only sport that you can think of where the, the bigger person is on top, basically? Because it's usually the other way around, right? Like in sort of yeah, weighted yeah. sports no, like right. that. Yeah, I mean, I guess another reason the bigger person is on top is because in their start, right, These the top man is sitting on a, a stool that's quite a lot higher from the ice, so they need longer arms yep. as well. So It's fascinating, Alex. It is, it, it is. Yeah, it, it really is. contacted by Bree, the other Australian pilot, um, in 2018 after my non-selection for the Commonwealth Games. Um, and I was at the stall gift uh, racing there and her coach came up to me 
And it was just, it was very random. And he's like, oh, can I talk to you, Kiara? And I was like, yeah, no worries. And he's like, have you ever um, thought about bobsled? And I was like, I just, <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was a joke. Like I had, I, it was so out of the blue. And I was like, no, I have, I haven't. <laughs> so, and um, he, he's like, I, I think that you have um, the perfect sort of body for it. Um, heptathletes and decathletes generally do really well at it. Um, would you consider it? And I'm sort of just warming up for my running race. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is all, um, are you serious? Like, are you a lot? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I think you would be really, really good at it. And we're trying to, um, you know, build the, the women's team. And, and I said, oh, I, I, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll think about it. Thank you. And, and at that time, I was, I was really committed to athletics and um, I was just in a place where I... I wanted to run and um, I I was still trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life after the Commonwealth Games trials, um, if I wanted to continue with athletics, um, but I did know that I really liked sprinting and um, so I messaged back and I was just like, thanks so much for the opportunity. It would be really cool if I could just like jump in and give it a go, but I don't really have the resources or um, the time really um, to just go and do bobsleds. <laughs> so um, we we left it there. And then uh, a couple of years later, I got this other message from Ashley. Uh, and she was like, oh, hey, sorry to like send you a random message, but um, I'm, I'm an Australian bobsled pilot. Have you ever kind of heard about it? And I was like, actually, I've already been asked about this before. <laughs> and, and she was like, yeah, you, you know, you're a prime candidate for um, a push person. So um, I, I, I said the same thing to her, but I had, um, I had just moved to Melbourne um, just before she kind of contacted me. Um, and I said, no, I'm committed to athletics. I don't really have the financial resources to do bobsled. I'd really love to give it a go because honestly, like number one, I think I'd be good at it. But number two, I'm I, I'm scared that I'm will be scared of it. <laughs> so I don't want to commit to some I don't I don't want to commit to something that I could potentially hate um, yeah. because you know you're quite fast down an icy hill. So uh, I don't really know what that feels like. So I haven't even seen snow. So <laughs> she was like, oh really? Well, <laughs> um, so she left it there, but like. Just, you know, every couple of months would check in and um, check, check if I was still keen on athletics. Um, and then the pandemic happened and I got a few injuries with athletics. Um, I saved a lot of money through the pandemic because we couldn't do anything. Um, and I was just at a different sort of time in my life and a different, had different desires, I guess. And um, I was like, do you, do you think you still need someone? Like, um, I think, I think maybe I want to give it a go. I have, I, it was mainly the money. I had saved enough money to kind of support myself um, for that amount of time. My work was okay with it um, for me to leave for however long I needed. And yeah. And then she was, she was trying to play it cool, but she was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can and imagine. Ash is a bit excitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like a country like Australia, so I started at 21. That's not really a late start, um, just because 
obviously there's no opportunity to do skeleton locally here. Um, it does require a lot of time, effort and money. So I think around that, that late teens to early 20s age is, is pretty, pretty normal for a lot of um, nations who don't actually have a track. So it's not, it's not that late of a start and the longevity of a skeleton slider's career is can it can span to like late 30s so even if you do start a bit later like, like you do you do have a lot of time in the sport and uh yeah like if anyone wants to start late definitely don't worry about it like you can you can get to that level even even in your mid to late 30s cc so saying i still have a chance then basically as a 34 year old at the time of this interview that maybe hey if i decide to, in the coming months to take it up that uh you know milan 2026 i could be in with a crack Definitely, yeah. Give it a go. All right. Okay. I'm still trying to break that that streak of being Tasmania's first ever Winter Olympian. We're the only state of territory to never have had a Winter Olympian. So, look, I, I'm always trying to find an in somewhere to create history for Tasmania. <laughs> I didn't actually know that, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I actually I actually recently just went through all the, the numbers of Winter Olympians from Australia and... We've had Winter Olympians from the Northern Territory and the ACT, but Tasmania is is the solitary state or territory that we have not had one. But and I, I don't know if you're aware, uh, you're the first uh, male skeleton athlete from Western Australia too, only the second from Western Australia. So th- there's a stat that you can add to your to your list there as well. So uh, little things like that are, are great to kind of I guess keep in your back pocket for a trivia night in the future potentially. Yeah, there you go. If they ask me that question, I'll guess I'll know it. One event you did before Pyeongchang, the Asian Games in 2017. Now, I mentioned bronze medalist uh, in the the women's sprint. Now, now, technically, though, you don't get a bronze medal, though, do you? Because Australia's invited and we're not allowed to win medals. Like, how is this fair? Like, like, do you have to argue the case here? It's like, I, I should get a bronze medal here. This isn't fair. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting experience, like crossing the line and being super stoked to get the bronze. And at that point, we didn't know that we weren't allowed to receive medals. Um, so anyway, I finished and I'm putting my clothes back on and then I get promptly notified I have to go to doping control. Um, I was like, okay, well, you know, I've got like ceremonies first. And they're like, no, no, no. I was like, mm, I think I do. I just got third. And they're like, no, no, you got to come. I'm like, Oh, hang on. <laughs> and then we go down. It's like, no, no, you just get to pee in a cup and that's it for you. <laughs> I was like, hey, thanks. <laughs> wow. Wow. Which like, it must, it must just be such a, I mean, obviously you finished third. They can't take that away from you. But again, you don't get, a medal. Uh, I mean, and it's not like you just finished third. You finished third by quite a significant distance, right? So it's kind of like, well, where's my medal? Like, it's kind of, you know, I, f- I feel like there should be some sort of thing there where if they're inviting us to compete in the Asian Games, like, if we're not eligible for medals, we should get something, right? I mean, do you, do you get anything for finishing third? Uh, I think... I, I think, like, the kind of support staff are feeling really bad about the situation. So uh, I think I ended up getting, like, one of the mascots as, like, a, with the team got given, like, a couple of the mascots as a toy. And so I actually came home and on my hotel, like, in the hotel, my door was just covered with, like, um, bronze medalist Casey Wright lives here. So it was, like, really nice. awesome to come back to see that. And then they're like, oh, here you go. Here's a soft toy. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> um yeah, I, I guess like, you know, medals are one thing, but, you know, on the inside, 
you know, that that's what was more important for me. And uh, to be able just to have that result and the feel the way I did on that day, you know, it was kind of one of those days where everything just falls into place. And I think, um, you know, that was definitely more valuable than, you know, a medal, a medal when you, when you think back on that. I can't believe it is 20 years since I can say that a little event happened that Australians remember very fondly, the 1,000 metres at Salt Lake 2002. Might be something you maybe don't remember as fondly as we do in, in, in this country. I just, I just want to ask when it came to that race that I, I read in Stephen Bradbury's autobiography, he said, you said in that book that you didn't really kind of look at Steve as a threat in that race because you had everybody else going there. But you then said, if anybody else was going to win that race besides yourself, you'd like to see Stephen win it because he'd been around for a little bit, you know, what, fair while in the sport. How do you Not a little like bit. Back- Steve, Steve was around for a long time. He was, <laughs> yeah. I believe because you, you first watched Short Track in 94 when he won our first ever medal. So, uh, you know, you, you were, what, uh, about, what, 12, I think, in 94, weren't you? So probably seeing him create history back there. So there you are racing against him. But how do you look back at that race? I mean, you obviously went on to win a lot more gold medals and everything, but is, is that one that stands out on a different perspective from you, obviously, given what happened and that he, everyone fell over and he wins this gold medal that is etched in folklore in Australian Olympic history? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's the single most important race of my life. And it's funny because it's not the color of the medal that I thought that I deserved at the time or that I wanted. No one goes in the Olympics wanting to win a silver medal. Everyone who goes into the Olympics wanting to win a gold medal. That, that's how we're conditioned to believe, right? Which is, which is fine. Um, but it was, a, it was a significant race. Um, it represented a lot of things that are much more contextual and layered, I think, now looking back 20 years ago. And it, it's a, it was a really important life lesson that I really carry with me today, not only from Steve and uh, how you look at his lens of life, but also in terms of my own path and how I responded to that. So it was, it, was, it was really interesting. The one thing that I love about the whole race and the story is that you were wearing a pair of skates from Stephen Bradbury's company. And he said yeah. to you, I believe if you win the gold, because everyone expected you to win the gold, you've at least got to give me a mention. So do you think that was some, some sort of weird, like universal karma going, okay, we'll give you a mention by letting him win the gold. And still, he also kind of gets a silver with your skates coming home <laughs> in second place as well. <laughs> uh, look, I have no idea about the universal karma. I, I can tell you that life works in very mysterious ways. Um, people don't know, so, and maybe they do, you know, in that side of the world around Stephen's background. So Steve, I'll, I'll give you the explanation, right? Stephen Bradbury, he's actually an incredible physical specimen, like yeah. genetically was incredibly powerful and strong. And then you combine that with the guy actually busted his ass. Like he really trained hard. And I can say this cause I love Steve. He just wasn't very good at speed skating. Like his technical aspect, he couldn't put it together. Okay. <clears throat> doesn't mean that he physically wasn't gifted. Speed skating is a very technical sport. And so you can be the strongest person in the world, but if you can't transmit that power into the ice efficiently, um, it's like you're skating 50% below your level. And so, you know, I'd known Steve, I'd known his style. Um, the way that Steven had actually got into the final was something similar. People didn't fall down, but there was like disqualifications and some other things that happened. 
So he has back-to-back races where, you know, in our sport, we would say, well, he got lucky, but no one cares if you got lucky. All that matters is that somehow, some way, and I love the name of the title of his book, he was the last man standing. Yeah. And whether by choice, by default, by pure luck, the ability to, I think Stephen was basically watching the last half of the race from the back of the pack, really just watching to see what was going to happen. And then hoping there was going to be some sort of a crash and he could snag the bronze medal or something like uh, of that like. Um, you know, I had, before the race, I had already written Steve off. Like I, I not in terms of like, um, I just didn't think that he was going to be in the mix in the last three and a half laps of the race. And, and, I, and I was right. Like he, he wasn't, he wasn't there. Um, and, you know, to, to have seen kind of what happened post his winning gold, I think Steven was just as, as surprised as everyone else was when he won that race. And his, you know, his going through his own trauma of like having a blade go through his leg and like multiple times where Steve broke probably should have just, yeah, broke his neck. I mean, this guy like had gone through the most horrific of injuries and he's always yeah. come back uh, is, is to me like a testament of like just when you believe the world has all of its odds against you in every capacity and the world tells you you're not going to win. Other people tell you you're not going to win and you're not good enough and you don't have what it takes. The, the life of, that you live wor- works in really mysterious ways. And so if you think about it, Steve had tried to open 100 doors, right? And the, all 100 doors were locked. Yeah. And he, I'm, I'm assuming most of us would be like, all the doors are going to be locked. That's 100 doors. You know, there's not even 1% of these doors that is open. They're all locked in this house. But he kept going and he tried to open that 101st door in which when he opened the door and he turned the knob and he was able to step in and that's how he won. So I, I just, I think it's an incredible story of like perseverance, et cetera. And I think that it's, as you say, like, I mean, his book, Last Man Standing is, is incredible. It is the entire journey behind it. And of course, everybody just overlooks the journey. They just think of that race. But the thing that I, I find unique about probably your Salt Lake experience is that a lot of people probably think you come out of those games as the most hated man in Korea, but they don't realize that you're probably one of the most loved mans in Australia. Uh, that you know, helped us out with that uh, and everything that came from that. So did you ever get, ignoring all the hate mail you got from Korea after Salt Lake, did, did you get any, you know, love letters from Australians going like, hey, thanks for that. We, you know, thanks for the help. We, we're very happy with, that you helped us get a gold. Uh, it's funny because even to this day when, you know, like if, if I'm doing business and we're talking to a, a company in Australia um, and, and, you know, we'll kind of like, Oh, I'll kind of gloss over like my bio or like one of my partners will give my bio and background and they're like, Oh, you know, he's a speed skater. And they're like, Oh, I remember speed skating. Do you remember that race, uh, with one of our countrymen, Stephen Bradbury? I was like, I remember that race probably better than you do. And here's why. <laughs> so it's really funny. Uh, it comes up more often than not, which is really cool. Even when I give, if I'm doing like corporate executive retreats uh, to like fortune 100 companies and we're talking about like leadership principles and reinvention, et cetera, there's always like one Australian in the room who like, who like, you know, who like operates like a, a faction of their company and he'll like raise his hand and be like, you know, and, and kind of bring that up. And it's, it's, it's actually really endearing um, to kind of walk through that race again. Cause it was such a special time. I was really young. I mean, I was, I was, I always say like I was 19 years old going on 15. 
Wow. You know, because <laughs> in a sport, like I feel like your growth is stunted in many ways because you're just spending all your time doing one thing. And so other areas of your personal development is really stunted in its growth. And, and I just remember going through that process. It was such a weird time. Smart, we love these mixed relays and things. They're great. They are. They're amazing. I'm upset that they aren't putting the men and the women on the course at the same time. <laughs> it's a letdown. <laughs> yeah. None of this timed system and penalties and points. No, chuck them all on the Bullshit. course at the same time. Put them all. Just, just it's a demolition derby. Just fucking put them all out there. <laughs> crash them into everything. Yep. Just get yeah, them just out. Put the- Put the speed skaters and the aerials out there at the same time as well. <laughs> all the mixed events, just like people are flipping in the air. You got the speed skate, figure oh, skaters, the luge, fucking relay. We love that. Like just put the figure skate. Everyone, it's just a free for all. Shove them all in. Nordic combined it. All fifteen sports. Put them in ice hockey. Just and then the, the swimmers and the sprinters from Tokyo come and join in too. This is how the IOC saves on money. They don't have a winter and a summer and separate events in venues you just have like <laughs> just like the bird's nest right you've got a bit of ice here a bit of snow a bit of a skeleton track a bit of you know here there a ski <laughs> jump and then you just put them all in it was like a 12 hour event starts at nine finishes at nine last yeah, man is, and woman standing gold medals done this is the new way that we determine who comes out of the standings of the olympics is we have a royal rumble of all olympians <laughs> And you and you know who would win that? The Norwegians still. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the bloody Norwegians. <laughs> you, you talk about Canada being good in summer now. Don't get us started on Norway. We're scared for them now. They're getting too good at the, the cold and, and, and the warm sports. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to Thomas. He's only got a few more years left on his term. I mean, we know his speech is still going from Rio. He'll finish it eventually. Um, but... <laughs> That's that's a great idea. I love that. Jared, you're onto something there. Officially, as we put on our social media the other day, our athlete of the day is now called the Daily Dale. In in I'm not saying in a memoriam. He's not dead. We don't know if he's dead or not. We, we don't hear from him. He's probably been dead. But the legendary Dale Begg Smith, the Canadian I just want to say, I, I saw the graphic for that. I want one of those to hang around my neck. <laughs> right. Isn't that the greatest thing ever? Like, come on. Like, we should get one of them made and, like, legitimately yeah. we'll, like, just we'll get 16 of them made and send yeah. them out to, like, everybody. Jared, do you think that would be the hottest, like, medal to ever win in Australia <laughs> or, or around the world, basically, having little Dale Begg Smith hanging around your neck? Yeah, I feel like that's way more impressive than an Olympic medal. So, but maybe... I don't know. Trade it in. Trade it in for the for the for the daily Dale. I just actually want to say right now, Brisbane twenty thirty two Olympic mascot Dale Beg Smith. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little Dale. That's all it is. <laughs> Sitting on like a pile of money and an Olympic cold, <laughs> Olympic uh, like all the email spam accounts hanging around him. Like I know he's not from Queensland. Probably never it, been to Queensland in his life. But I mean, come his on. His face also coming out of an eggshell. <laughs> yeah. Stuck in a door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to see Dale You have to find him first. Um, like, I love it when you literally Google Dale Beg Smith in news and it comes up with like the elusive Dale Beg Smith maybe competing in the Olympics. Oh, he's making a comeback. Like the article's from Sochi. Uh, <laughs> 
just just shows up. How you doing, Doug? Good. Yep, yep, sweet. Uh, which, like, this guy cannot be found. Like, they found Osama bin Laden before they found uh, Dale Big Smith. <laughs> so, it's just a legend. And this is the thing. This is what I love about his enigma is the fact that, again, ask any Australian who is the most successful Winter Olympian of all time. They're never going to guess Dale Big Smith. They don't even know who he is. <laughs> like, he's our third ever Winter Olympic gold medalist and no one knows. Um, so, oh, the Daily Dale. I hope all our Winter Olympians, if you're listening, uh, bugger winning gold. Like, you know, Macau Kingsbury didn't win the gold, but I won the Daily Dale. <laughs> So it was their, their pestilent. Oh, I didn't win any gold, but I got the Daily Dale. Uh, <laughs> the Trinidad and Tobago bobsled team. <laughs> All they want is the Daily Dale. Little Dale Wings with hanging around their neck. Um, oh, God. What a man. What Seriously. What? Oh, just just want to hug him. Want to put him in a door. Want to put him in my pocket. And just <laughs> carry him around. Actually, we haven't actually mentioned with this, what, what, nearly, you know, 20 or so minutes into this episode, we haven't even mentioned the elephant in the room, the fact that a certain person isn't with us. You and I literally are doing this at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and the guy who's, you know, decent time for him uh, in Canada, Colin, uh, Colin actually has COVID. So uh, him and his wife, Jamie, and I don't know if the kids have it, but uh, they've been struck down with COVID, so he hasn't been doing too well. So uh, he said he's going to sit out for a couple of days. Uh, hopefully might be back on the weekend because I don't think he'll want to miss moguls for the world. So um, one of us had to get it eventually, Jared. Uh, I don't know if you've had it, actually. Have you had it? No, you haven't? All right, good. Have not. Okay, good. I've done four tests this week, and I know I haven't got it yet, so um, definitely not. But uh, we're thinking of you, Colin, you know, because we have to – do all the hard work now that you're not here. Jesus Christ. Um, He's just Canada's- going out in, in solidarity with all the flag bearers who couldn't be there because they were quarantining <laughs> at the time. Nigeria. I like, we'll talk about America. But like, this one volunteer from Nigeria is walking out the proudest moment of her life. It's like, I don't know, that's just Jenny from reception. <laughs> just going on, Jenny. Um, just FYI. Um, Frank's out sick. He's got COVID. Um, traditional Nigerian names. Um, and it's just, can you carry the flag for Nigeria? She, she, she's going to have that on a wall for the rest of her life, isn't she? She's just in admin. Oh, you know it. Absolutely. Oh, good for Jenny. But, um, yeah, no, Colin's Colin's very big fan of, of Nigeria <laughs> and uh, Team USA when it comes to that. Stay tuned and stay tuned to Channel 7. Watch their fantastic coverage every single day and particularly Joanna Griggs. What a host. Just watch her uh, on, on air, uh, I believe, from 10.30 or 10. One of those. I should really know that, shouldn't I? Um, recapping the opening ceremony. So if you didn't get enough of it tonight, <laughs> then at some point in the morning on Channel 7, you will see a great recap. And I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jared. Good to know what time so I don't show up to work, to work on time. <laughs> I walk in the studio. Yeah, you're not working here anymore. You're late. She got the research wrong. You're fired. Uh, I mean, let, let's pick. Let's pick something for him to sponsor right now. Uh, who Lulu should be Lemon. a sponsor? Lululemon. <laughs> God damn it! Like, this, I'm sorry. Those uniforms just like fucking hell. They're boring. 
Uh, like, it's really bad. And you know, it's, fu- oh. it's funny because I-, I wondered what the opinions were because um, I-, I saw a lot of athletes posting it. And of course you get like generic people replying saying, Oh, they're so beautiful. Then I saw an article online last night that said something along, along the lines of uh, everybody's hating on the Canada's Lululemon wardrobes, but let's be honest. Some of it's kind of cute. Oh, it's just, it's just boring. Like, and this is the thing, like I get it. Lulu well, it's, I wouldn't say that it's, I think it's anything but boring. The problem is, is it's way too much. Well, I just, I just, some of the ones that you see, it's like, for a designer brand that, like, I don't know, there's just something about it that just lacks, like, at least with Ralph Lauren with the US, like, it looks stylish. It looks kind of like something you would wear and, like, where's that? Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me and Lululemon. I just, I've never gotten the appeal of Lululemon and why it's so fucking expensive because to me it doesn't <laughs> look anything special. Like, Ralph Lauren, bit basic, but it looks special. Like the Australian Open, Jared, I don't know if you saw the stuff at the, the store at the Australian Open, like, it was fucking expensive. I'm not paying $80 for a t-shirt. I wanted to because it looked nice. Whereas like in Lululemon, I've never gone into a Lululemon store and gone, I will pay $420 for a sock. Like it just, it, it doesn't appeal to me. Why is it so expensive, Colin? What is it with Canadians and design of activewear? It's bullshit. I, I don't know. Like I, I think I told you I walked into the, the store and I think the cheapest thing I saw was $48 for mitts or something like that, or it might've been $78. For, yeah, exactly. Per mitt. Um, like there, there's really nothing that you can buy. I mean, even with, with the Bay for the summer Olympics, like there was some expensive stuff, but I mean, you could, you could get t-shirts for under $50. Um, I I'm, I'm going to hold out hope that maybe there's some, you know, last two days of the Olympics bargain sale, uh, 80% off, 90% off. I mean, even at 90% off, I'm probably paying triple digits for a t-shirt. Um, yeah, exactly. But, but it, it's also, there's nothing that really has caught my eye and I'm like, Oh, I really want to own that. Whereas the summer Olympics stuff for, um, uh, for Tokyo, I yeah. mean, I bought three of the t-shirts that they had and I still wanted more. Uh, I think we've officially lost our Lululemon sponsorship here on Off the Podium, by the way. But seriously, guys, like fucking just like Jared, have you, I, I feel I've asked you this question before, but like, have you been, like, are you a Lululemon man? Am I, am I offending you here with our, our Lululemon bag out session? I'm not. I agree with like, with both of the comments. It's this weird combination of the outfits themselves are really like minimalist in terms of, of, of styling and stuff, but then the combination of everything is just like, it's, is way too much. It was like the opening ceremony. We talked about like that random scarf thing that just looks so like bulky and uncomfortable. Uh, so just all these like layers on top of each other, but then the actual items themselves aren't anything special. It's just like plain, like red, like that's it. Nicholas Page is on top of the hill. Who wants to take Nick? Really? Uh, yeah, uh, you two are obviously behind, so I feel like you two have got more time to prepare if you want to wait for Nick. Um, I, I, I I was about to say a, a Toyota RAV is currently being advertised. <laughs> Jared, I don't know if you're seeing Mick Fanning he's, right now. He's, he's, Nick is Nick is finally on top of the hill. Yeah, well, I'm seeing Mick Fanning for some reason on my screen. I mean, I think they've got the wrong Olympics here. Uh, not that, I mean, no, they've got the right. It's Channel 7. It's perfect. Of course, nothing is going wrong here by getting Mick Fanning. Um, who wants to take Nick then? Because I believe we're going to have Nick, Cooper, Ben, Hakuma Matata, Mikhail, and Walter. So I feel that Colin will want to do Mikhail. So you can have Benjamin and Mikhail. Um, and I want to have Akuma. So I guess I've got to do Nick then. But I'm going to be ahead of you guys. So... 
Does that make sense? I think you guys are really ahead of me because I'm watching a Sobeys commercial. <laughs> well, you can commentate on that if you want. Um, so, I mean, do you have any preferences, Jared, on who you call? Do you want to call Coop? Uh, I couldn't care less. All right. Like, sure. <laughs> um, you can do Coop and you can do um, uh, Walter. I'll mm-hmm. take Nick and Akuma and Colin, you can take Ben and Mikhail. How does All that right. sound? All right, so sure. I'll, I'll, but I'm going to be ahead of you guys. I'm going to spoil Nick for you. So, or you um, can pause it and let us catch up. I, I can't pause it. It's live TV. I mean, <laughs> okay, Mister Fancy. You have those powers oh, now. Now, all right, okay, the only no, man watching on traditional television. Look, I'm not. I'm not doing Nick because Nick's already halfway down the fucking hill. So no, I've missed my chance. <laughs> I hope Nick's listening. It's going to be a happy white tangy day for him if Jaren's doing Nick. So, okay. Uh, not only is Zoe going to be winning gold, he's going to get some action apparently. Um, this is not, I really should have gone first because this is going to work because all of a sudden when it's my turn, I've gone down. Um, Nick's finished, by the way. So, it's about How did start. he do? What Tell me, how did he do? in the gloves, the goggles. Haven't seen the score ready. yet. And he's off. Mogul, mogul, mogul. Into the first jump. Look at the angles and lines. You're welcome, Britt. Good jump. Oh, mogul, 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 mogul. Tight knees. Mogul, mogul, mogul. Knees together. Patches looking good, looking good. Mogul, mogul, mogul. Keep going, Nick. Honestly, this middle section going slow. Mogul, 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 mogul. And finally, at the second jump, it is a Black Hawk down helicopter and over the line. Good job. Not going to get a medal. Uh, he's fallen over. The judges should take that into account, even though he was at the finish line. Um, but he's happy for himself. All right, I tell you what, I'm going to do Cooper. I'm pretty close I, to you, Jared. I'm pretty close. I, I haven't seen his scores coming up right now, so we'll jump ahead right now. The score, he's flipping his ski up and he's catching it. He's pumped his old Nicholas Page here. Woo! Um, he's got a 78.90. Ooh, okay. That's uh, interesting for old Nicholas Page. But at the top of the hill... Staring down his chance at an Olympic medal, breathing in his best Dale Begg Smith. It is Australia's other skier. It is Cooper Woods Topolich. Adjust <laughs> the helmet, adjust the gloves, adjust the goggles. History awaits. He looks. He skis. Mogul, 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 mogul. Oh, bit of a style mistake there. Flips over the top. That's the Dalebeg special. Mogul, 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 mogul. There's his favourite mogul there. He's hit it perfectly. He's going into his favourite jump. He's looking a bit out of control here. I'm not sure about the style on this one, but he's going to go into the jump, gets the knees up. What's he going to do this one? Is he going to do the Black Hawk Down special? No, he does the Nicolas Cage special. Oh, he's doing a bit of a rival there. He crosses the line and he's pumped. Not quite as pumped as old Nicolas Page, but... uh, he he looks he looks okay. I I I don't know about that one. Gotta say. All I gotta say is spoilers, Ben. You, you're welcome. I mean, I don't know how you expect me not to spoil it if I'm commentating it. Um, but uh, <laughs> you do you, uh, Colin Hilding. Now we need to get a seventy-eight point nine one to move into the gold medal place. But I'm not sure. I'm not feeling it. I don't think he's feeling it either. But I'm sure he'll be happy. The other skier would be happy with a top six finish here. And I think he's on for a top six finish. So we'll see if he can uh, maintain that. Look at, the, look at the flags on the knees there, the Southern Cross there. That's not Bogan. You can't say that's Bogan with the Southern Cross on there. Although I'm not sure about the, the fluoro green. Very uh, very iconic Australian colour there. And look at the, the beautiful style he does as he puts the arse over tit just over the head there. 
crosses the skis across. Classic X position. Cooper's favourite. And we just await the scores. Colin and Jared ready to get spoiled here. And he has scored a 78.88. Oh, he goes into second. So Cooper, happy with that. He hugs and waves. And his family sitting on the couch. Look like they'd be rather watching Better Homes and Gardens. But uh, what a great show that is. Better Homes and Gardens. Friday night's on. <laughs> Channel 7. Uh, Colin, over to you. Well, it'll be over to me in a few minutes when I get <laughs> Cooper's scores. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can help you out if you want. I mean, my, he's already laughing down the hill again, then, but, uh, you know. All right, well, let's just stall for time here. So uh, on the replay, Cooper, a 78.88 in second place. Uh, currently last, but also currently in silver. It's amazing how he can pull that off. Uh, and at the top of the hill, we have... Benjamin Cabay, there we go, finally. <laughs> uh, the most British Frenchman ever, the tallest Frenchman ever. And uh, this guy's really checking all Ben's boxes. He's French, he's British, he's Dayton Prin Lafont. And he's off his first jump, and his knees are a little bit wobbly, but how could they not be when you got Prin Lafont waiting for you at the bottom of the hill? And uh, I believe there's a little bit of cocaine in one of those hills because he's picking up speed really quick. And uh, second jump, he does the Saskatoon twisty berry. And uh, now he's at the bottom and he's either really upset or really excited. I can't tell, uh, but he's high-fiving. Uh, and there we go. Uh, <laughs> we're waiting on scores now. Um, I'm amazed that my voice has held up this long. Uh, and what a replay. Look at that. Uh, you guys, Ben, you got to tell me. I mean, British and French you have you have an issue with him or are you a Benjamin Cabe man? I mean, he's a beautiful man. I, I, I've not seen him without his goggles on. I couldn't tell you that. I mean, he doesn't have the chiseled jawlines of a Swedish curler, but I'm sure, <laughs> you know, if he can if he can land um, the, the what's the face, then I'm sure he's probably a good guy, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, we'll remove the British from him and just keep the French. But, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I just want to say the weirdness of the fact that I've got the live timing in front of me, which puts the scores up before my TV screen, and you guys are still watching fucking moguls from 2018. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, this is interesting. Um, I just want to point Very out I am wearing, right? I'm wear, wearing the Beijing gold here. Ready to hand it over to to Mikhail. So, um, have you got the score yet, Colin? We got the score seventy nine point four four. I have a good feeling he's going to be in the bronze position today. Right. Well, I'm going to be sat and commentating my Akuma Matata guy because he's already halfway down the hill for me. So, I think Jared, this might be yours. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I guess Colin, you probably want to do Mikhail. So maybe I'll do I'll do my man Wally. Um, so. Might have to cut you off at some point. Oh goodness mm -hmm. me, that's um. Yep. I I don't I, I, I don't think Cooper's going to get a medal, but just saying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you ready to um, start? But again, I don't know anything about moguls. That's probably a off. shit run. Oh, sorry. Mogul, 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 mogul. Into the first jump. Oh, bit of a stutter. Oh, fireworks, firework jump there. Another stutter. Oh, this is terrible. If this guy's not last, uh, there's oh. no justice. Good mogling in this middle section, but top <laughs> section ruined it completely. Um, mogul, 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 mogul. And oh, there's a shout out to the Flim Flam bin with, bid with that jump there. And over the line, 23.86 seconds. Uh, Usain Bolt would not be proud of that effort. Oh. Wow. This Colin. is kind of devastating for him. Like, this is the guy who most frequently, probably the only guy who really ever beats Kingsbury. And yet 
two Olympics in a row, this has happened to him. I, I just love the fact that I already know the score. So just. Um... <laughs> but he's so happy with it. That's the thing. I got to say, I, I, I did meet him once and you kind of expect Japanese skiers or Japanese anybody to be very reserved. But I asked him, like, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then I get my camera and I see him in the background. He's basically like, yeah, <laughs> like all excited. <laughs> Great, great impersonation of uh, uh, that's my that's my Akuma Hiroshima impression. Yeah, sounds like the beginning of a CSI episode. No, Jesus, David Caruso. Have you got the score yet? Jesus Christ, you guys are behind. <laughs> <laughs> Mikhail Keaton is literally about to start. Yeah, what? he's winning. What? Oh no, these judges. I don't know what they're doing. What was that? It, like, okay, sixty percent of the score. Oh man, no. All right, who's up? I uh, you are. You're doing Kingsbury. I'm, I mean, he's halfway down the hill. Oh, am me, I? So. All right, yeah. here we go. All right, the man of the hour, the man that COVID positive people all across the country have united for. Uh, this is Mikhail Kingsbury, uh, the Dale Big Smith of Canada, or the the second Dale Big Smith of Canada, um, the 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 Mikhail Kingsbury of Australia. Let's call him that. Uh, so we, he's getting ready to go. He's not listening to anything. He's listening to his keys and mogul, 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 mogul. And you better not screw this up. I'm not even going to try to be funny. Uh, this is what I got an hour and a half sleep for. Uh, <laughs> you're doing beautiful, Mikhail. Um, come on, go, go, go. <laughs> Move it, move it. His (laughs) knees are together. His knees are together. And he's got a second hill. Oh, we're going to have a gold. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus Christ. Colin needs a tissue. (laughs) Wow. And more places than one. That was was incredible. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to take over you very shortly because Wally's going to be taken up in a minute. Um, so oh, you, you go for it. You tell me the score. I want to be score? spoiled here. You okay. Tell me. He's number Kyle one. Kingsbury. I'm, like, I'm going to wait till it's up on my screen because I know the score. I can see it in the live timing. Score's about to come up now for how He looks. He hugs the skis. He strokes the skis. What can he do for Colin? Does he need to get Colin a box of skis? 82.18 is in the gold medal position. Yes! He's guaranteed at least a silver. Mikhail Kingsbury. Is it going to be his second gold or his second silver? What's he going to get? Third silver, right? No, second silver. Second. Second. So we got, is he, he had two golds? This will be his second gold. It'll be his second gold. All right. Okay. Right. Shut up. Wally's at the top hill now. He can't, he's my man. Wally Wahlberg of Sweden. Can he get Sweden on the board? They've had a bit of a drought, these Olympics, Sweden, yet to get a medal. He looks. He thinks. Abba in the mind. He thinks about Swedish curlers. He pumps himself up one more time. He gets his favorite box from Ikea. And he's off. Wally, 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 Wally. Flips into the Mark Wahlberg special. Lands it beautifully now. Now he's into the Wally bits. The Wally, 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 Oh, he's got a bit of a stuff up there. The knee's bent. The knee's bent. Oh, no. Stockholm's going to go off here if he doesn't get the gold. He will be shot in the streets of Stockholm as he flips over into the Ikea meatball special. Oh, onto the knees there. He likes it. He crosses the line. Oh, he's pumped. He's pumped. I think he likes it. I don't know if I like it, though. I don't know if it's Sweden's time to shine here. I think Canada might have the gold. The eyes are telling me that he even thinks it's not his. Colin, how do you feel about that run? <laughs> <laughs> the, the tone of your voice? I don't know. Um, 
I, I just like the fact that I'm watching his run now, but uh, I, I very much focused on you. I, I felt like this is the, the old days before television where you had to get your Olympic results by radio. Okay, I've seen the score online. I don't know if I want to see the score online or I'm going to wait to the reaction until I see it live. Or do you, I say, I'm going to, I'm going just, to shut up and let you two watch. Do you want to see? Okay, you want to fine, know? fine, fine. We're, we're going to watch. We're going to watch. This I, is the I reveal am, here. I'm not saying a thing. I'm getting the live reaction here, people. I'm, I ain't saying it. I'm seeing his reaction Wally. now. And he's crying already. He hasn't even seen his score he's yet. He's crying. Ooh, spoiler. A man wins. Okay. Yes. Has he started on your screen yet? <laughs> no, I'm still watching uh, Wahlberg's uh, Mark replay here. And the Funky Bunch. Yeah. yeah wait, he he's, got, he's got good vibrations, though. So, wait, you've seen the run and you've seen the replay, or you haven't seen the score? It's still in the middle of the replay. Oh, so you've seen the run. Jared? Yeah, the score's about to come up. Okay, so you've seen yeah, the run. He's, he's, okay. he's waiting. Yeah. He's waiting. I'm getting the reaction here. You ready? Oh wow! <laughs> That's very subdued, Colin. Um, well, oh wow! Well, no, 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 like, like I've I've said it to you a million times before. If if my favorite gets beaten, I'm happy. You know, I'm I'm happy for whoever could beat my favorite. Like I'm, I would love for Kingsbury have to done this. He's still the first three time medalist ever, but like. Wow, like Wahlberg, he he sort of slowly crept up over the last year or two, but this is crazy for him. We should, mention, right now, we should is... mention that he won, by the way, people. Yeah. Wahlberg won. He got oh, an 83.23. Well, I mean, my reaction didn't yes. give it away, yes. <laughs> Wahlberg wins. Such a history-making day for the Winter Olympics, isn't it? <laughs> Southern Hemisphere nations are, are going off. And, of course, they're going to play their coach, John Morris, uh, in literally nine minutes now. Colin, I mean, you would have probably no doubt been asleep with this, but were you happy to wake up to see that Australia had uh, broken through for a win in Olympic curling? And again, against the Swiss, your enemies from Pyeongchang, the, 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 the neutral, no, like, no one has any feelings towards the Swiss because that's just what they like. Uh so so no joke yesterday i was thinking about the five losses they had all ben's fault again going to continue to say that um and i was imagining as we were talking yesterday uh, as i i was asking you know is this sort of like your cool runnings and you said literally that's how it's being told here is your cool runnings and i was imagining five losses how many left i'm like how does this become a movie and i imagined to myself well it it, it ends with them just getting one win uh, I'm a huge fan of the TV show Friday Night Lights. And in one of the seasons of Friday Night Lights, I won't spoil which one in case Ben's planning to watch it or Jared's planning to watch it. But in one of the seasons of <laughs> that, that's, well, almost, uh, maybe in the early 20s. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a season where the entire thing is they just need to win one game. And that's sort of like the big climax. And it's it's more heroic story than you think it would be. And similar to like, you know, a lot of these sports movies, like Cool Runnings, they don't win in the end. And I was imagining oh, what their, their story would be. <laughs> but I don't think you could have written a better ending. You don't need to end the movie on Canada or Italy. You have the movie with them being great, qualifying for the Olympics, being the Cinderella story, the underdog story, and then losing five straight, cursing Ben Waterworth's name. There's your villain in the movie. And then all of a sudden, COVID. And what, what's going to happen? And I can't believe this is going to end like this. No, I'm going to compete through COVID 
and I am going to win. And you just end the movie there. Like we have now written the ending of the Dean and Tally film. I'm in. Um, who's playing Dean? Who's playing Tally? Who's playing Ben? <laughs> I'm playing myself. Come on, you know me. Willem Dafoe. Uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> Noah Groves as Ben Waterworth. <laughs> Um, I'd watch it. Jai Courtney. <laughs> Jack Smiggins as Dean Hewitt. <laughs> and Jack Smiggins as Tali Gill in <laughs> Curling, A True Underdog Story. <laughs> Fe- featuring the music of Jack Smiggins. <laughs> uh, listen to Double Double 007. Great show. Uh, Jared gets the joke. He's laughing. Um... Spoiler alert, she's in the lead. She has scored an 80.28 and is in the freaking lead. Jalen Kauf this. of the United States is in gold. So we're going to have a name beginning with J winning the gold medal here. Is it Jakara? Oh, she's love of life. Jalen, Perrin is not going to medal. Well, maybe. I mean, Jakara, probably now that I've said that. <laughs> Um, Jalen is loving life. She's hugging. She's making out with somebody. Oh, there goes the clothes. But here we go. Destiny for Australia. Jakara Anthony stands at the top of a mountain and stares. She stares into history right now. Can she repeat the gold medal performance that Australia still talks about? Dale Begg Smith, 2006. And in honor of Dale, we will make sure he's involved in this commentary. She sucks it in. And she's off. Dale, 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 Dale. Into the 11th mogul. Oh, she survives it. She flips into the twisty corky. Oh, she lands out beautifully. Dale, 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 Dale. Oh, she's looking good here. The knees are very, very straight. She's going to try and do the triple cork Dale flip. Is she going to land this successfully? She does this. I'm calling it now. She's going to win the gold. Bounces off that left Dale, the right Dale, the left Dale, the right Dale, the left Dale, right Dale. Here she comes into the second jump. The crucial Dale flippy. She lands it. She's got it. She's going to cross the line in a time of 27.63. She's pumping the air. Jakara. I think she's done it. Uh, you said what I, was her time? 27. That Don't might look be a at bit like slow, that. but... <laughs> hey, I'm a bit slow when I'm on this episode, so you leave me alone. Look at the form in the replay there. She's grabbed the ski. I'm she's watching grabbed now. the beg and the smith. And, oh, look at the form on a butt. Look, bus. she's... She, her turns are fantastic, which probably means she's not going to I'm saying it now. I have this never board. seen... <laughs> I have never seen a crack as synchronized as Jakara's on that second jump. And that to me is going to get a high point margin from that Russian judge. So I'm just waiting now and look at the, the way the knees just bend and left on the left and right. Dale flips it over. Is this going to be the drought breaking moment? We've seen a drought of 70 years broken for New Zealand today. Can the drought of 12 years be broken for Australia here for a gold medal as the scores come up? She's done it. Gold for Australia. <laughs> Wow. 83.09, Jakara Anthony. She's climbed the mountain. She's skied down the dales. And the Dale Beg Smith of female mogul skiing has done it. Australia, gold in your face, Canada. We're on top of you in the medal tally. You can't even win a gold in moguls. Mikhail who? Who gives a shit? Ben Waterworth prediction of a gold medal going to Jakara Anthony has happened. She's coming on off the podium. Probably not now. She's a gold medalist. She's probably too big for us. But, hey, whatever. Uh, (laughs) 
and history for Australia. We've won two medals in one day at the Winter Fucking Olympics. Jared Lubick, start the streets of partying up right now across the country. Come on. Yeah, this is insane. And finally, a run that looked good, getting a good score. Uh, the silver medal, I don't know what was going on there, but this, it made sense. Moguls make sense again. Um, oh, what a run, what a finish. And now you finally have a proper Australian gold medalist mogul skier. <laughs> you, you, you watch your mouth about Dale, all right? The Daily Dale. <laughs> Is there for a reason, Colin Hilding? Okay, on the day that Dale Beg Smith is honoured on Dale Beg Smith Day, you're not allowed on the episode anymore. I'm banning you from this show <laughs> for your your rudeness when it comes to uh, Dale Beg Smith. Uh, but Jakara Anthony, gold medal, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So so Nick's on the show. Yeah, you know she's actually really Australian. No, no, Dale Beg Smith, really Australian. <laughs> Shut up. We're hypocrites in Australia. You deserve it. And you know what? The best news about Jakara winning the gold. We're ahead of New Zealand on the medal tally. So fuck you, New Zealand. <laughs> that lasted That's what you for get. about 12 hours, Nick. <laughs> That's what you get when you mess with Australia at the Winter Olympics. Um, breaking news in the curling. <laughs> at the halfway point after four ends, Canada, zero. Australia, seven. Oh! <laughs> the mercy rule's got to come into play in a second, this- Colin. <laughs> This is the end. Okay, this will be the ending to our movie now. We're going to put this movie together. <laughs> this is, I'm sorry, if we beat Canada in curling with a mercy rule, <laughs> Jakara who? <laughs> <laughs> like, like again, this is like if Canada played Australia in cricket and bowled us all out for like 10 and won in like two deliveries. This is a spanking. You, who, who are you, Colin? Like curling's like, just what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Pick your game it's up nothing to do with me. I told you coming into these Olympics, I'm pulling for Dina Talley. Well, this, like get, get, get every one of our athletes COVID. All right, Tali, I want you to fucking go home tonight and celebrate. Grab Scotty James, fucking make out with him for 10 minutes. <laughs> grab Laura Peel, grab Danielle Scott, grab Bree Walker. Kiara, like, grab them all. Grab every single athlete and make out with them. Just just fo- grab the Jamaican bobsled team, let them win a gold. <laughs> fucking just, just go to fucking town on everyone, all right? Like, everyone wants to win a gold. This is, you, you said it, Colin, it's the doping of the Olympics. <laughs> It's get COVID. This is brilliant. We've, we've cracked the code. Um, what this, I mean, I just, I'm so happy, Jared. Seven nothing. End the game right now. I know this is this is insane. I told you once they won one, the momentum just undefeated. And winning if they if they'd won that first match, they wouldn't have lost any of them. They are, they are undefeated <laughs> since COVID. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, what, what a day for Australia. Bronze medal, you! Uh, gold medal for Jakara and s- smashing Canada in curling. This is ridiculous. And actually, in all seriousness, breaking news in the luge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we won a top 20 for Alex. After three runs, he's in 17th. <laughs> this is brilliant. Oh, my God. I don't know where to look right now. Uh, the curse is in the purse now for off the podium. If we're going to be Canada in a mercy rule in curling. <laughs> it's the most embarrassing day for Canadian sport ever. The del- John's the looking point. really unhappy too. He's usually oh, such a cheerful guy. 
I wonder, can we just like go into Milan and have every single team coach us so we know all the secrets like, <laughs> and have COVID? Um, oh, so I guess uh, Metal Tally would be a nice update right about now. Um, we're being in Canada at the Winter Olympics on a Metal <laughs> This is the greatest day in Australian sporting history. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reuse a famous phrase. If anybody sacks their uh, employees tomorrow for not showing up to work, you're a bum. (laughs) Iconic. Um, Norway are on top still. Uh, Fucking Norway. Uh, Two gold and one bronze. Uh, Sweden in second, two gold, zero silver, zero bronze. Third rock, one gold, two silver, two bronze. Netherlands, one gold, one silver, two bronze. And in fifth place. Australia, one gold, <laughs> one bronze. We are tied with Japan and Slovenia, but still, we'll take it. <laughs> Stop the Olympics. Stop the Winter Olympics right now. Um, Canada are equal 12th with a silver and a bronze with Austria. Come on, pick your game up. Um, and, of course, uh, speaking of Jamaica, update on Jamaica. Uh, they're currently in equal 19th with zero gold, zero silver, and zero bronze. Uh, so they'll be pretty happy with that. I'm sure that uh, that's exceeded their expectations coming into these games. Uh, I, I was going to read some fan messages from um, the, the AOC website, but I, I can't. Oh, I thought meant our fans. Yeah, <laughs> Shut the fuck up and show some live sport. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. I've picked up the wrong paper there. Uh, <laughs> Did we also, should we mention with Max Perot that the guy beat cancer? Did you even mention that? Was I listening to yeah. you when you talked about that? Well, I can't remember. Was that before the last Olympics? I thought that that I might think have it was been after. I, I, th- yeah. I think it was 2018, it said, and then he got cancer free in 2019. So, pretty incredible story. Good. <laughs> yeah, Good for him. Glad, yes. Lots of comments. Good I, for him. I mean, yes, that you, I will confirm <laughs> he, he beat cancer and also uh, beat his fellow countrymen. Um, uh, what did yes. they do wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Get back on the slope style, you bastard. Pete, Pete, Pete. <laughs> Just goes around with a club. That's a paddling. Uh, <laughs> Jared, how does that rank on the Jared joke scale? It's about a seven. Oh, all right. I'll take it. Uh, it's only, only one below Akuna Matata. So um, doing all right there. Thank you very much. You need to step away here, my friend. Like, I just, like, if this happens, I, I don't think I, we have I, a choice. How long am I step- <laughs> I mean, let's let's decide on an athlete day, then I'm gone. I'm out of here. Like, like, it all, but like, like, how am I meant to decide on an athlete of the day if something's about to happen without spoiling it for you? Because I feel that we need to give it to a team if something happens here, because this is history and I'm, this is I, a Canadian. I, I'm okay with not, I mean, Canada will have more history in these games. I guarantee it. Uh, oh. I am. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jared, what are you thinking here? Like, can you mute yourself for a second, Colin? <laughs> la, 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 la. Mute yourself. Mute, mute us. Mute, like, just take your headphones off. Can you can you do that? Have you done it? I don't know. If he, if he hasn't, and I spoil it, then I'm just I'm doing a Jared. All right, Jared. It looks as though it looks. I'm scared. I'm going to spoil this with Colin. It looks as though Canada are going to win a bronze in ski jumping. Um, okay, hold on. I have decided. 
it's going to probably be a few hours before I can watch this anyways, because I'm supposed to start work in 30 minutes. I've decided you can let me in on what's going on. Are, are you, are you 100% sure? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think we're up to the last jumper now. Uh, uh, although, because I'm looking at the scores different. Uh, uh, Canada, I think, are going to win the bronze, um, which is ridiculous. Uh, so I, I, I am really for the fact they, they've won the bronze. Canada have fucking won the bronze in ski jumping. This is insane. Off the podium. <laughs> Ellie and I, Happy. <laughs> this is brilliant. I'm going to say this, though. I thought the, see, the reason I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I you know, uh, regret having you spoil it. But I was leaning towards, okay, is Canada going to win? A, the way Ben's talking, are we going to win a gold in this? Because if we won a gold and Canada medaled, and oh, we had our first gold medal ever for off the podium. Then I'd say, yes, that is an athlete of the day. But I am okay with skipping a bronze, as incredible as oh, this is. I no, I like, but I'm not like I, this is this is baffling me that you can sit there and chuck a tanty <laughs> over freaking Penny, who wins more fucking gold medals in like most countries. You just literally won a medal. Be, this this is honestly the difference. Uh, we're talking about a sport we've never medaled in, right? The difference is Penny became the most accomplished Olympian we've ever had in the oh, wrong Olympics. That would blah, be blah, like blah, if Jakara became the most accomplished Olympian ever for you. Emma did it for us and we didn't really give a shit. I, I, I'm changing mine. I'm putting up the Canadian mixed, uh, mixed ski jumping tech. This is ridiculous. Like, this is on levels that you like, you've, you've broke, like you are a winter I'm, nation who we assume wins medals <laughs> in everything. And you've broken through one, one of the two that you haven't. And this is an off the podium connection. We have two guests on this show who have won two bronze medals that we didn't even remotely think would be possible. And thirdly, this is a Ben Waterworth win. My first ever individual uh, <laughs> interviews and I've got two in one go. This is brilliant. Look, look, I'm I'm perfectly all right with both because they're both great accomplishments. But I mean, we are talking about five gold medals by one athlete, which is tough. Uh, and, and I'm thrilled for the, the ski jumpers, like thrilled. But we also did not give it to Kylie for officially breaking our curse. So I think we have to remove the whole, they're an off the podium guest. <laughs> They're Ben's first win. <laughs> Fucking hell, Colin. Jared, you, well, let's you, get Jared's you are opinion. A weed I mean, man. <laughs> Jared, what are you, yeah, what, what are you offer, offering to send me this time, Colin? If I side with you, <laughs> I don't, see. I, here's the thing: this would be more what Ben wants to send you because I don't care. Give it to whoever. I'm, well, I'm simply still waiting saying, for that package you sent me, Colin. It hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm simply saying that uh, you know. Hey, if we give it to the ski jumpers, great. If we give it to Irene, I think that's an incredible accomplishment. But if we're going off of our past criteria, Irene checks more boxes. Look, the, the, uh, but the, Irene, we've already nominated somebody from the long track speed skating. Ah, and Ooh, Irene also we, we did. We gave it to Claudia the other day. But also the other thing. Oh, that's is right. That, okay, so there we go. But the other thing I'll say is Irene might be up again because she probably will win more medals. She's in like five events. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she could then become the most decorated winter. I think she's only three behind now, uh, becoming the most decorated winter Olympian of all time. So Honestly, Jared can make the call on this. I'm fine with it. But, yeah, I, that's a very good point. Long track has been up already. <laughs> Jared. Just go with the ski jumping. You know you want to. <laughs> And the funny thing is, I mean, Ben I'm is on. Ups I'm upset for bloody nose because uh, clearly that's a huge accomplishment. 
Um, but I suppose we can settle for the ski jumping. <laughs> well, you've also got to save Alpine skiing for Esther, right? Like she's got two events this time around. So, um, but I don't think we're ever going to have ski jumpers up again, are we? Um, this is insane. Like, oh, when are we going to watch ski jumping again? Well, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, Casey might be up again. He's going to be up again. But, uh, like, I, like, is this literally even – like, I think we talked about this, Colin. I don't even think Canada talked about ski jumping in, like, a preview or no. anything, right? They, this is, like, athlete number 212, 13, 14, and 15 Look, in Team Canada. I am not knocking uh, uh, the, the athlete at all. If anything, I have been going on and on about how – Ali is probably the best interview that we've had in who knows how long. Um, but there is a reason that she was a longer interview for us. And that's because we don't get media coverage here in Canada for ski jumpers. Like off the podium was probably the biggest uh, media coverage she might have had going into these Olympics. I mean, when I tried to Google our ski jumpers, you might find a article in a local newspaper or the announcement of who's making the ski jumping team, which just every sport gets. Uh, so, I mean, th- this, the fact that we have beaten horse Bulao on horse Bulao day, another big deal, I guess. And, and also, can we point out that um, Ali is actually a listener to this show. She listens yes. to this show like every <laughs> single day. She she actually, like she's the one person that enjoys this show. <laughs> so we now have an Olympic bronze medalist who loves listening to our show. So um, I am legitimately like so fucking happy right now for them. Like that is just, that is amazing. That is just so incredible. Like I'm not going to try and take away like if any of other guests go on to, like I'm so thrilled for Alex, for example, getting 16th in luge. Like that's such a great result. Dean and Tali for, you know, everything they've achieved. But like that is amazing. That is so amazing. That And like I don't think anyone is going to look at Canada winning a bronze medal in the Winter Olympics and go, okay, well, whatever. But like that is just insane. Now I I, I yeah. will be I will be saying to Joe tomorrow. If I can mention this, like this this needs to be mentioned. And this is the first time this yeah. event's ever been held at the Olympics too. Um, Slovenia, by the way, took the gold. Rock took the silver. Um, but I mean, you beat like Norway, you beat Poland, you beat Japan. Like Germany didn't even make the final. Like I mean, great ski jumping nations. Um, so just, just, wow. That's, that's, that's blowing me away. But, that's, but uh, Jared, if we're yeah. being honest, we do know that Ben's main reasoning for this is because he interviewed them, right? <laughs> Look, I will be honest. There is definitely part of that there, but like, I legitimately <laughs> am saying some of this because like, I actually am genuinely like just shocked and thrilled. Cause like, again, this is not meant to be disrespectful in how I say this, but like sometimes when you get guests on the show and you think like, okay, well, they've got a, they've got a chance at the point we interviewed Ali and Abby, like, they sort of knew they were going, but they didn't 100% know. And I, I think even you would ask them legitimately, uh, you know, are you hoping to medal? And I don't think either of them would legitimately said like, yeah, I think we can. Because I, I think yeah. from looking at World Cups and things like that, I don't even think they'd medaled in World Cups. You know, this wasn't well, like, a you know, Canada were going into this, like, you know, second in the world or something like this. Like, this is something that I just think has come out of absolutely nowhere. I barely didn't want to even look at the and- scores because I'm thinking, well, Canada's going to be like 10th in this, <laughs> but, you know. It's been a year, so I don't recall at all, but maybe you've heard it more recently. The interview I did with Nathaniel Marr, our, our, our Nordic combined, uh, last Nordic combined athlete of Canada, uh, I remember asking him, like, how long is it going to be before we have uh, a Nordic combined athlete in the Olympics again? And he figured a few Olympic Games. And I, I believe he even said, you know, we might 
have some potential down the road for ski jumping, but it wasn't even like, he, and, and he, he's working for the ski jumping team Canada or whatever. Uh, and <laughs> even he was very hesitant on, Oh yeah, there's a little bit more hope on the ski jumping side. So yeah, huge accomplishment. And it's, our entire and it, team. But like in, in that interview with Nathaniel, how he talked about how like it, it takes a medal to bring money into the sport. You know, I mean, yeah. what's he's going to do for ski jumping in Canada all of a sudden, you know? Um, so hey, you know what? Just... Like I'm, you know, I'm, I, if, if we don't give it to another, like, see, I, I think it was very similar. I think it was a few days ago, Jared, when you were saying you didn't want to put up an Australian yet. You're like, Oh, but you know, what if we have somebody better? I feel bad that we had yesterday, uh, <laughs> with, with Zoe day, which we can't take away Zoe day. Like what a day for Australia day two was. Uh, you guys could have easily put up Dean and Tally. I mean, that was a, a, a movie storyline. And then plus uh, on top of that, Jakara. Uh, but uh, I almost feel like, you know, I don't and And Tess as well. There you go. And I almost feel like I, I don't care if Canada wins gold in every other event from this point forward. This is still one of the greatest accomplishments the country can have. One of the facts too that I saw about this still was that I think Canada now have joined the U.S. as the only country to have won uh, medals in 14 out of the 15 Olympic sports now. Um, so not even and like Norway and these other countries. So I, I, I don't know what the sport is that USA haven't won a medal in. There, I think it was this actually because uh, I, and I, I believe I heard at least in one spot saying that they were the first North American medalists ever in no, ski jumping. No, that's not true. USA won a uh, ski jumping medal in the very first Olympics because I remember when we had the American ski jumpers on, we talked about they haven't uh. medaled in ski jumping since the very first Olympics. Well, we're going to have to find out and we're going to have to get an American on there because apparently we can break curses in droughts at the, as far as sports go. Well, I'm going to Google because we did this in the Summer Olympics, didn't we? And we found out it was like table tennis and, and that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I need to find this out. Olympic sports, USA haven't won a medal in. This surely shouldn't be a hard thing to find. Um, because, yeah, this is this is one that I really am intrigued. Jared, Jared, again, you know this, don't you? You just don't want to... Uh, yeah, and hate to spoil it. the listeners ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. This is um, this is all the ones here that are just summer events. This is great podcasting. This is why people uh, missed us for a whole twenty four hours. Uh, luge, there you go. That was quick. Um, really, that's not right, is it? Germany rules recent success in the men's two men luge and a bronze medal. So this is closer. Oh, this is gold medals. Hang on. What? 12 events the United States has not won. Oh, this is events they haven't won a gold in. Okay. Yeah, that's winning. So, I was going to say luge. All right. Well, curl. This must be an old article because they won a gold in curling. So we know that for a second. Um, biathlon, maybe? Um, ah, it is. It's biathlon. A long way from gold, especially the only Winter Olympic event in the US. How is America not medaled in biathlon? There's a gun involved. Like, I mean, if there's, if there's a sport, <laughs> like, I think Nick talked about this the other day, but, like, seriously, how is American not bloody biathlon? Like, Jesus Christ, like, saying if there was, like, a, you know, eating the most hamburger competition at the Olympics in America, like, how is that possible? Seriously. 
Jesus Wow, Christ. they should have the goat in the biathlon. <laughs> mm, there's not enough shooting stations in biathlon. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that skiing in the middle. Americans are just like, oh, no, we can't do that. That's too hard. No. <laughs> Seriously, like, for fuck's sake. Biathlon. The one, oh, my God. That's fascinating. That's actually really interesting. Silver went to Alexander Amot killed. So I'm glad that one half of the Michaela Schifrin household is actually bringing home the bacon. Um, so at least one of them goes to bed happy at night. So that's his like third medal at these Olympics, I think, isn't it? Killed. So um, you know, maybe he's just like taking all her like uh, I don't know power from the bedroom. I don't know how it works. Um, what? Second what? medal. <laughs> this is Michaela Schifrin's boyfriend. You know that, right? <laughs> no, I'm taking her power from the bedroom. Like he stripped her sexuality. Well, like I don't, I don't know. Like in the, in the middle of what you called it for intercourse. Like it's like <laughs> the power comes out of Michaela into him, and he's all like, "I'm going to steal your medal-winning prowess." I can't and believe that I'm of all the people. I am explaining the birds and the bees to you, Ben, but. It comes out of the man into the woman. That's kind of how it works. But Michaela's that good that she can like... (laughs) It is possible for women to excrete lubricants as well, Colin. Have sex with your wife properly for once. Maybe you'll understand that. Um, But anyway, good for him for getting another medal. Good for him. He's stealing her sex powers and winning medals. Sex juice. Stealing Michaela's sex juice. (laughs) The new podcast from Ben Waterworth coming soon to 2025. <laughs> I seriously want a podcast called Stealing Michaela's uh, Sex Juice. Um, or just call it Michaela Shitfren. Um, I think I still think that's a great name for her. I really do. Um, but wait, we're not allowed to say that. Sorry. We're, we've seen the, the, the online police. You're not allowed to say anything bad against Michaela because she's had a couple of bad runs. All right. You're, just, it's, you're not allowed to criticize athletes when they're bad. Okay, like if they're shit, they're still good. Okay, just remember that. I, mean, I want to remember that if, when we're shit on an episode, we're still good. If she eventually gets up from that uh, sulking position she's in on the side of the course, you maybe on day nine, then maybe uh, it'll be open season on her. But she's still sitting there pouting <laughs> right now. <laughs> she's just she's 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 still sitting there, just as Thomas Bark is still concluding his speech from Rio. So um, <laughs> yeah, who will who will the get two- up first? <laughs> Those are the two longest events in Olympic history. Thomas Bach's Rio speech and Michaela Schifrin's <laughs> Beijing outing. Why do I just have this weird feeling that it's just a just very Australian way of going into this and just it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, I think particularly like in this event where it's a matter of hundredths of a second and it's just like one simple mistake. And then all of a sudden you're, you're off the podium. It's just, it's a lot of pressure and going in, going in like as like the fastest after two heats, like you just know that it's playing over in her mind, like the whole of tonight, the whole of tomorrow leading up to the event. Um, and like the Germans are coming as well. That's the thing. Oh, like God. after the, the second Germans run, they're coming. coming. Um, oh, God. So that's a sentence that hasn't been said in about eighty years. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, but I, 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 I'm hopeful. But I'm the same as you. I, I um, I'm not chalking this one up as like a locked-in win. You must not slide down the course that fast. The Germans are coming. Quick, Jackie, slide, slide. 
<laughs> it would be so much better though if this was like the modern pentathlon and they left with with their <laughs> with their leads and there's hundreds of imagine how quickly they're going after each other. <laughs> Fly, Jackie! They're coming! Pass around the corner. <laughs> and and you know that the case is um that they're gonna ban the use of sleds come uh, twenty twenty six for animal cruelty, mm. basically. Um <laughs> Breaking news in the skeleton. Jackie is off. She's she's running. She's running. She's running. She's running. She's running, and she's flat. Uh, we'll just interrupt our commentary of the snowboard and to see how she's going. And she's not done the nick. Yes, she's off to a good start. She's she's gone straight through the pipe section, although she's nearly clipped the wall there. She's gone Jared, straight through it. What kind of speed was she picking up? How you feeling, Jared? Oh, nervous, 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 nervous. nervous. But she's she's doing well. She didn't. She got out of the starting gate. <laughs> That's that's the main thing here. So nobody's she, been tampering with her board. We didn't get that into the wall. <laughs> she's skeletoning. She's skeletoning around the corner. The photographer taking a good photo there. See it later on on his Instagram. There's the Chinese official just turning her back to Jackie because she's protesting her winning as <laughs> she's coming down the chute. That's the technical term, right? 120 kilometers an hour. She'll be she'll be impressed with that speed. It's faster than Colin usually drives in Winnipeg. As uh, oh, she's got a great line coming out of that turn there. Doesn't even nearly go to the wall. I saw all the uh, the Latvians going. There. Oh, she clips them all. She crosses the line. It's a track record, if you don't mind. Oh, I swear, I just heard you say it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> don't well, do it. Don't cross well the finish line. That's what Jared they want you to Lubick. do. That's oh. worth. That's how's she's that make going me stay now? Up now, she's ruined my <laughs> ruined my night. <laughs> We had the biathlon, the men's sprint. It was a goal to Johanna Sings Beau of Norway, silver to Quinton Filion Mallet of France, and uh, a brother, two brothers on the podium because Tage Beau of Norway got the bronze. So the Beau brothers, the brothers hmm. Beau. And two like. Canadian brothers off the podium. The brothers yes. Go, Go. Christ, <laughs> Christian was what, 14th, I think, and Scott was uh, 34th. So, um, the bows and the gals that, that's, the, that's the, the rivalry we need. Galbo, Galbo, yeah. so was that, was that Tybo? Wasn't that, remember that thing in the 90s? It was like the, the late night, um, infomercials. Oh, you know, I thought you were going Ty- with the, the Simpsons, Gabo, Gabo, Gabo. Oh, Gabo, Gabo. Must be about some guy, some guy called Gabo. <laughs> Jared, were you a Tybo fan? Did you stay up watching like Channel 10 at two in the morning to buy your Tybo tapes? I didn't. It's Tybo, like, like some like yoga thing. That's something. Like, I think it was like a mixture between... Was it's that like one it, that Chuck Norris used to advertise as well? Chuck Norris used to do one of those. Well, that's that was the like, Billy Blanks one. That's um, It's basically a uh, kickboxing yeah. exercise video. Jazzercise kickboxing. I don't know. And I always got them confused with Tony Robbins. And I was thinking, like, is Tony Robbins selling me Tybo now? And then there was, like, <laughs> that freaking crunchy one that you, like, like, stop working out really badly. You know, some, like, like old guy going, oh, my back. And then it cut to, like, some buff fit guy going, yeah, man, look at my six-pack. I'm like, dude, show a fat guy doing that, doing that. And then I'll believe it. Oh, don't on, show on me whole, freaking, like, Olympians. On the whole, as seen on TV, do you guys remember the ShamWow? Was that a oh, thing Shamwells. The Shamwell guy. That guy was crazy. Shamwells are the best. And then the Snuggie. 
the you know, snuggie. You, you, you know, you know, I I knew I failed at life when I did the Hollywood Homes tour, and we were going through the Hollywood Homes, and they're like, "Yes," and there's Simon Cowell's house, he has this massive mansion. See this massive mansion next to it? Like, guess who lives there? The person who invented the snuggie. And you're like, "Fuck you." <laughs> He just woke up one morning and was like, look at this dressing gown. I'm going to turn it backwards. Fuck, I'm rich. Uh, like, seriously. If that's if you if you met that, I'm sorry if it's a woman. Like, I, I shouldn't automatically assume that somebody invents something, they're a man. But uh, the reason I want to hope they're a man is because the sentence I'm about to say, if I ever met that person, I want to punch him in the face. Like, it's just, hi, I invented the Snuggie. Punch. Uh, just go away. Just, just stop it. Just, just punch uh, him in the balls. Then it has to be a man. <laughs> I'll punch him in the sham wow. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, congratulations to the Bow Brothers. Um, <laughs> sham wow. You know, I, I, I just saw that the Ivory Coast was in 25th place, so I'm like, well, that's a story. Uh, but then I realized it's an American-born, and those don't really count, do they? The Ivory Coast in, in what? In this? In Skeleton. Skeleton? Um, are you sure you're not looking at somebody from the Virgin Islands, uh, Colin? Oh, Virgin Islands, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Often confused. Very close to Europe, geographically. Flags look very similar. I knew there was a V in there. Yeah, island coast, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. Just um, often, often confused. Like whenever I meet someone from the US Virgin Islands, I often think they're from Cote d'Ivoire. I'm like, oh, are you that accent? Ivory Coast? Oh, US Virgin Islands. Close. Sorry. <laughs> Basically always, the same thing. Always confused. <laughs> Colin, you know what it is, Jared? Colin just can't say the word virgin. Um. <laughs> Stop talking dirty on this podcast. Children are listening. <laughs> Sorry, I, I will never mention Oscar Erickson again. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, skeleton. We're happy for this, Colin. Because has Canada won a skeleton medal before? I should check this. <laughs> I don't know, a little man named John Montgomery. Um, yes, he did. Good on medal. you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Maybe one of the most famous people we had ever, ever interviewed on this show. Uh, ben, the researcher, Channel 7, absolutely <laughs> worthy of my position. Um, I mean, you can't yep. see him right now, but pretty much any time we ever record, he's right over my shoulder uh, holding up the flag. Literally, um, John, not, not a photo, actually. He just lives with Colin. Just, exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, John Montgomery, and I'm with Colin. <laughs> We, we did have Melissa Hollingsworth um, in turn as well, uh, who um, I, I mentioned she went on to be on The Amazing Race Canada. So this is how we scout talent in Canada is our, our skeleton um, racers. We need to go uh, one, two in Turin as well in the men. So, uh, yeah. yeah, good job, Ben. Uh, well done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, it's been a little while, I guess. Um, <laughs> which I believe is their first ever skeleton medal uh, as well. So but No Great Britain. No, yeah, the first time they've Happy. never medaled in a skeleton Which event. I want to say, bit of a complaint. It wasn't CBC's coverage. It was uh, the Olympic Channel coverage. Uh, right as they're going into the final run, the first thing they say is Great Britain has never lost in this event. Well, they will not be medaling today. And this is before they ran. I'm like, okay, I understand it is extremely unrealistic. But you can, can you say never what if 22 of the other uh, racers all just, I don't know, had heart attacks right at the starting <laughs> line or 
<laughs> fell off their sleds and lost a limb, as Ben would say. Like, it is possible to just discount it right away. Like, I'm sure stranger things have happened in the Olympics than people dropping dead with heart attacks and <laughs> losing their heads. I've got this image. I've got this image of like every single woman walking up. And here's Jenny Smith from <laughs> Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, she's grabbing a chest there, Sean. Something doesn't look right. Oh, well, and she has died of a heart attack. All right, moving on oh. to Jamie Hilding from New Zealand. And oh, no, she's also having a heart attack. Oh, what is going on here, Sean? Unprecedented, Paul. All right, here's <laughs> Stephanie from the Netherlands. Oh, no, she's also having a heart attack. Like, I think maybe by the oh, third one, officials might be like, something's going on here. <laughs> Yeah, well, this would be like the famous Australian gymnastics story with the, the, the there's something wrong with the bar. Is <laughs> it the wrong height or whatever? Um, but wait, we, we could have had the Ivory Coast. Oh, well, she's going down backwards, but they just don't know any better in the Ivory Coast. <laughs> do, do you think then by like the time they get to the next British competitor and they realize that the Brits are the only ones not having a heart attack, they might go checking the water bottles of each of the competitors and seeing what the British coaches have been putting in to what, what is this drug here? Heart attack inducer. Oh, that's not unusual. Get off, off your pot. Gold, silver, bronze, and Britain. Suspiciously see uh, Jackie and um, the, the the German just walk out with wads of cash under their arms. <laughs> that, 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 that is an exciting event. <laughs> the controversy of the twenty is the point. <laughs> Everyone had a heart attack except for Britain. Oh. <laughs> You, you know, we, t- we talk about how great it was that uh, we had your ski jumping team win the bronze. We we're ignoring the fact that everybody basically got disqualified. But I mean, the skeleton, it would be fine as well. Like, I'll thoroughly deserved. <laughs> oh, you know, 17 other women had a heart attack except for the Brits. Well done. <laughs> Good job. That's how, that's how you guys might be able to win the curling now. There you go. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> probably going to be your only chance now. <laughs> Just on very quickly, obviously we know that, um, while not official, we know the sled's called Ben. And uh, Ben's can be difficult. Ben's can be a little bit annoying and a little bit, uh, you, know, you know, out of the box sometimes. So just a special message to Ben, get the fuck away from the walls and go on a straight line. <laughs> listen to Bree. For once in your life, Ben, listen to what a woman has to say and then you will do well. <laughs> so that's my pep talk for Ben tomorrow, all right? Listen to Bree. Let her control you all the way down the chute <laughs> and just just slide your way through to a strong performance tomorrow, okay? It's all down to you, Ben. Ben, stick together. Let Bree just control you all the way to the finish line. <laughs> Why do I feel this should have been an off-air uh, pep talk? <laughs> you can take it whatever you want. It's not meant to be interpreted in any other way. I'm actually, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help Bree to a good result tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> making Colin choke. <laughs> but all I'm saying is is Ben listen to Bree. Hashtag just Ben listen l- to Bree. Ben, just let Bree drive you already. <laughs> let her do the drive-in. I didn't still. say that. I didn't say that. All right. Okay. We, 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 if, if, that's, if that's how you want to interpret it, that is, that is down to, to however you want to interpret. All right. We know, we know Bree's in a loving relationship with an actual Ben. So therefore, that that can be interpreted in <laughs> that context. Unlike this artificial Ben that's hosting the podcast today, <laughs> this guy here who just you know we, we we don't even get started on that situation, but uh, <laughs> just just Ben, listen to Bree, go for it. All right, okay. You 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 look at Kaylee's sled, 
and you go traitor, right? It's like <laughs> it's like the Force Awakens. It's like traitor, right? Like that. Like be like Finn, Ben, and get angry and see a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> go down that chute. Feel your teeth. <laughs> Feel your teeth. All right. Run down that course and go, Ray! Ray! <laughs> That's all you need to do is just breathe, breathe. Start off interesting and exciting that the audience will want to know more about you. And by the end, just get forgotten about and have weird little side plots that make no sense and have a relationship, we think, with Lando Carrizian's daughter, which is kind of there. Okay, whatever. And then all of a sudden you've got force powers, which are never fully explained. But sure, okay, you do you, Disney. Are we Where still are talking about the sled? I feel like we're really <laughs> We're over from, the Star Wars like trilogy. <laughs> we're, we're not shitty about those still. But we don't want to be shitty about Ben listening to Bree tomorrow, okay? Yeah. <laughs> do your job, Ben. Do your job, Ben. Hashtag do your job, Ben. Why have I heard that before? <laughs> I love it when it's like yeah. pelting down with snow. Like it's awesome. I know. Even in I the know. monobob, I, when you saw the snow falling on the track, that was really cool. Yeah, like the Giants Hall, it made me wish that we had seen slopes out. Like I understand that there's certain competitions where maybe it's a... Uh, I would think, though, Giant Slalom, that is a bigger risk. You're going at a much faster speed than slope style. I mean, sure, maybe you could slide a little bit on the rails, but... Uh, Come on, you're only going about half a kilometer an hour in slope slope south. To me, it just shows me that freestyle ski is a, a, a wimps, uh, whereas yes. alpine ski is they're the, they're the brave ones of the Olympics. You know, they they go down. It doesn't matter. Blizzard, fucking, let's go. Cross country skiers, fucking, who gives? Biathlon. They've got a fucking C to shoot a thing. They were shooting in the bloody blizzard today, but no, the freestyle. Oh no, I can't do a triple X doggy semen serpent in the snow. <laughs> I might break a nail. Like, God damn it. Jesus Christ. Like, this, the alpine skiing, cross-country skiing, biathlon, that's where it is. I didn't see the ice hockey players today complaining. They just went out there and scored goals. <laughs> they put the biscuit in the basket, didn't they? The speed skaters, they just skated fast, didn't they? The curlers, oh. they rain hail. I mean, the shine. curlers, wait until we get to some of the curlers. They would have opened the doors and the windows up just so that they could prove they were better than the freestyle skiers. Exactly. We want those, a blizzard in here. <laughs> those freestyle skiers are wimps. <laughs> Oh, look at me. I mean, I'm going to do a triple quad on the aerial ramp. Oh, but it's snowing. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I, I love freestyle skiing, but I am 100% agreeing with you on this. <laughs> you are a bunch of wimps. <laughs> bunch of wimps. done with you. <laughs> Until tomorrow night when Danielle Scott and Laura Peel win off the podium gold and But you silver. know what? Like, I've rarely seen moguls. I'm just going to say this. Now, this is just a moguls. I've rarely seen moguls cancelled for the weather. I've, I've attended moguls That's events. They're where there's real a freestyle skiers, Colin. They're the yeah. real athletes of freestyle skiing. <laughs> yeah, like the, the blizzard. I mean, I, I was in one with freezing rain and they didn't hold up the course for more than 10 minutes. Like, come on, get out there, you, you slope style wimps. <laughs> I mean, half of them probably kick our ass because, you know, they've got all their cool friends. <laughs> well, we friends. know they would. But you'd have to find us first, okay? And exactly. We got COVID. You, you, we, want, you yeah. want us? Come and take us. We got COVID. That's I'll our, kiss that's you. That's our weapon. That's our arsenal. I'll, I'll grab each single one of you and kiss you on the lips. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, I'm going to do a corky. Well, come here and make out with me then, huh? Yeah. Who's the wimp now? I will lick the face of every freestyle skier there is just to prove my point. I know a guy. He's got kids who come downstairs and there's no locks on the doors. They've got COVID as well. They're worse. Kids with COVID. The new podcast coming I will unleash my soon. children on you. <laughs> Bloody wimps. Suck it up, princess. Just go out there and ski. <laughs>
Be like Marco Odomat, gold medalist from Switzerland in the men's giant slalom. All right? <laughs> That's a real got- man. <laughs> That's a man right there. <laughs> but you could go to Eileen Goo. Oh, I'm Eileen Goo. No, you're not. You're shit. You can't ski in the blizzard. Pick your game I'm up, Eileen Goo. I'm a winter Olympian. Goo. I'm afraid of snow. <laughs> Look at me on the cover of Vogue. Oh, I've got a gold medal. <laughs> Oh, am I American or Chinese? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> Eileen Goo. What's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, there goes our Eileen Goo interview on off the podium. Um, <laughs> anyway, to the, real, skier. to the real sport of alpine skiing with the men of men. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this. I like this one jump and that's it. Um, but I think we've got Laura coming up next. Oh, she's put us through the ring and has dear old Laura this evening. Um, so she's the third jumper now. Shouldn't be in this final, let's be honest. Uh, but right now she's in the midway point of this. And this is off the podium's last chance for gold. Well, Charles Hamlin. Sorry, Charles. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow night. This, I predicted this. I called this. To be honest, this is Ben Waterworth's last chance for a gold. Oh this my! This is the Ben Waterworth vanity commentary. She goes, <laughs> bend down. She's ready to go. Arms in the air. She flips. She twists. She flips. She doesn't land it. Damn oh, it. the Canadian came and hit her with a bat on the way down. It was an incredible hit from the Canadian. That hurts. That hurts. It hurts for you, but I'm glad. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. <laughs> It, it's not just for me. That hurts for Australia. She was probably our last actual chance of a medal at these Olympics. And that looks like it hurt her. too. You've got to. She just, just both her and Daniel just did not look. Just did not look good tonight. They look really good today, but that's um, yeah, that's hard to watch. That's really hard to watch. And Breaking news: <laughs> Ben does it again. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> This off-the-podium curse has got to die one day. Uh. <laughs> you have a reigning world champion that you have taken out of the Olympics. Yeah, this is this is just embarrassing. Um, seriously, stop coming on the show, Olympians. Just, just, just stop it. Um, just seriously stop it. I just don't know how else to say it. Uh, so we just got to hope that the next three crash even heavier than Laura. Um, that's all I Again, can it, say. She's in the bronze. <laughs> She's in the bronze right now. <laughs> I, this is the one time I will say this, and I, I, I don't know if this is a weird thing to say. I've never really cheered for China in anything before, but I actually would like to see one of these Chinese um, aerialists win because China oh, yeah. have never won female aerials ever. And they've like I think they've got like last four silvers, four out of the last uh, five out of the last six silvers. So if you want one country to win a gold here, it's China. So we've got um, our next Chinese competitor is up now. I didn't see her name, uh, and I'm not going to try and guess it because I've <laughs> already been bad enough. And said, oh, oh, Jesus Christ, she might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely behind you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. that She, like, face-planted. Um, I don't know. Now, did you, I don't know. Uh, it was in the team event. I have the video. I'll send it to you. There was... Um, uh, I believe it was one of the Chinese. Um, uh, oh, was it the men happy. or women? Yeah, she's that is in the crowd. Sorry, <laughs> but I, I think it was one of the Chinese men uh, who basically landed the jump, did a front flip, 
like by falling and managed to land on his skis properly, which is better oh, than Laura did. Yeah, you I'll send you the video. For that? He should have, but didn't. <laughs> I think I think if you land like was it the um the slope style in the I know the big air in the skiing there was a skier who she landed on one leg and broke one of her other skis. I'm like she should get bonus points. Now she landed on one leg. Um, you know, held a landing just with one leg. What was it? Um, the American back in Atlanta when she landed on one leg because she broke her ankle, basically. Um, so oh, she ow, geez, she did face plant. Ouch, that's got to leave a mark. Um, but what's better in the air? Oh no, she's fourth. Okay, so <laughs> Laura for bronze. <laughs> well, I'm just watching the replay now. It looks like somebody pile drived her into the snow. <laughs> So we've got two more left, uh, basically. <laughs> I can't stop watching. I want to see it again. Like, it's, 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 it's brutal. It's, it's terrible, but I want to see it again. How does she even, how's she standing right now? I'm just applauding her, the fact that she literally gets up and she's, like, basically doing, like, the yeah to the crowd. That's the most energetic I've ever seen a Chinese athlete at the Are Olympics you- ever. Like one of her runs, she like gets to the bottom no. of the hill and she starts eating like a pie or something like that. Like she's literally there standing there waiting for a score. And someone hands her a bag and she's like eating. Like I'm like, like what is well, this? Is this meant to go viral? Someone look at me, I'm eating a pie while I wait for my score. I'm eyeing goo. Like what the fuck? That that actually bothers me because I feel like that's ripped off of. Um, was it during the half pipe where there was the, the one? Um, the one woman who got to the bottom and as they were revealing the scores, you see her pull something out of her pocket and start eating. It was like a Danish or something. And she actually said afterwards, she legitimately had put that in her pocket and forgot about it and decided to eat it. So that. now it feels like, now it feels like Eileen Gu is just trying to piggyback off of somebody else's just, viral moment. There's just something about Eileen Gu that just, it just, it gives me the poos. Like it's just, I don't <laughs> know if it's just, it's the fact that she's so overhyped. Like, I'm not taking away from her gold medal win. She's obviously very talented, and she probably will walk away with three gold medals. Good for her. But, like, it's just – I just – it annoys me when you get an athlete like this. It just gets so much attention, and it's like, she's great, good for her. But then, like, you know, our um, our French guy yesterday who we gave the Daily Dale to, like, this guy's on the verge of history. He wins a medal tomorrow in the relay. He equals the most ever individual medals won in a Winter Olympics ever. Like, there's, like, ten other athletes who have won five in one games. Well, he'll join. He'll become the first ever biathlete to win five individual medals. Like, why are we not talking about this guy? Like, why are we talking about freaking Eileen Gu? Like, oh, I can win three gold medals. This French guy's winning, like, five. Like, screw you, Eileen Gu. He's got a gun. He can shoot you. <laughs> that's not a threat um, we well, don't need china banging on our door saying ben's hired somebody to shoot eileen goo in salt lake city there was a lot of struggles early on with canada even when we won it was like oh they really should have done oh they should have done better and there was so much criticism being thrown at them, you know, Canadian criticism, let's just say that. Polite Canadian criticism. criticism. <laughs> what is Canadian criticism? You suck. Oh, I've got some, Sorry. I've got some in our commentary tonight. <laughs> Canadian but, uh, criticism. The new podcast from Colin Hilding coming soon. <laughs> but, but it's basically felt like the same thing. It felt like, you know, there, it was looking very bad, maybe because there was such high expectations for both Brad Gushu and Jennifer Jones, just like there was with the hockey in Salt Lake city. And then things slowly started to turn around and, you know, we know what happened with Canada and Salt Lake city. So um, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, 
we're going to have both men and women in the playoffs and maybe uh, contending for medals. Cause if Canada walks away without any medals in curling, I mean, that would be the Why? end of this country. We, we officially would just <laughs> say, yes, we would officially say America just absolve us. We don't need our own country anymore. We're not it'd deserving. Like, it'd be like CBC did to where we have breaking news on CBC. <laughs> Justin Trudeau is speaking from Ottawa. Justin, what's happening? <laughs> My fellow Canadians, due to the tragedy of not winning any medals at the Olympics in curling, Canada is ending. That is well, right. Look. We are no longer a country. We are now <laughs> the 51st state of the United States of America. Now if over to our new leader, uh, Joe Biden. Joe, hi, my fellow Canadians. <laughs> Welcome to the United States of what country are we? Uh, Afghanistan. Oh, what's uh, America? Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but if you follow Canadian news, Justin Trudeau now has emergency powers. He's pulled uh, a chancellor. Oh, Palpatine. has he sent the military? Has he? Has he done it? Well, he, he's basically said we now have the ability to if we want, uh, which has never happened in the history of this country for some people honking their horns wow. in Ottawa. So uh, Chancellor Palpatine Trudeau has uh, has taken us one step closer to Fucking Jar Jar uh, dissolving done it. Again. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Canada will you be no more if curling doesn't turn around. This is I the just, ultimatum. <laughs> I, re- I really would, I just, I really wish I was there right now because like, you expect it from America, like oh, there's a yeah. bit of. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's in in the National Guard that LA's riding because of the Rams. Like, I can't <laughs> imagine Canada. Like, what? Do, how do they? How does that work? Like, I can't imagine Canadians sitting around a war room going like, "Oh, hey, we've got to send the military in, eh? Oh, we can't do that. That's very impolite. Just ask them not to riot. Okay, please don't riot. Okay, we won't. Okay, thank you. Like, what did the Canadian military do? We're the military of Canada. Oh, excuse me, protesters. Yes, military. Can you not riot, please? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> wow. Canadian As Justin Trudeau, my first act with this new authority. <laughs> he's, he's, they're literally sitting around the table going like, Justin, we've got to send in the military. No. No. <laughs> Ultimate power. <laughs> Not from a prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Jesus! I I'm not living there right now in the wrong in the wrong time. I need to be there. But um, breaking news in Canada: it has gone to shit. Um, I just, I just and it's all imagine. because of the curling. <laughs> Turn it around, Jennifer and Brad. <laughs> I just, I just don't imagine Justin Trudeau as a type of prime minister who's like, like, grr. I'm angry sent in the military. Like his bum's too sexy to do that. Like he just, you know, I mean, he he's, can't do that. He's also the only man who's caught COVID. I think about 15 times during this pandemic. It, it comes oh, up every, every time there's a crisis. Trudeau's all of a sudden isolated due to COVID I'm not again. Saying, I'm not saying um, Prince Charles's wife Camilla's a man, but I mean, I swear every single time I turn on the news, she's got COVID. So like, that's what I'm trying to set a record. You know, Justin Trudeau, I mean, maybe, maybe we need to look into this. Justin Trudeau and Camilla Parker Bowles are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like if they keep catching COVID off each other, you know, <laughs> just just saying. Uh, I mean, I know Prince Charles and Justin Trudeau, who would you choose between? Um, who would you who would you kick out of bed in the morning? Uh, very tricky decision, that one. But, I, I know um, I'd kick out Justin. <laughs> poor Justin. <laughs> There was a really, like, um, he says working on this shift with Joanna Griggs, but uh, <laughs> Joanna Griggs cut to uh, Richo today in Beijing. They're having a great little back and forth. 
And then, oh, I'm getting a phone call, apparently. Oh, um, you're, you're about to say something negative about Channel 7. They're calling off. Yeah, I know. Oh, Jesus, I'm getting, like, you ben? know, reported here, basically. Stop calling me. <laughs> um, oh, they are not giving up. Ben, do not tell that story. It's Joanna right now. Ben, Ben, don't yeah. say it. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not saying it right now. Okay, we're going to stop. <laughs> this is a sign. I'm about to get fired. All right, let's an let's answer this. Hello, hello, hello. No, all right. Channel Seven doesn't even want to talk to me. Apparently, there it's we go. Just okay. heavy breathing. <sighs> Stop saying the thing. Stop saying the thing. Um, Happy Valentine's Day, Ben. <laughs> Um, so I've lost my train of thought, apparently. Um, so anyway, uh, Richo, so what, did you, what would Joanna say that was so terrible? <laughs> nothing. It was completely perfect. Everything was good. Um, Richo basically was saying like, oh, and I'm, I'm going to be in the mix zone. And, you know, if Eileen Goo, I'm going to try and get an Eileen Goo interview. But if Eileen Goo doesn't say yes to me, I'm going to go, oh, come on, Eileen. And then kind of moved on with the uh. taking a bit to get to the, yep. <laughs> No, Dexy Midnight Runners, big fan yeah. of 80s music. Yep. Okay, cool. Yes. You, you, were, you were slowing down. Like, it was basically like winding down Ben. And then he said, come on, darling. <laughs> <laughs> but he said it like, like that, the, I can understand why. 2001 Space Odyssey, how there, like basically with the computer yeah. going on. But there's, <laughs> the, the, there was actually a really nice moment. So I think we were talking last night during the uh, aerials when they were doing the interviews. And um, I was sort of mentioning about how like Lydia was obviously quite emotional and everything along those lines. But the great interview that was going around today was that Lydia actually interviewed um, the, the the winner, Zhu Meng Tao. And so they competed against each other. And back in Vancouver, when Lydia won the gold, uh, Zhu crashed out. And so it was just this like oh, really wow. sweet moment where like Lydia was like basically going like, like, oh, you know, you and I shared all these great memories on tour. And, and like, I don't know if Zhu speaks a lot of English, but like just the way she was reacting to it. And we obviously gave her the Daily Dale yesterday because of how great she was. And just in breaking news in the bobsled, um, someone's died, it looks like. Um, I don't know if it's a Korean. Oh, it's Britain. <laughs> They've crashed. All right, well... They're, they're, Are we in the, the third or the fourth heat? Uh, this would be the third, I think, still. Would it not be? Uh, no, they're out. They're well, okay. they can turn they're it around dead. still. They're hugging. Come on, I've seen cool runnings. Pick your sled up. Walk across the line. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway, it was a great interview between the pair. So, And then we actually had um, Alyssa Camplin. I stopped talking about <laughs> Channel 7. So... <laughs> Hello. That's okay. Your services are no longer required, and we wish you well in your future yeah, endeavors. I will, I will try my best. I'm just in the middle of recording an episode, so I can yeah try and uh, tone down the volume just slightly, for sure. Yes. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So I will be whispering for the rest of this uh, episode. This is, like, that, uh, this is like your dad's there with you. Keep the I noise know. level down. Keep the noise levels down, son. Our neighbours apparently do not like off the podium. They keep the flame alive. Fans. So uh, They're not anyway. voting the Sports Podcast Awards. 
let's let's try and keep the volume down to this level now for the rest of the episode. Um, but yeah, it was a great interview between the pair. So uh, anyway, amazing. I, I sound like we're commentating golf all of a sudden right now. Or curling. Colin, curling. Yes, <laughs> great pass there by Dean going across the line there. Um, other than that, Channel Seven spot on, absolutely perfect. Can't complain at all. Um, do we have, actually, I'm going to play a clip right now before we get to our daily Dale and our athlete celebration of the day. Cause I've got some exciting breaking news. Well, this is really breaking weird. Isn't it? I sound really creepy, really creepy right now. I just want to clarify for people listening, thinking like, how the hell do these guys get nominated for podcast awards when they're leaving phone calls in their conversation and getting told off of being too loud? It is 1230 <laughs> in the morning. Uh, just while I'm recording this. And it's taken 11 days for somebody to put in a complaint, so I'm pretty impressed with that. It's not even your treadmill. I know. God, not allowed to run, not allowed to podcast. I'm just going to lock myself in the room and get COVID, apparently. That's just what I'm going to do. <laughs> really quickly, Colin, how many laps do you have to go? 13. Damn it. I'm at nine. <laughs> Oh, you're at nine. I've got two. I just, I can't say a damn thing. This is ridiculous. I'm literally on the final lap right now. And. Okay. I mean, it, we're still in first here for me. So I don't know. Colin, you, you got to tell me when you're on like your last few laps. Cause I, I can't say a thing. I will. I cannot say a thing. This is, um, I, I just, I'm just going to shut up. I'm, I, I want to talk about the Nordic combined. Um, I, I mean, look, if, if I'm driving down the highway and I take a wrong turn and I've got a big red sign that says wrong way, go back, surely the Olympics, they can afford to put one of those there. <laughs> Jared, how many laps have you got to go? Uh, four. Eight. Okay, okay four, eight. How, this is, this how is, is this going to be Canada's gold and yet we're behind you? <laughs> li- live commentary here on Off the Podium in Karen's voice um, as Ben knows the result already. Um, I, I want to get some live reactions here from both Jared and Colin, Colin Powell, because uh, this could be the moment. I'm at five off the podium. That off the podium streak. I'm just done. amazed at this point that nobody has wiped out. Like this is the cleanest short track speed skating relay in history. All right, Jared, you must be at the end of this by now. I am. Jared, Jared, oh, all right, Colin. Colin, bring it us looks home. like Canada. It looks like Canada is gaining the lead right now on Korea, and we have another exchange, and we're gaining it even more. Uh, <laughs> these last couple laps are going very well for Canada. I can't tell if that's Charles Hamlin or somebody else. Um, they all look the same to me. <laughs> Canada is still the lead on the final lap, and Italy has pulled into third. Republic of Korea in second, and Canada across the finish line. And the curse is in the purse for me. Ben continues to ruin people's careers, but Colin is not the problem. Again, two Olympics in a row. I'm not the problem. Ben, you're, you're the, problem. Not the problem. I am definitely the problem. And I hate that I have to use my Karen voice right now because ladies and gentlemen, breaking news in off the podium, we have a freaking gold medalist. And, and it is the only man who gave us a medal in Pyeongchang. Like this is yeah. much Charles Hammond. We can, why is he coming back? Does he want to tie Cindy Clausen's record? Which by the way, he just tied Cindy Clausen's record as well. That's another big deal, at least here in Canada. Uh, does he want to break 
Penny Alexiak's record now. Uh, no, all he wants is every single Olympics to do something to support Colin and something to hold Ben down. <laughs> which uh, which member of your team has the really bad hairstyle? Is uh, Stephen Dubois? <laughs> Maybe it's like he's got like a I don't know a tire mark down the middle of his head or something. Like that. <laughs> I think but, that's um, Stephen Dubois. I thought he kind of looked like uh, this. I don't know if you know the Submariner, uh, the the comical character. No, no. Is this like that adequately normal band that you were talking about last night or whatever the hell that was? Or, the what? Uh, that that band. It was like adequately normal or the Nickelback follow-up or whoever oh, the hell default. they were. Oh, <laughs> default. Default, sure. Um, adequately normal. <laughs> that, that's Jared's band. Often get them confused. Well, I was going to say, um, that could be the off-the-podium band. We could compete with Fatty Esther. <laughs> I'm I'm just disappointed that Baz and Georgie aren't jumping up and down for off the podium right now. Like this is this is this is freaking groundbreaking, ladies and gentlemen. Like over a hundred guests on this show. We had twenty-five on Team OTP going into this. Um and if people are not knowing, Canada just won the men's five thousand meter relay and never, ever has any of our guests that we have had on before their Olympics gone on to win a gold medal. We've had we've had silvers, we've had bronzes, lots of bronzes, um, but never a freaking gold medal. And it was Colin, of course, who interviewed him. Uh, what was that? <laughs> it was, back tw- was it the beginning of 2018 or was it the end of 2017? It was, it, I think it was the end of 2017 because it was a couple months out from Pyeongchang still. Right. But now, now Ben's no, going to create this. another curse. Well, we've never had somebody who's officially interviewed before that games who has won a gold medal. <laughs> I mean, technically that is true. Like I'll, I'll do the different levels of statistics there, but I, we, we're going to claim this. This is, you know, this is a gold. Uh, do you still have his number in your Rolodex, Colin? I, you can can... Dig, I can dig up his publicist's info. Um, she he was did, very helpful um, last time. He did like, um, I think I left a comment on one of his posts yesterday or the day before, and he, he liked our comment. So um, he's, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Charles. Canada win the gold. Your third gold of the games now, Colin, as well. So You know um, what? I thought that, uh, I thought you were referring to uh, Stephen Dubois' hair, but I, are you referring to Charles Hamlin, who literally has a mohawk right now? Is it so that is Charles Hamlin? Has yeah, got he, he, just, he, he went with the mohawk for this race. Something new, okay, I guess. Well, when, when we get him back on the show, and I'll join you for that interview, I will be sure to bring up the fact that he looks like somebody just run over his head with a tie. <laughs> Um, maybe but that that's what it takes gold. to win a gold medal. It's taken us three Olympics to get a gold medalist, and you're finding something wrong with the man. So oh, aerodynamic that hairstyle. <laughs> yes, the helmet maybe gets in the way. I don't know. Just just wait till Friday night when I can speak at a normal level to really express my emotions. But congratulations to Charles, our our first ever guest that has been on this show has gone on to win an Olympic gold. Jared is just over the moon right now, Jared. Your your streak's still 100% as well. You know it. I'm just disappointed you didn't take the opportunity of being ahead to do a breaking news. Canada (laughs) defaulted in the... I I wanted to, but I also wanted to be nice to Colin because I feel that Colin just gets a little bit angry at me sometimes. Well, I wonder why. (laughs) True, all those throwing chair moments. We've had the last time you did a breaking news in the middle and spoiled it for me. You said Justine DeFerla point is down and then it came true. Okay. (laughs) So you're not allowed to talk and spoil things for me anymore. (laughs) I'm not allowed to talk. I'll get a phone call and get told off. (laughs) Yes. Did you be stirring asleep?
let's let's have a look at some Esther facts now that she's winning curling, shall we? Um, Esther Ledecker I've got one doesn't. Here. Oh, you, oh, oh you, you go ahead then. No, please. Well, I was, I was just going to say, um, Esther Ledecker can kill two stones with one bird. Uh, yes. Esther Ledecker can strangle you with a cordless phone. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time Esther Ledecker was ever wrong uh, was when he thought when she thought she had made a mistake. Um, <laughs> outer space exists because it's afraid to be on the same planet with Esther Ledecker. That's very true. I, I've heard all of those. Um, Esther Ledecker doesn't read books. She stares them down until she gets the information she wants. Uh, time waits for no woman unless that woman is Esther Ledecker. If you spell Esther Ledecker and Scrabble, you win forever. Um, <laughs> Esther Ledecker breathes air five times a day. Uh, <laughs> in the beginning, there was nothing. Then Esther Ledecker roundhouse kicked nothing and told it to get a job. <laughs> That's <These> true. Gr- <laughs> when God said, let there be light, Esther said, say please. <laughs> um. Oh, God, these are brilliant. Um, Esther Ledecker appeared in the Street Fighter 2 video game but was removed by beta testers because every button caused her to do a roundhouse kick. When asked about this glitch, Esther Ledecker replied, that's no glitch. Um, Esther Ledecker does not sleep. She waits. Um, <laughs> I could go on. No, these are too, too many. Um, Jared, how would you rate those on the uh, the Jared joke scale? Well, they're Esther related, so they're off the chart. Absolutely. 15 out of 10, basically. We hit triple digits. Triple digits. <laughs> Speaking of shit, Michaela Shitfren, um, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I'm sorry to be cruel to this woman, but like, she crashed out again. At least she, she made at least past like three gates this time around, but. Three out of the five events she's crashed out. I don't even think she got a top ten, did she? I think maybe she was ninth in the Super G. But, um, yeah, what the hell is going on here? Talk about, like, talking someone up and then they just leave with their tail. I'm, I'm not taking away from her achievements outside of these Olympics. She's one of the all-time greats in alpine skiing and she's achieved a lot. But, holy fuckball, she's going from Beijing with uh, just nothing to show for it. Yeah, that uh, that GOAT title might, might have to be revoked after these Olympics. Um yeah, the hype, the hype, the hype, the hype. And and it's even funnier because I'm like the hype in Australia of, of all yeah. places. Like imagine the hype over in like the US for her. Um, but yeah, to to DNF on in, in three out of the five events, just I feel like it's kind of unheard of. Like surely at like that point, you're like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, make sure I get down. I don't I don't care where I finish here. Just just get down the hill. Um, but yep. no, nah, couldn't do it. Still off to the side again. Just, she's still waiting. I, I'm just, I'm just pointing this out. Eddie the Eagle finished his events. The Jamaican bobsled team maybe didn't quite finish it, but I think they finished at least three of their four runs. So they did better than, did better than Michaela. I, I've skied for like five seconds in my life and I was shit. But I reckon that if I had have trained enough, I like as you were saying, I could have just you know made it down in about thirty minutes, but I still finished. You know, like I would have been lapped. I don't think you can get lapped in Alpine's game, but I probably would have. Um, so yeah, Michaela, like, look, I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of miss Lindsay Vaughn. At least Lindsay Vaughn could get a bronze, um, like her 20th Olympics. Um, but wow, Jesus. Um, do you think she'll come back? Do you think we'll see her again for Sweet Revenge? And this will be all plastered over the, the comeback of, you know, the SBs will give it like the comeback of all time because she comes on and 
gets a bronze, pulls a Simone and like, I don't know, does something sneaky at the end and wins the hearts of America. She's got it right. You couldn't, you couldn't go out like this. I feel like she's got to be back and at least, I don't know, maybe she needs to cut down the program. Um, just, just focus on one event maybe. And then if she crashes out, then move on to the next and the next and the next and the next. Um, but yeah, I think she'll be back. I think she should change, like do the ski cross, you know, like, I mean, at least if you crash out, that's a bit of style, right? So, you know, why not? Or I don't know, like um, the half pipe, do you think she'd be good at, I mean, she's good at falling over. So just add a flip to it, right? I think mean, you're onto something with like the ski cross. I feel like there it's more of like a, a, a straight line. She seems to have trouble like turning corners. Well, the slalom is meant to be her event. But that's the one that she, like, fucked up the most. So it's kind of like, well, if that's her event, then Jesus, like, okay, good for her. But, um, again, look, I'm I'm sitting in a chair right now in a hotel room being the armchair critic. I can't ski to save my life. She's at the Olympics. She's achieved more in life than I ever will. But um, I'm also allowed to call a spade a spade. And I'm sorry, Michaela, you were shit in these Olympics. Like, if we had the, the daily Michaela you probably would have won that probably every single day. So, um, you know, if we have the, the daily Dale of the Olympics, you probably win the daily Michaela. I'm sorry, man. I really am. You seem like a nice woman. And um, I'm sure that you can go home and stroke all your crystal globes and other Olympic medals and World Cup wins and go, okay, well, I feel okay about myself. I've achieved a bit in life. That podcast that bagged me out, didn't win the Australian podcast and we probably won't end up winning the sports podcast awards vote now via sportspodcastawards.com. So fair enough, but I'm allowed to take this moment to talk shit about an Olympian. And I am Michaela, you were shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm roasting a champion right now. So um, you're allowed to bag out athletes. I, I, I am saying right now it is, it is publicly okay because when you're not an athlete, you have no idea about it. So anyway, um, Jared, anything to add? <laughs> uh, not really. I'm just I'm just nervous now that uh, Michaela's going to go and, and vote against us on the on the Maybe. on the sports podcast awards. But um, given her track record here, she'll probably fail at that as well. Yeah, probably. She'll go to click on like keep the flame alive and accidentally click for off the podium. So uh, there you go. It's been it's been a while since we've kind of had like an athlete to you know pile shit in. You know, missed the Ryan Lochte days and the Lindsay Vaughn days. So. You know, prove us wrong, Michaela. Come back in four years, win five out of five, and I'll be the first to sit here and go, Michaela, you are no longer Michaela Shitfriend. You are Michaela Goodfriend. And uh, go forth and prosper and do well in that. I mean, completely set on Esther. The, the only other honourable mentions I had uh, would obviously be Poulin um, in the in the in the ice hockey. Um, those goals in the gold medal matches, um, and then also uh, Sandra in Iceland in the um, ski cross, just just mm-hmm. breaking that Canada streak, you know. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Well, just just on Esther, just um, just to go through the trend here, I've got a few more Esther Ledecker facts for people because um, th- these went off yesterday. I mean, this is all the internet was talking about yesterday. This is, if you, I mean, I, I, I actually heard a rumor that you had people banging your door down last night going, Jared, we want more. That's we want true. more Esther facts. Just want more. So um, let's, let's, let's go through some of these. If paper beats rock, rock beats scissors, and scissors beats paper, 
What beats all three at the same time? Estaladeca. Uh, Estaladeca can dribble a bowling ball. <laughs> well done. Um, if you want a list of Estaladeca's enemies, just check the extinct species list. Solid, solid fact. Um, some kids pee their name in the snow. Estaladeca can pee his name into concrete. Her name into concrete. <laughs> That, that's a good one. Um, Estaladeca's calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd because no one fools Estaladeca. Um, Estaladeca can speak Braille. It's <laughs> pretty clever. Uh, <laughs> Champions are the breakfast of Estaladeca. Yep. Uh, the dark is afraid of Estaladeca. Yep. Um, yeah, these, these are pretty good. When Estaladeca enters a room, she doesn't turn the lights on. She turns the dark off. Yep. Um, what's the, uh, there's, I can't find it. One of my favorite ones of these, it's like, um, Estaladeca's daughter lost her virginity and Estaladeca went and got it back or something like that. Or, uh, Estaladeca drove her mum home from the hospital after she was born. <laughs> Um, so, oh, here we go. This is this is appropriate to China. Uh, the Great Wall of China was originally created to keep Esseladeca out. It didn't work. Clearly not. She's kicking ass in Beijing. So, um, there you go. Uh, we we might have some more of those tomorrow. I think that's a that's a good trend. To me, that was the biggest drama I think I've ever experienced in olympics and it was basically just for a spot in the playoffs and it's just it's crazy can i, can I interrupt me. can i interrupt you colin like the biggest Go drama ever in the olympics like what olympics are you watching yeah. that you that literally it came down to the distance of a curling stone to decide there, canada's place in the semi-final that, that that that's better than i don't know bradbury winning after everybody collapsing the miracle on ice canada breaking 50 years of a drought and ice hockey same bolt winning everything now, michael phelps that's more dramatic than all of that yes now i'll, I'll explain why <laughs> and, and you cut you kind of have to be canadian to get this right now but um, oh well that's why i mean no, no, no. It's, like, there's more to that. What you're describing is exciting moments. They're like, oh, where did that come from? We're talking about drama where it's like, this would not end. Like, oh, okay, we're, we're there. Now we got to wait another 10 minutes. Oh, it looks like we're there. And the fact that all of these other games were coming down to the wire and you have the number one team, uh, Canada's, really the, the representatives of Canada, uh, and just sort of gathering more since this has ended, seeing how much other countries are shocked by this and how much other countries are on the edge of the seat. Uh, Devin Haru, who you interviewed, he had um, his, his curling show, his daily curling show on YouTube. And Jennifer Jones basically texted him and he kind of immediately sent out a tweet saying, she just texted me and saying she wants to come on the show because she wants Canada to hear from her. I mean, this is, I sort of said it a, a couple of days ago that, these Olympics, curling is bigger than hockey in Canada. And I don't even, uh, obviously, you know, Salt Lake City, Vancouver, the gold, uh, the gold medal uh, hockey games were massive stories and big moments. But as far as like waiting on pins and needles, is this going to happen? And how long it was drawn out? Like this, this was like something you couldn't script. And the way that Canada's responded to this, it's not the way you think where it's like we're so let down. It's more than anything, people basically saying, you are the greatest of all time because how you accepted defeat as opposed to having won this. 
Yeah, I know you're kind of laughing because of the Furlough Point Sisters thing, but no, no, I, I'm laughing because at- I love your country so much. Like, like you, you've basically described two things to me: that Canadian drama is not that dramatic. I lived there, and I didn't really see many dramatic Canadian dramas. That explains things. And secondly, this is just a difference between, say, Australia and Canada and how great you are. But the fact is that you basically got eliminated down to the fact that a rock wasn't closest to the other something or other. And yet, rather than complain about it, you're like, oh, yeah, you're the greatest ever. Come on the show. Oh, you're so good. Come back. We'll throw you a parade, Jennifer. Oh, yeah. This well, isn't Australia. We'd be fucking burning down buildings. We would be complaining. We would be, I don't know, murdering innocent children. We would be beating seals. Well, you do that anyway. We would, I don't know what we would be doing, but we would be just going off. Like, you're so Canadian. Like, oh, yeah, we tried. <laughs> But, but here's, here's the second part of it, too, is that at the same time we're experiencing Brad Gushu being Canada's last hope, and here's a man who is very composed, and he's breaking down in tears after their loss. Uh, and then we'll get to, you know, a big win today, and we broke down tears again. But, but there, you really can't even be it, – it's kind of like we are describing with, like, Nordic combined and cross-country skiing in some of these other countries. The way that Canada treats curling, especially in these Olympics coming off of Pyeongchang, like, it is ridiculous – how much this country has had invested in this sport for these Olympics. And, you know, kind of like with the, when we get to Brad Gushu, it'll be a completely different story. But uh, with, with this loss, I mean, what's so dramatic about this is it has more to do with the fact of how Canada's selecting its teams. And that was a big discussion they had on Devin Brewer's show. They had the entire CBC commentating panel on there, including Mike Harris, who we interviewed on here. And they were all sort of in agreement saying it's like the problem here is not, you know, uh, the teams and their performance. The problem is, is that Canada, because we're so competitive, we force our selection down to the last minute and we give our athletes weeks to prepare for the Olympics as opposed to months or even a year like other countries. The two things just on, it, it, it honestly legitimately so fascinating to hear this because it, it is so freaking Canadian. Like it really is. And like Jared would know exactly what I'm saying about that. This is just not what would happen in Australia. I'm thinking of London 2012 with our swimming team when we won, what, like one gold medal. And there were inquiries galore. They were blaming the culture. Like there was that Equinox drug thing and just like just everything went to absolute shit because we won one gold medal and it was like, oh, my God, this is like the biggest crisis in Australian Olympic history. You guys barely get a bronze in curling. To me, seemed like you were robbed in the women's. But again, I'm saying that from an Australian's perspective. And again, literally, you're just like, oh, eh, that's how it happens. Like, it's just, it's like so fucking Canadian. Take a page from Canada and accept that you suck and you lose and don't go on social media and make it all about me, 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 me. Okay? Well, so, Michaela, go yeah, down, really, go up north and learn something from your neighbours to the north. Really quickly, I want to give Jared time to talk here, too. <laughs> on nah, that note, I, I mentioned fine. you guys. <laughs> Jared's already asleep. Uh, but I mentioned to you guys that uh, I, I, I flipped to NBC uh, to see if they had an interview with Michaela Schiffer, and they did. And in a weird way, she kind of did, at least in this initial interview, really accept it. But it was... I don't think I've ever heard somebody more scattered in their thoughts. It was 
a hot mess of an interview. <laughs> uh, but some really good takeaways they had there, or at least that she had, it, through all her ramblings and ranting, she basically said, I don't think anybody has ever had more chances and failed so many times in the Olympics as I have. And I completely own that. But it makes me sick, and it's a complete joke. And it's funny that a, a, a lot of the things that she's coming under fire for right now, she was initially saying those same thoughts. So it's weird that she's now taking – and I can understand people taking a stance. You know, I can criticize myself. Do You have to criticize me as aggressively the same way. But she really did own it in the interview I saw. But it was bizarre to listen to her. It sounded like somebody who was completely out of their mind. Look – I, I, I don't want to give Michaela Shitburn any more airtime because my rant here is basically going to be about this and then we'll go back to talking about Canada and Jared can talk. My issue with what's come about in the last 24 hours of this is that, again, I was a dick yesterday. I ripped into her. She deserved it. She's open to criticism, all right? But the way it is painted, it's that she fucked up. She got some abuse, which you shouldn't get abuse online. Like, do it on a podcast. No one listens, so it's fine. Um <laughs> It's um. You, you can find our show online at <laughs> sportspodcastawards.com. Remember to vote for us. Um, but like, it, it, there, there's a difference between like copping it on the chin and getting some criticism, but then making it into such a sideshow where everybody basically makes it all about you. And like, I'm I want to say this right now. A reminder to people: Michaela Shipfren did not win yesterday. Michelle G. G. Geisen, Geisen, I can't even say her name properly, but I want to give her credit. She won the women's mm-hmm. combined. Wendy Holdener got second. Federica Brigioni got third. Esther Ledecka got fourth. It should be about them. We should be celebrating them and not complaining about some woman who can't even fucking finish a ski race and then makes it all about her. She's great. Michaela Schifrin is very good at what she does. I- she had a shit Olympics. It happens. 99% of what we produce is shit. But every now and then we do okay. But on the flip side of that, if you do shit and you're in the public spotlight, I can call you out for being shit. People can call you out for being shit. It's okay. Don't call her names. Don't tell her to kill herself. Don't bully her, right? But she's shit. At these Olympics, she was shit. Simple. Celebrate the winners. Michaela, hope you get better. Come back to Milan and show us what you're capable of. That's all I'll say. That's enough. Yeah, and that's a media thing too, like celebrate the winners. Uh, and, And another thing that's great, I mean, Jennifer Jones, after we already talked about um, when they lost to Japan early on, which is basically one of the reasons why they're out. I mean, she she kind of walked past the Japanese skip as she was doing an interview and overheard her say, Jennifer Jones is my hero. She's the reason I'm in the sport. And she went up and hugged her in the middle of the interview. After they lost, Japan's in now. Jennifer Jones went up and she hugged them all again. And it, it was it was crazy watching Devin Hru's show yesterday and seeing the live chat, how many Japanese people worship this woman <laughs> and they, they worship her even more now because of how she accepted defeat and how she's she's putting the spotlight back on the team that's now technically beaten them into the playoffs so i completely agree with you it needs to be about the, let's let's address you know maybe fair criticism and stuff like that or surprises i can't believe this person didn't win but then let's make sure we're putting more attention if not uh at least an equal amount on the winners yeah, exactly. And that that's that's the thing. Like, it's a big story. I get it. It was no different to Simone Biles in Tokyo. You know, these things happen. They're big names. You're going to talk about it. But at the end of the day, you know, if I'm, if I'm Michelle and I'm an Olympic gold medalist, I'm going to get a bit shitty. Like, hey, I just won a fucking Olympic gold medal. I didn't win because that woman crashed out for the third time at these Olympics. Like, 
you know, if anyone should be making it about them, it should be Michelle. Jared, you haven't talked in about 30 hours. Um, do you have any thoughts on what has been said so far? Yeah, I feel like I don't have much to add. I disagree. I think it's a, it's a similar situation in the um, in the women's figure skating with the 15-year-old Russian athlete um, and then her being allowed to compete. And then just like that was just like the entire story. Um, she doesn't end up on the podium like there's just no media attention given to the people who finished, who wound up on the podium. The story is still just about her like crashing out and, and like, it's just, it's mud, like the whole event and still like the team's event with that all being like up in the air and them not getting medals yet. Like, it's just, I don't know. I think it's what you say. It's, it's, we need to be celebrating the winners and like, it's fine to, to talk about kind of these dramatic moments and letdowns and setbacks, but like it shouldn't dominate the conversation and we should be able to move on quickly from that to, to talk about the actual, the actual events and, and who's put in an amazing effort at the Olympics. And speaking like of Like Eileen Gu, right, Ben? Well, we'll get to that. Um, speaking <laughs> of which, let's move on. I'll be a hypocrite soon. Don't worry, Colin. It's all good. seen any other athletes who have been this much fun to watch winning the gold like if you saw their podium pose with like him oh, jumping up in the air and the other guys that was going, brilliant oh, yeah i want that mounted on my wall and then the video that they released it's like everybody's wondering what would have happened uh, if we hadn't won this now you'll never know and they stand back and everybody just cheering and screaming like, wow they know how to they know how to work the camera you know why they did it though? It's because it was it was nothing to do with Charles Hammond. It's the fact that they won off the podium's first gold medal. That's what it was. Yeah. So, can I just say you know that now, now that I am in a, a normal environment that I can <laughs> yell and scream that Charles Hamlin won off the podium's first gold medal. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! In the words of Tess and Cody, yeah. We kept saying, is he going to be done now? Like basically he has officially announced his retirement now. And it has nothing to do with tying Cindy Clausen's record. Uh, being in that six medal club, one behind Penny Alexiak, it is just off the phone. He won us a medal, and now he feels free to retire. Yeah, exactly. He, he that was the one thing off his bucket list. He was literally <laughs> like, "Ooh, ooh, hey, I've won so many medals, but I just off the podium. I've got to win them a gold," and he did. See, Eric's not going to do it in the pairs, so Charles came along and did it. Did, did, did us a service. Thank you, Charles. Now, Colin, get him back on the show hey, so I can interview him as well. I didn't. I haven't talked to him before. Watch Eric Radford and Vanessa James are going to win gold and Charles Hamlin's going to retract his retirement and announce he's coming back in Milan. <laughs> exactly. Come on. I need to be the first it. back-to-back off the podium gold winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that we've, we've ticked it off the list, we've got to put more pressure on them. day you kind of gave the daily dale to a guy who was briefly in the lead for ireland so i thought we could acknowledge that at least briefly as a skier colin for god's sakes that's like saying a canadian got a wicket in cricket like for fuck's sake we're just celebrating that if we had number one and number two that's the best result canada's ever had bad but anyways if you you played australia in cricket and you were winning for one over i would give you like the world award for everything all right that's the, the legitimacy of that so come on Anyways, we would beat you in hockey ben, for five seconds. Give us a medal. Ben's really embracing being able to yell again. It's <laughs> right. I can yell. He's not even upset. He's just he's just very happy to be raising his voice. Fucking um, Karen. Anyways, <laughs> so I 
I fell asleep once I realized Scott and Christian were, were probably going to be out of it. Uh, and I had a dream that I was competing in the biathlon, and it was just a local thing or whatever. But I was I was ahead, and I remember like partway through, and for whatever reason, I was on the phone to Jamie. I'm like, Jamie, I'm winning the I'm winning the biathlon right now, and and it wasn't even winter in my dream. It was summer, and my skis were like on pavement. I'm thinking like, is this going to survive it? And I called her up, and I'm like, they're telling me that I'm actually I'm on Olympic times right now. And guess what happened? A bunch of people came out. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. They're like, it's this way, it's this way. And they led me upstairs into the attic of their house. And I'm like, oh, no, this is really suspicious here. And I'm like, I'm off course, and I was completely out of it. I, I bailed. But, uh, yeah, that was my, my – I almost became the greatest Canadian biathlete of all time. Well, I think the message in there, Colin, is don't make a phone call in the middle of an Olympic biathlon race. Like, I, I, I don't <laughs> – I don't see the Bow Brothers going, oh, yeah, I'm winning the, bi- the biathlon, Sven. Tune in now to Channel 7 Norway. Like, that's why you ended but up you in an what? attic. Do you, know, do you know the other problem is that I, they didn't give us a gun. I was throwing darts in it. Like, that was the really frustrating <laughs> thing. <laughs> that's, um, this I is a real uh, local version <laughs> of the biathlon. Yeah. I'm choking. Well, you see, this is what... That that's why Canada doesn't do as well because we're not a gun nation. You give us darts and Canada's gonna be dominating in a biathlon. Canadian biathlon. It's oh yeah, throw the darts at the bullseye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Probably more exciting than the women's half pipe in skiing today. So um <laughs> But Eileen Goo couldn't do the dart biathlon. She can do that though, a bit more respect for her. You know? You know who couldn't do it? Michaela Shitfren. She can't do anything. Um <laughs> <laughs> we, we really are never getting her on the show. Um, I wouldn't want her on the show. I want someone good on the show. All right. Is it is it enough time to keep bagging her out, or am I am I am I getting into bullying territory? She's gonna post well, you may as well get on the show because the curse isn't gonna do anything. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> probably get on the show as you win. <laughs> Let's start getting the shit athletes on the show, and then they'll actually start winning. <laughs> Let's, let's get that Irish uh, cross-country skier on. Um, but he's not shit. He finished. He finished. He did He did what He did what Michaela Shitford couldn't do. He finished the skiing race. All right? He Irish finished. cross-country skier better than Michaela Shitford. Simple. She finished She finished a percentage of the time. Give her a Two percentage of them of the doesn't crash. count. More than 50% she crashed. I lasted longer on skis than she did in Beijing. Come on. I feel... I- I feel even worse for her now because of Ben being able to yell at Oh, <laughs> she'll, she'll make a post about it. Don't worry. Come on. Who else are we meant to rip shit into? Lindsay's retired. Fucking Ryan Lochte's, I don't know, kidnapped again. Tell me who oh, else we'll, I'm meant we'll to bag out. Oh, Lochte. What a man. He And he knows it too. How do you think he would go in the uh, in the dart biathlon? <laughs> well, man, so I was skiing around and all of a sudden there was this dart that came right at me. It's like kidnapping me or something, man. Like, whoa, I'm Ryan Lofty. Oh, I miss him. I miss his beautiful grey hair. Um, <laughs> probably actually literally grey right now. She's getting more coverage on NBC than she is CBC. Uh, but what you guys are describing, I thought you were joking a lot of this time, but it sounds like you're 100% real that she is your biggest star. <laughs> I don't know if China's getting as much coverage uh, on Ailingu as you are. It's, But this is the thing which, like, I find fascinating about it is because, like, 
there are, there are, this sounds, how I'm going to put this, when I say there are legitimate Chinese athletes who have done really well at these Olympics who we are not focusing on. Um, and yet Eileen Gu, who, like, I'm not saying she's not legitimately Chinese. I get it. She's got, you know, Chinese heritage. She's got Chinese parents. She lives in China. I get it. I'm not saying she's not mm. Chinese. But, like, she's more, I think, Americanized than the average Chinese athlete. Yeah. So, therefore, well, it makes it because easier. Because she would have. Yeah. She would have, by default, been competing for America, but she was invited. I think that's the difference. Whereas we have our aerial Colin, gear. Colin, invited. Yeah. And <laughs> when we start to see the car she's driving and the houses she's living in in the next six months, we're going to realize how invited she was. Because uh, I, I don't know about gear. you, but all, all of all of those famous Chinese teen bikini models that you see all the – like, I mean, myriad of them everywhere <laughs> you see. Like, right, just it's a common thing that China loves seeing their, you know, teenage girls on the cover of Vogue in bikinis. Uh, commonplace in China. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's free and open country. They love Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 100%. She she is as Chinese as as Jackie Chan, like just like just absolutely all about her beloved People's Republic of China. She loves them to bits. She's like, "Oh my god, I'm so pleased to have won these gold medals for China. I love China." My favorite country. That is where exactly I'm from. how she sounds too. That's incredible. Exactly. Like it really. I'm Eileen Gu. Hey everyone. I'm happy to be Chinese. <laughs> I'm Eileen Gu speaking in my traditional Chinese accent. Um, this is the only time I'm ever allowed to impersonate a Chinese person on this show and get away with it because I legitimately <laughs> am doing the traditional Eileen Gu Chinese. Hey, everyone, come down to the People's Republic of China. We can go to Beijing. We can go to the Great Wall of China. Let's go see those terracotta statues and our great traditional Chinese culture of Mulan. What a great movie that is the animated one the real one was kind of shit but look how great i am china yeah team china God. <laughs> next olympics i'm norwegia's biggest star <laughs> listen to my norwegian accent from the country of norwegia and now in 2030 i'm competing for uzbekistan yeah <laughs> Uzbekistanians, woo! Look at all our great what, Uzbek. Vancouver, Vancouver 2030, Jamaica's got a bobsled team, and it's led by Eileen <laughs> <laughs> She's She's literally, and then, and then all of a sudden, in like 2034, when she retires, having competed for, I, I don't know, <laughs> Egypt, um, they're going to be like, oh, the goat of the Olympics, she's won... 20 gold medals for eight different countries. No one can ever top that. Well, yes, they can. Michael Phelps could come out of retirement, win his eight gold in every single race. Like in the 50 metres, I'm going to swim for America. In the 100 metres yeah. butterfly, I'm swimming for Japan. In the 200 backstroke, fuck it, I'm swimming for Laos. Um, like, just fucking switch it off. Like, I legitimately love that with What's-A-Face Humphreys. Like the whole, like, oh, she's created history by becoming the first ever female winter. Like, it's not a hard record to break. <laughs> like, I mean, you've got four oh, years to move to another country and get a different it. citizenship. Not that hard. Um, Dale Rick Smith did it. Uh, <laughs> and so he should. What a man. Don't bag out the Dale Ben. Um, 
I'm losing track of where we're up to in this show. Fails! Anything on CBC, Colin? What is a thrashing in curling? Like, like Dean and Tyler got beaten oh. like what seven one, I think. So that's a pretty big that's a pretty big scoreline in curling. But like, yeah, are there, is is it well, rare to get it? Like, could could I beat you twelve one? Is that common in curling, or is that very rare? I don't know if I've seen it that high. I mean, usually when you get about six seven ahead, that's when they call it. And the other thing with curling is that it's one of these rare sports where it's it's a it's a gentleman and a lady sport. Uh, it, it's very it's very fair with the athletes just to concede. Oh, I concede your rocks closer. Oh, I, I will I will give you this match. That was Jennifer Jones' win. That was crazy. Is that they were up ten to three, and um, uh, they, they went the extra end. I can't even remember who they're playing now. Uh, but uh, basically, they got one extra point. They're like, yeah, we just wanted to go out with one extra one. We didn't want to lose ten to three. We will lose ten to four. We concede. Okay. All right. Well, good to know because. With that in mind, I'm going to read you the scoreline from the uh, three here that at least uh, I've got in front of me. So, Sweden against France. France scored 10. Pretty high-scoring effort by the French. Yeah, good job, France. Sweden, 18. So 18 to 10. Pretty big win, right? You think, okay, good, good result there for Sweden. That was the closest game at the curling in 1924. Great Britain played Sweden. What you think would be the gold medal match. But no, of course, no gold medal match. Sweden, seven. Good effort by the Swedes. They've done well. They've dropped a few from their first match. But Great Britain, 38. 38 to seven. All right? And I'll tell you now, not the biggest thrashing at the 1924 Olympics in the sport of curling. Game three, France, four. Again, a little bit worse than what they did against the Swedes. They lost six points. Great Britain, 46. What is going on, Great Britain, at the there 1924 were, Olympics? That is brilliant. I there were see no this. gentlemen in that. No gentlemen oh, the Brits were bastards in 1924. They're like, fuck you all. <laughs> we're going to thrash your little Frenchy asses. Now bend the fuck over and get beaten 46 to 4. Actually, I, I'll rephrase that. It was Scotland who won. I was like, ah, we're going to fucking beat the Shire. We're Scotland. That's <laughs> you a, may take our Bruce. country, but you'll never take our <laughs> curling. <laughs> I want to see Bruce Mowat and Eve Muirhead do it this time. It's like, no, 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 we're not stopping. We're going to keep going. I don't care if you're conceding victory. That's I want a, that's a score a, of 59. That's a real curler right there. None of this Canadian, <laughs> oh, we're going to let – gentlemen's agreement, oh, it's – 6-2, <laughs> shake hands, we'll go home and have a beer. No! I want my curlers at the end of round five. Like the French, oh, please, Scotland, we are losing. We're just 20 to 1. You're like, fuck you all, we're Scotland. We're going to beat you 46 to 4. <laughs> when curlers were we real have, men. <laughs> we have men and women in tears on the ice. <laughs> oh god wouldn't it be amazing imagine doing off the podium in 1924 like hello everyone welcome to off the podium oh what a jolly good day to be alive we haven't got the plague uh, well, the plague is not that old uh spanish flu 1924 <laughs> it's, not, it's not 1624 olympics ben that's a whole other kettle of fish but um, 46 to 4 in curling holy crap that's um that's a bit of a close one anyway 
two positives I'll quickly say for this before I go on a New Zealand rant here. Um, had to laugh at the New Zealand Olympic team's Instagram today where they posted Sitius, Outius, Fortius, Portius. Uh, gold for, like, I thought that was quite clever. Well done, New Zealand. Well played. Um, and the Haka. We talked about this, I think, with Zoe. Uh, but just such a, a great thing to be able to to see there with uh, with New Zealand doing that. And I did love the footage of the Chinese officials standing there just having absolutely no clue what the fuck was going on next to them while the New Zealand team did a haka right in front of them. But a um, couple of things. Uh, Mel McLaughlin. Now, look, this kind of ties into a bit of a fails before. Again, not a Channel 7 employee yet, but I still got to get my last pay, so I'll be careful what I say here. Uh, doing the interview with Nico. Okay, yep, do, doing well, asking the standard questions. Then the awkward ending question where she's like, oh, so now, as an Australian, we've got to claim you as our own, right? You grew up in Australia, so can you be ours? And Nico's like, oh, bro, not this again. Like, oh, give it a rest. Like, he's basically telling her to shove it. And she's all like, oh, yes. come on. Not even a quarter of this medal can be Australia's. And he's like, oh, oh no, it's all New Zealand's. Like, just like, I'm kind of like, I get the joke. We like to claim people, but like... Kids just won Olympic gold for his country. The country's celebrating. And he's like, oh, you're ours. It's like, good on you, Nick, over telling her to fuck off. Um, yeah. <laughs> but on the flip side, um, I actually just checked out Twitter just before we came on air. And admittedly, I was a bit late today posting our episode on social media. We, we had a long episode last night. It was like three in the morning. I was tired. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to post it tomorrow. So by posting the medal tally for day 14, halfway through day 15, when New Zealand had won another gold, admittedly, a bit confusing. Uh, but having said that, of course, I don't list the entire medals. I only do the top 10 and then I put where Australia and Canada are if they sit outside of the top 10. Yesterday, Australia was in 17th place. Now we are in 18th place because New Zealand has uh, moved ahead. We got a reply from a Mick Jail, that is J-A-L-E, not like I'm going to jail, to which he replied, that's not true. Aussie is 18th. Like straight away because like New Zealand had obviously gotten a gold. So I'm like, okay, calm down, bro. Uh, to which I've looked at their Twitter page and everything is just like completely pro New Zealand. And they've even retweeted somebody on Twitter going, last time New Zealand beat Australia at an Olympic Games resulted in the construction of the Australian Institute of Sport. Uh, so they're basically saying, okay, we suck so much, we have to create an entire body of sport. And then can I just point out the incorrectness of uh, somebody here who basically said, oh, is this the first time New Zealand has ever beaten Australia on the Winter Olympic medal tally? Now, okay, as a proud Australian who doesn't want to be beaten by New Zealand, even I know that we've been beaten by New Zealand at the Winter Olympics before. Back in 1992, at Annalise Koberger won the silver medal in the slalom. Australia hadn't won a medal yet. No, you're history, New Zealand. Don't jump on the winter bandwagon now because you're beating us. You didn't give two shits about winter sport two weeks. And all oh, brew, we're beating Australia. Jesus Christ. Cocky New Zealanders, the I, worst type. I I just want to say I fully support our New Zealand listeners. <laughs> and I want to remind them how Ben uh, decided to put up an Australian every day during Tokyo. And this is how bitter he gets now that he can yell again because New Zealand is beating Australia. What's me putting up an Australian every day in Tokyo got to do with me yelling at New Zealand winter sports right now? You're, you're complaining these are always oh, everything's pro New Zealand. 
that, that's no, kind it's, it's of pro, your, your, your not, reputation not, on this show. It's not that it's pro-New Zealand. It's that you've got cocky New Zealanders shoving it in our faces. Guys, it took as you 70 years to, to win cocky, a gold medal. As opposed to the cocky Australian. That's my <laughs> point. So, cocky. I was good, celebrating good, our achievements. It's a difference. Which they're, they're literally doing. <laughs> but they're not celebrating their achievements. They're rubbing shit in our faces. <laughs> I support you, New Zealand. Oh, go to fucking Good Wellington. Job, Nico, Miguel, Ben, Face Planter. I don't know. All of you guys. We welcome you all, our new New Zealand overlords. I've I've lived in New Zealand, all right? I'm sure if I won a gold medal, they'd be like, oh, bro, you lived in Invercargo for 18 months. Can we claim you? No, fuck off. You can't. <laughs> Well, I'm saying this now. Like, I, I'm, I don't know if we've really talked about it on the show the fact that Paris is having this unique opening ceremony on a river. They're not having it in a stadium, of yeah. course. Which, I'll be honest with you, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, I'm not a fan. Don't like the idea of that. That doesn't sound good. Fucking bring it on. <laughs> like, I mean, i, I got to say now, after the last few um, ceremonies, I'm like, it can't be any worse. Like, put a bunch of French people on the river with some baguettes and some croissants and, like, Sing, you know, dun, 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 like bring it on, I say. Um, I just also want to say we'll talk about the Milan aspect, and I actually want to talk about one thing about the Canadian uniform. I think we're the problem, as we always are. You know, we've got a curse on the Olympics in terms of uh, you know, gold medalists from Australia at least now. Canada can win gold, but let's be honest. Ever since we've been on air, the ceremonies have sucked. So yeah. uh, it's our fault. Uh, it's our fault, Colin. We are the reason why opening and closing ceremonies at the Olympics now suck. Yeah. If if anybody out there wants a good opening ceremonies, find a way to cancel us. Ben has said yeah. plenty of things throughout 230, 40 episodes that warrant us being canceled. So get rid of our show and you'll get your own. We're, we're holding the, the world ransom now. We're yeah. daring you to cancel us. And you know how well that works for us over on Double or Seven when we threaten things that clearly works the trade. I think out of the like two hundred countries in the world, I've offended about one hundred and twenty-two of them. So um, you're, oh, you're next, gonna offend another Uzbekistan. One today. I know uh, come on, pff, trust me. I just want to put a warning out there. If you're from New Zealand today, tune out now. Um, <laughs> just- I will back you, New Zealand. I've got your back. If you're from New Zealand, tune out now um, because I've got a bone to pick with you, New Zealand. Now, look, oh. we we went over this yesterday. Um, you know, cocky New Zealanders, all right, dealt with it. We had a medal tally faux pas, good for them. Okay, sure, all right. But um, on the Twitter account today, off the podium, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we appreciate your feedback because uh, we'll bitch about it on the episode the next time around. Um, happened to get a, a tweet today uh, on our next mental tally uh, from a Brian Hibbard. This is at Brian Hibbard 6. And we'll go over some of his other tweets in a moment too. Don't worry. He replied to the mental tally. I'm going to read this verbatim. 43 Australians v 15 New Zealanders. Population 27 million versus 5.8. Aussie 1 gold. NZ 2 gold. Very poor, Australia. Okay. See what you're doing there, Brian. Based on population, absolutely. That is a shithouse effort from Australia. We should pick our game up. Absolutely. But just on that, all right, let's just go over a few stats for you, dear Brian. Okay. In Australia, we have five, five ski resorts. Five. 
We won four medals. It's almost a medal per ski resort in Australia. Pretty good effort, if you ask me. In New Zealand, you have 39 ski resorts <laughs> for three medals. Barely one for every 10 <laughs> of your ski resorts. Okay. All right. Sure. You want to play that game? Fair enough. Okay. Awesome. You have won a total of six Winter Olympic medals in your history from three athletes. <laughs> you can't even get your athletes to go out and do good. You've got to rely on three athletes at the Olympics to win your medals, New Zealand. Okay. Good job, bro. You got your two gold. Well done. We were winning two gold at the Winter Olympics 20 years ago. Good job to catch up, New Zealand. All right. And if you want to talk about population and based on population per medals, all right, let's talk about Norway, all right, a country of five and a half million people. They've only got 500,000 more people than you. They won 37 medals at these Olympics. You won three. Pick your game up, New Zealand. (laughs) And if you want to talk about countries pulling ahead of their weight based on population, a little country called Liechtenstein have won a total of 10 Winter Olympic medals in their history. You've won six. Liechtenstein has a population of 38,137, which for you New Zealanders listening, that is a population of Gisborne in New Zealand. That is the population of Fukutani. Actually, it's more than Fukutani, but I just like saying that name. Kerry right, Fukutani. Invercargill has 49,000 people, 12,000 more than Liechtenstein, a country that can win 10 Winter Olympic medals, and you can only win six. And you've got 39 <laughs> ski resorts, New Zealand. <laughs> 39 ski resorts, you can only win three medals. We've got five and we can win four. All right? Got to say, that's a bit of an effort. There. And you also oh, okay. win it in fake sports, freestyle skiing. They're not real. Um <laughs> Also, wait a I'd second. Like, I'm just saying, on, hang on, hang on, not done. One more thing to go. want to read out some of uh, these tweets from Brian who likes to reply to things. <laughs> Let's just go the intelligence here of Brian. So, um, seems to be a bit anti-transgender uh, people here uh, in replying to a <laughs> transgender swimmer. Um, says, another failed male at his chosen sport. I'll say I identify as a woman, then the, then the will win. So wrong on so many levels. <laughs> Just like that Laurel Hubbard from NZ, okay? Uh, in replying to some tweet about uh, New Zealanders joining an anti-mandate protest, he replies, never heard of either, the, either of them. Irrelevant, okay? Um, turns around, uh, watched some of the Winter Olympics, said, Just watch the women's free ski half-pike final at the Winter Olympics. I see 12-year-olds doing more. What a waste of a sport and not deserving of medals, I'm afraid. Um, well, this is a medal. You won you, you, you won a medal in this event, my friend, and you're saying that you were shit. Okay? Uh, in response to an article about Jacinda Ardern, Kiwis can't get home, but this thing can fly in and out at taxpayers' expense. For a chat for 60 minutes, does she think she has anything relevant to say? Thick as a cardboard cutout. Hope she can't get back. Um, I'm not even, this guy's getting way too much airtime. Uh, in the words of, uh, Brian Hibbard, irrelevant. <laughs> to me, it's Dalton <laughs> Luge, exactly the same thing. One, you're laying on your back, one, you're facing forward. Um, I want to see the losers running. I'm sure they would. 
I don't think luge athletes are lazy. Like, I'm giving the chance. Like, I want to see yeah, a I mean, luge guy. Luge people go, I don't want to sit down and use my hands. I want to run like the skeleton and bobsleigh people. Like, come on. Give them a chance. They're the fastest in all of them. Bloody lazy yeah, they're bobsledders and skeletons. Freestyle skiers who just, from afraid of the wind. <laughs> they're just like, oh, look at me. I'm sitting down. Like, the bobsledders and the skeletons go, like, oh, look at those lazy bastards. No. All right, you're restricted. You're discriminating against a loo- Alex Palazzo, you stand up. All the Germans, just stand up. Natalie. Take a step back. Burger and everyone else. I think I think in honour of Natalie's achievements in McDonald's in Germany, they should they should release the Natalie Geisenberger meal. Uh, where you just, yeah. <laughs> Can I have a large Natalie Geisenberger meal with fries? Um, I'd order it. You get a free sippy cup. There she is on your cup. You can drink out of a Natalie Geisenberger. Drink out of her toque. Drink a little toque, you know. Poo toque. I'm still sticking to. If you're happy with Quinton, that was Colin's number one vote. So uh, look at this. Off the podium is giving the athlete of the games to somebody from France. What is going on here, Jared? Rewind the tape six years ago to think that I would ever allow this. Uh, but Quint, Quint Philomene. What a what a. He just sounds like a steak, doesn't it? Can I have the Philomene, please? Well done. Um, Basically, there. We just gave the athlete of the games to somebody from France, Jared. What is going on right now? Yeah, what is this? What is this growth from this podcast? Um, that's all right. It's not a Brit. We we still are off board with them. We're still paying them out. The New Zealanders, we still rub it in because we have to. Yeah. Um. So I'm happy to let kind of France off the hook for a while. Yep. Lo and behold, if we ever freaking gave it to uh, an Australian, because I think Colin would never would never stand mm-hmm. for that. We had the um, chance he wasn't here. Yeah, well, exactly. So what we've had, we obviously, they've only been given athlete of the game for two Olympics. So we've had a Jamaican now and a French French person. So uh, Frenchman. So there you go. Um, spreading out around the world. We had a female, now a male. So uh, look at that for the, the diversity quota on off the podium. Doing well there. Who's your tip for... Milan 2026 right now. Uh, you think Eileen can go for four? I mean, do you think she's going to pick up the aerials by then maybe? Um, no, I think she'll be, she'll be out injured by then. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think it's going to be Jackie Narricott coming back and winning the gold, you know. Yep. That'll be enough for me to make an athlete of the games. I don't care how many multiple medalists there are there. What about Team Slovakia coming out and winning the gold in the men's ice hockey? When all the NHL players have returned, they pull up an even bigger upset by beating Canada in a shootout uh, against Sidney Crosby and the gang. Yeah, but that's like athlete of the games and then it's multiple. It doesn't really work, does it? And I couldldn't True. couldn't pick out of out of, team all, of my, the games. all my favorite teams, you know? Yeah, to, who is is Slovakia your team of the games? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just just absolutely locked and loaded, just not even yeah. a question. So them and then Ireland. Them, them and <laughs> the Irish ski team consisting yeah. of, I think, one skier. Um, they actually, I follow an Irish skeleton racer on our Twitter account and she seems uh, absolutely fun. Like, she just seems like such a nice person. Um, so, I look, I'm saying this now for like, get on board Team Ireland. They just seem like a genuinely nice team. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it's, it's, it's just Irish people in general, you know, they're, they're, everything about the British Isles is great except for England. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, you can take England and push them out of it, but then if you've got Ireland, Scotland, Wales, even Northern Ireland, you know, Ireland man, 
Jersey, Guernsey, you name it. They're all they're all great. Bugger off, England. Keep the rest of them, right? Like, shove them somewhere. Put them to Siberia. No, 100%. I, I, just, I just want Team Ireland. I want Ireland to qualify in the ice hockey. Uh, actually, I'd, I'd be intrigued to see. If, is Australia ranked better in um, ice hockey than uh, Ireland? Uh, you, you would probably want to think so, right? Um, let's see if I can quickly pull this up right now. Uh, does, does Ireland even have an ice hockey team? Uh, so Australia are ranked 33 in the men's. And it doesn't look like Ireland have a men's ice hockey team, at least that are ranked. So that's a bit disappointing. And in the women's, Australia is ranked 29th. And they also do not look like they have a women's ice hockey team. But I can tell you... Uh, thankfully, Australia is ranked 29th and 32nd for New Zealand in the women's ice hockey, and uh, in the men's 33rd and 39th for the men in the uh, ice hockey as well. Uh, so there you go. Slovakia, um, I don't know if this has changed since the Olympics, uh, but in the men's uh, ninth, and in the women's are apparently not good enough to play. Uh, Slovenia are 23rd. That's good for Slovenia. Often confused, right? We don't want to, mm-hmm. you know. Slovenia good at ski jumping. Slovakia good at ice yeah. hockey. That's... Slovenia in Eurovision, Slovakia not. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean you have a soft spot now for Slovenia because they're similar, basically? Or... <laughs> no, it's just it's not the same. Not the same. Have you been, you've been to Europe. Have you been to like Slovakia or Slovenia, those sort of places? I have not. But you can guarantee I'll be there now for the, for the <laughs> yeah. hockey finals. <laughs> Outside of that, I, I think a real highlight was also uh, being Dwendwen. I've come round. <laughs> yes. You know, I was yes. not feeling it at the start, but now with all the antics uh, throughout, with getting stuck indoors, losing limbs, falling over at ice, dancing galas, um, getting his the, the highlight, the highlight of the closing ceremony being Dwendwen being animated. Yes. Um, I just I want one of those hats too the the <laughs> the beanie that's kind of also a scarf where you put your your hands in like the mitts. Um, Hugh Ron Ron's got a lot to live up to. Let me tell you. Exactly. Like this is the thing. Like I don't think I have ever seen a mascot this prominent. And I'm just saying this based on the fact that we're Australian, and so obviously Sid, Millie, and Ollie were very prominent for us because we were also kids at the time. But I honestly don't know if there's been a mascot that prominent uh, since uh, Sydney. Um, you know, maybe Wenlock or whatever the fuck that thing was in London, just because it was like a, a walking penis. Um, but like seriously, like it was just it was so hilarious. And like the thing that I really appreciated about, particularly obviously the the Beijing committee themselves, is they seem to live like play up to this. Like you would think like China being very strict and very like, no, like don't, you know, do anything. They almost just like like literally their social media, like the one the other day it was like Oh, it's very slippery outside. You see Bing Dwen Dwen to- tiptoeing in the snow and then he slips over. And I'm like, this is the official account. Haven't Bing Dwen Dwen fallen over A over T. Um, I mean, brilliant. And like, I think that completely sold out around the world. You cannot buy a Bing Dwen Dwen to save your life. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, can we give the athlete of the games to Bing Dwen Dwen? 100%. You know, I feel like it kind of makes me nostalgic too because he, he reminds me of Fatso. Yes, <laughs> that's it's a like good that point. type of content, yeah. um, but with an actual real mascot. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, 
Ping Duan Duan, what a legend. Like, <laughs> I take back all the criticism. The ice suit was amazing. Uh, just, uh oh. That's my favourite thing to come from these Olympics. And Jared has come full circle on Big Twin. So high up in my uh, mascot ranking. <laughs> oh, what do we do with? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Izzy and Big Twin. I don't know who to choose as number one right now. But <laughs> like, I know you and I were talking about off air, and we talked about last night. We're just the gala. I literally only saw the end of the gala, and it's just like Big Twin. Oh, and he's back again. Stacks on the mill, and little Big Twin Twin falling over, and his leg didn't fall off this time around. But um, what was your favourite Bing Dwen Dwen foul? Mine is the leg falling off. <laughs> I think mine is still getting stuck in the door. Because <laughs> it's just so stupid that it even happened. And, like, I think because it got, like, the least coverage too. And so, like, you found it and then passed it on. So just uh, what a legend. <laughs> Bing Dwen Dwen getting stuck in a door. Um, the the highlight of the Olympics, oh, so good. They, I'm just saying this right now. Uh, ten years time, Brisbane, you got a lot to live up to. All right, mm-hmm. I can we firmly put on a, a petition to say that Fatso should be the official mascot of Brisbane 2032. He better be. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on now. This is it's time. It's time for it to happen. Uh, you know, Roy and Atchie will be getting on a little bit by uh, Brisbane 2032, but I mean, I'm sure they could uh, they can push him to be the official mascot there. But uh, or bring back Bing Dwendwen, just like bring you know, we've got pandas in Australia and zoos. Uh, <laughs> the first ever returning Olympic mascot, Bing Dwendwen. <laughs> just quickly on that, while you're mentioning that burning fire and, and everything that you take into Tokyo on that final throw then in qualifying is that literally like you've put all that into a bottle and you've drunk it and gone fuck it this is everything I need to do and I'm going to throw the shit out of this javelin and it clearly works <laughs> I got caught in a really weird space in that qualifying round because <laughs> I I just had had um I'd had a, a small niggle six weeks out which meant that um I couldn't load my foot very much. So I hadn't had much throwing, I hadn't had much load and I hadn't had competition. So I was kind of going in and again, very mentally ready for it. The most calm and collected I'd felt going into qualifying, knew what I had to do, knew what I knew what to expect, but I got caught in this weird space of just making things look really like pretty, just kind of like, <laughs> okay, we're just going to throw the javelin. <laughs> I had forgotten about the reason, like why I was there. Like, you need this to qualify for the final. <laughs> so after two pretty shit throws, kind of sitting in like 29th, which is worse than what I'd finished in Rio, I was like, not today. This is not happening today. <laughs> I just got in, I, I just sat down, kind of like held my head between my hands and I was like, I'm, this, I'm not going out like this. It was just so in that moment, just like, there's your path again. You know what you need to do. Sort your shit out. Get it done. <laughs> and it was things like that. It was just that, like, I don't know. What do you call it? Like stubbornness that I wasn't going out. I, w- I was going to be in that final. And it was just about, like, doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to fly pretty, but you have to hit it hard and you have to hit it with everything you've got because I, w- I would be so disappointed in myself if I walked away from that, not making the final, but also regretting that I hadn't just like given it a crack. Like if I just hadn't left it all out there, 
uh, I would have been more disappointed in that element than if I'd had a go and it fell short and I feel like, okay, well, that was literally all I could have done today. But yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that I was able to flick that switch because I definitely carried that over into the final two days later. And I sort of started where I left off in the qualifying. Um, and that's, yeah, I guess that's, that's where I want to be. Um, I want to be free enough to, to just like take those big leaps, um, not just in major championships, but in every competition. And uh, I guess I'm still still working towards that to some degree. I think I hit that more often this year than I have in previous years, but um, it's it's still something I'm working on. <laughs> There's another T-shirt idea in there for you as well. Sort your shit out, get it done. Just, just freaking love this sport so you should have get it so done relevant. yeah you have so many people buying those uh, it's, it just comes down to that something just put everything else aside you know what you're there to do so just go and get it done <laughs> exactly and also too in qualifying not only yourself for the final but with Mackenzie and Catherine making it I mean I remember watching that and that you had Dave Colbert and Bruce McAvaney trying to go through history books to see if Australia had ever qualified three athletes for a field fight. I mean, when you've got freaking Bruce McAvaney scrambling the record books, you know you've achieved know, something special. <laughs> he knows that shit off the top of his head. He doesn't need to do it. I mean, that must be pretty special, though, to, to have that notion that you've got basically a quarter of the final are Australians. I mean, pretty yeah. good chance for him. It could be a sweep, could be the, the complete the podium there. I remember people um, who'd watched that session that night saying they'd never seen so much green and gold on the track and field before because I know we had um, a few of our distance runners competing that night as well. Yeah. So it was like gold here, gold there, gold running around. And I was like, boom, we just made history. Three women in the final making the top eight. Like, it's awesome. I, I'm How awesome to be part of that though. And um, so cool seeing uh, other javelin throwers from other coaches and other parts of Australia um, come together and, and do that. And in terms of then the, the medley, what's that like swimming a heat and then what? Because like, it's, it's an interesting thing in swimming, isn't it, that you swim a heat and then if your team goes on to win a medal, you get a medal. So... Yeah. What's that like? And, and how do you get them? Because you're obviously not on the podium with them during the mm-hmm. ceremony. Does a, an Olympic official just tap you on the shoulder the next day and go, hey, Kyla, here's your bronze. Thanks very much. You know, congratulations. Uh, so uh, they actually give it to your team manager. And for your daily team meetings, I, our team manager awarded it to us. And wow. It was a very special moment. Um, yeah, watching that relay, well, it, that was my last race actually at the Olympics was that anchor and um it was really special to me to anchor relay i don't i usually lead off relays and that's where i'm the most comfortable um but watching that relay in the final was i think just because you're not in control you're standing there and you really feel what it's like to be a spectator and taylor was sitting with me and she also swam in the morning and didn't swim in the evening and we were just holding our hands like really tightly <laughs> Um, because we, we knew China uh, was going to gun for a medal as well. So nothing's confirmed and you're just standing there. <laughs> wow. Knowing that you're going to get a freaking medal. Like that that's like yeah. the best type of spectator. I mean, I've watched plenty of Olympics <laughs> in my life, but no one's tapped me on the shoulder a couple of hours later and got, hey, Ben, thanks for watching, you know, 80 yeah. hours of Tokyo in the last three days. Here's a medal. I mean, I wish I could. 
you know, if there's <laughs> yeah. anyone out there who can, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Yeah, it's a tough life. It's a tough yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> Both the sevens and the fifteens are yes, they're different, but it's still rugby at the end of the day, and the skills are very much interchangeable. Um, and yeah, sevens has done an unbelievable job, especially here in Canada with the Olympics, with us winning um, Singapore back in 2017, I believe it was. Um, and uh, we, we host a Vancouver Sevens tournament that, you know, is one of the favorite weekends of the year here in Vancouver because so many fans get to go out and enjoy and watch Sevens live. And that does wonders for growing the sport and we get to win a lot of the games, you know, I think across any, any sport, being a fan, you want your team to win. And uh, unfortunately with, with 15s and the way it is us going up against New Zealand and South Africa in, in a world cup is, you know, we're probably not going to win those games. So it's more fun for a fan to cheer if you have a shot at winning than, than not. But on the flip side of that though, getting to play the All Blacks in a World Cup. I mean, that that's like making the NBA and you get to play against the Lakers and you're playing against LeBron. I mean, you know, you, you, you maybe realistically know you're not going to win, but you're on the biggest stage in your sport against the greatest team that exists in that sport. I mean, that's a pretty special feeling. It was, it was hard. I was being starstruck. Mid-game, I'll, you know, I remember playing South Africa and I made a tackle on Sia Khaleesi and I remember getting up, I was like, Oh my God, I just made a tackle on Sia Khaleesi. <laughs> I, was, I was so starstruck the whole time. And just to play against that level of competition and see like, this is what it takes. This is what the best team in the world do to, to be the best. It was very humbling because obviously the scoreline reflected that. Um, but, it, but it's an experience that I'm going to remember for a long time. I ended up trading a jersey... Um, with Ben Smith for an all black Sproul cup Jersey. Nice. Um, but I didn't get my hands on a South Africa world cup Jersey. So wow. well, there's still time for regret. Yeah. 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 Sort of, you got other ones, but I've always wanted to know what is it like standing in front of the all blacks as they're doing the hacker at a world cup? I mean, is it as intimidating as it looks? Um, I wouldn't say intimidate. It's, it, it's, yeah, it goes back to just me being starstruck, you know, <laughs> it's funny cause it's such a pinnacle and such a massive thing in rugby. Um, so we're, we're all lined up watching them do the Hawka, but then there's also, you know, everyone knows the words. So there's a stadium of 60,000 people doing the Hawka with them. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I kind of took it more of, uh, you know, enjoy the moment and en enjoy what's happening because I was never going to get it again instead of an intimidation tactic. Which, because I think that's a unique aspect. I always love kind of when they cut to the opposing team and you're all sort of linked arms and you've got that sort of look on your face like, fuck you, we're not going to let you intimidate us. But at the same time, you're going, oh my God, it's the hucker. It's right in front of us. This is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, you know, we, we don't see that every day, you know, mm. the likes of, you know, the teams that play New Zealand all the time, you know, they're used to seeing the Hawka, 
but this is like once every four years potentially that that we get to face off against them so it's it's quite uh quite surreal and there's definitely uh i've got a video of it somewhere so i'm gonna gonna cherish that video the least impressive thing when you're looking at para athletes are like i can't believe they lost their legs and they can still ski i mean these people lost their legs and they can push something on a long stick i mean to me this does not warrant wow. the two hours of coverage <laughs> it's it's uh, fine it sounds more harsh than this, but my, my complaint is me. <laughs> well, look at you! Up. You're in a wheelchair. You can push a you can push a stone. Why aren't you special? My, my, what I'm getting at. Let me freeze myself need, a little. Do they need a guide? Just curling in like general, like able body curling as well. Look at you! You've well, got I mean, two legs and you can push Dana a rock Tally down. Dana exactly down doing the, rig. the <laughs> Irish jig and we're, sprint hundred meters down the rig. Like oh, Dana Tali right, push yeah. a push a Back stone. Pedal. Back not, pedal. not enough tricks in the curling. What is? This? <laughs> yeah, I want some. Ba- give me some backflips. <laughs> it's not unimpressive it's not like you're if you are a failed olympic downhill skier and you become a guide on i know i am i definitely his career was cut short tragically (laughs) exactly Um, he didn't make the slovakian team it was unfortunate but uh nearly made bikini faso though on, on the cusp you know, if you become a coach or a mentor to the nine-year-olds, you could understand, oh, this isn't going to be a challenge and make could do it. But like these athletes in the Paralympics, they're still at a top level. Like you have to have some form of success, I would guess, in these sports because you also have to guarantee you're not going to wipe out, you know? Yeah. If you have you're to ski. Do, like, I you have to this. ski well. <laughs> I mean, I, I guarantee you couldn't. I'm a Canadian. I don't know how to ski. I'm, uh, I'm ashamed of this country. But uh yeah, no, I, I find the guys very fascinating, and especially uh, with Brian McKeever, which I guess we'll talk about because he is the big story here in Canada, having his brother as the guide. I, I want to get those two on the show and talk to them because it's such an interesting story. But well, do it then. Quick, I will. Do some work on I the will, show fine. for once, Colin. I'm only hosting the episode here today, Ben. You're welcome. Don't, don't, don't make me sit there. carrying the weight of all the interviews on this show. Eight, eight, hours, eight hours a day emailing people, Colin. Maybe you can email a couple of people for once. <laughs> I, I, I've uh, been good luck getting those interviews that, that I did for you that you're asking for the video for. Oh, you did <laughs> too. Insult me. Good on you. <laughs> I, I would love the count on interviews. I think I, I, I done my fair I'll share. I'll give you the count on interview you want it. I'll give it to you. Uh, Go for it. I'm not saying you lazy. haven't done a lot of interviews, but we all know if there's somebody lazy on the show, it's Jared. It's not me. Yeah, and hello, Jared. Where do you, what are you doing, Sam? No but bad interviews from me. You can't. <laughs> I haven't jinxed anybody. I haven't done a single bad interview. I don't know what more you want. It's become the word you've been and we all know. We all know the real enemy here. <laughs> Nominated for an award, and if we win, Jared's just going to be like, "Yeah, I'm part of that." Like, are you? Uh, <laughs> we chop that up into thirds. You might, you might get like a tenth. Lazy, hey, Jared. <laughs> You're killing Colin now too, the poor man. Just send me, don't worry about the award, just send me some Olympic cereal, that'll be enough. (laughs) With the recent Olympics and Paralympics still fresh in the old memory bank, let's Nathan Chen our way into the next category, the best Olympic and Paralympic podcast. 
Yes, Colleen, we've been completely and utterly spoiled over the last nine months with the Tokyo Olympics, the Paralympics being postponed a year and the 2022 Winter Olympics and Paralympics happening recently. So it's a good time for these podcasts to come to the fore. And we've had some amazing entries for this category too. The top eight nominated podcasts in this category are Destination Tokyo, The Olympic Mile, My Defining Moments, Off the Podium, My New Favorite Olympian, Keep the Flame Alive, Equal to Achieving Disability Equality, and A Winning Mindset, Lessons from the Paralympics. And the winner of the Best Olympic and Paralympic podcast is off the podium. Make way for the champion. Ben Waterworth is here repping the off the podium pod uh, with his buddies, Colin Hilding and Jared Lubeek. I have always loved the Olympics. Obviously, that is something that we have in common. This podcast you guys have been doing since 2016. What made you want to start the show to begin with? And what have you learned along the way? We sort of all knew each other through some other podcasts that we were involved in. And I think we just had some conversations about, hey, we love the Olympics. Let's let's get on board with it. So it went from there. Rio was starting. We started doing daily episodes. And before we knew it, we were interviewing Olympians and everything else along the way too. Do you have a dream guest to, that would come on the podcast? Oh, I mean, you know, on that, Tonya Harding, Nance Kerrigan, why not get them on the show? I mean, it's not like they've not been interviewed 20,000 times, right, about the same things. But um, a big one that we really would love to get, um, Esther Ledecker, the Czech sort of skier snowboarder who obviously won gold in both uh, snowing and skiboarding back in Pyeongchang, got another gold in Beijing. We we absolutely love her. She's She's fantastic, huge fan of hers. So I think she's probably number one right now on our list as somebody to, to get on the show. But there's actually a an Australian mogul skier by the name of Dale Begg Smith, won a gold for Australia back in 2006 in Turin. And he's actually a former Canadian. Uh, and given that we're sort of a co-Canadian Australian podcast and works on many levels. Well, Ben, you should be very proud because I think that you are probably the first person from Tasmania to win the Olympic winner of uh, the podcast division here for the Sports Podcasting Awards. So you can hang your hat on that. Very much so. Very proud. I like I like that little uh, bit there to staple it out there. But no, it's, it's a massive honor. Uh, obviously, thank you to everyone who voted for us. And uh to Colin and Jared, obviously, for all their help. And to all our fellow nominees as well. We forgot to mention them in our uh, thank you video, but congratulations for all their achievements. And thank you so much, Colin. It's a pleasure to chat with you today. He's humble. He's successful. He's Ben Waterworth. Everybody <laughs> subscribe to the podcast and I'll see you in Paris. Joining us is a guy who... He's too cool to be on acceptance speech interviews because he just he, he just doesn't talk to the media. He's just, he's just Jared Lubeek. Uh, welcome back, Jared. Yeah, you know, just another award in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, the only award-winning podcaster from Emu Plains, but that doesn't mean much when you're the only podcaster from Emu Plains. So, um, <laughs> just trying yeah, not Mer- to get a big head over everything, you know. The Meryl Streep of podcasting. I mean, Jared by Lubick. this time next year, Emu Plains is going to have their own award called the Lubick. That's yes. true. <laughs> when, when it's the podcast capital of the world. Yeah. <laughs> next year, welcome to the inaugural Lubies. Um, the Lubies. We've got to call the Lubies. <laughs> the, the Emu Plains Podcast Awards presented by Telstra. 
Um, <laughs> so hopefully um, they'll get some better hosts than those hosts of the Australian Podcast Awards last year, who I'm still recovering from. So. Uh, <laughs> Two thousand eight, one, one of my favourite all-time Olympic moments ever was the interview you gave to Channel Seven directly <laughs> after your. And the thing that I think was fascinating about that was that I guess for most Australians we weren't overly familiar with you. And then I remember watching that race live, going like, "Okay, cool, we've got a we've got a athlete in the final. This is going to be fun." And then watching the silvers, like, "Wow, this is this is amazing." Do do you? I, I've read a few interviews where you say you look back on that and you go like, yeah, "That was just me. That was awesome." Do, have you? watched it like is it something that kind of people send to you and go this is amazing and and kind of just everything that came with that I can imagine just added to your profile and everything from that point on yeah of course I mean it's certainly something that's very special to me that interview because it was as I said no one sees that side of me usually because they don't know me outside of the sport but I'm very much a a relaxed sort of happy-go-lucky, like excitable person. Like, I get excited by a lot of things. <laughs> so uh, obviously when you win an Olympic medal, that's one of the most exciting things that can ever happen to you in your life. And, and so um, it's, it's it needs a bit of more ex- – I don't want to ruin the whole hype of that interview, because, but it does need explanation behind it because it, when I say, did you see me, like the most famous part in that interview, <laughs> it was – it was because I was actually so hyped behind those starting blocks. Like I was actually screaming and yelling to myself and hyping myself up that I've never, ever, ever done that before in a race. Like I was, you know, when you see, when you see Jai Tarima at the long yeah. time, he's slapping himself. He's like, come on, doing that. I was doing that before the race. And I'm like, I was almost surprising myself that I was doing that. And so I wanted to know if anyone else saw that. That's what <laughs> I said to the, that's what I said to Pat Welsh. I'm like, did you see me? That's what I was saying. Did you see me? Cause I'm like, at the start of the race, I was so pumped. That's what I was trying to like come get over to, to him. But obviously it wasn't picked up like that, but I mean, I don't want to ruin the whole, the, the interview by explaining it because it was so magical and so raw and such an exciting time. But yeah, that's, I wanted people to know that I was a different person out there on the track, a, a person that really believed and, and really knew what was going to happen. I'd never been in that situation before where I knew that something magical was going to happen tonight. I think outside of that part, two of my favourite bits of the interview as well is when Pat says to you about like, you spoke to me the other day and you said you want to get the final. You're like, oh, I lied to you. I knew I was going to medal. And then the bit right at the end when you're basically going like, to everyone who sent me a Facebook message and an email, I will get back to you one day. I've got, I've got to ask 14 years later, have you? Have you gotten back to everyone back from 2008? <laughs> and I ended up deleting my account for a while because I was so overwhelmed by it. All. Like, I can't see this. So I don't want to do this. It's too much for me. So I, I deleted my account for a while. And then I kind of went through it all afterwards when I reactivated it again. So, okay. All right. Yeah. That was, it was nice. Um, (laughs) And that was uh, when I said to him, I actually, I lied to you. I knew I was going to get a medal. Um, That was right before I started saying I wanted to win. And I had that full confidence going to London. Like I was going to win this and I was going to win that. This was when I was working with my psychologist in 2008 saying, right, I don't think I'm ready to say I want to win out loud, but I certainly 
I know that I can, or I know that I can at least medal and I know that I can make the final, but can we just sort of take it back a step and just say, tell the, tell the Australian public, look, I'm just going to make the final and then I'll see what happens afterwards. And she says, yeah, that's a good place to start. It's a good building block. But even though secretly deep down, we both knew that my goal was to medal at those Olympics because I knew that I could. I wanted to sort of know like what that reaction was like when you got back home. But I mean, as you're saying, a bit forgotten about, but was there a bit of here you are off the plane, Australia's first Winter Olympic medalist and kind of a, a bit of attention there that helped boost anything within, say, you guys as a team and the sport? Or was, as you were saying, it was just kind of quickly forgotten about and it was just back to status quo before the Olympics? No, it was it was a short-lived bit of media attention for the sport. You know, um, we'd gone in as the as the favourites in the real life for Albertville and didn't work out, but uh, in Lillehammer, getting Australia's first winner medal, you know, we we're on the front page of, of most of the newspapers in Australia the next day, and you know, all the uh, television cameras and radio shows wanted to have us on for for a week or so. So, you know, for us guys that had been, I suppose, training and competing in complete anonymity for most of our lives, to have people want to know a little bit about our story was gratifying, and. You know, for me, after that, accolades of the bronze medal faded. I mean, I had another eight years in anonymity before <laughs> before Salt Lake City and the gold medal that everybody remembers. And, you know, from there, uh, the whole world wanted to know my story at, at the end of something that had started 20 years earlier. So, as you mentioned after you read my book, uh, there's a fair bit of background in there. Yeah, so much. And, and some of the things, like, you, you've said, too, in other interviews about how you didn't feel you skated at your best until Salt Lake. I mean, as I said, you had three Olympics before 2002. Obviously, Nagano was in between Lillehammer Harmer and, and Salt Lake. Going into that, considered a, a medal chance. I mean, what sort of do you remember from, say, Nagano and kind of what happened there in terms of not skating your best and things like that? Kind of what sort of do you feel was about those Olympics that maybe wasn't up to your peak where you wanted to be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's a list of things I could go through. In Lillehammer, I was... <laughs> I was one of the big favourites in the thousand, and and I got knocked over in the first round of the competition. The the guy who knocked me down in the heats got disqualified, but that didn't help me. And you know, Nagano, I, I still had realistic chances to win medals there in the thousand, and you know, I had glandular fever in the lead up. You know, I got I had a, a knee injury in the lead up, blah blah blah. But uh, you know, it was it was a lot of trials and tribulations along that journey, and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of athletes that have trained incredibly hard for a long time in their sport and didn't get to achieve their goals. Mm. And for me, that's what that's how it was up until Salt Lake. You know, three Olympic campaigns and not having skated my best was driving me crazy. And in Salt Lake, at my fourth Olympics, my best wasn't what it used to be. You know, there was six to eight guys in the world that even on my best day, I couldn't beat anymore, you know, and four of those guys were on the ice in the final against me in Salt Lake City. And, you know, I had a bit of experience and judgment under my belt by that point. So having skated my best in the quarterfinals, that was where I achieved my goals in that Olympics. And, you know, from there on in, I had a hell of a lot of luck.
when you Google you, one of the first things that comes up with is Dean Hewitt, Tyler Gill relationship. So is that like a question that people are always asking? Like, are you two to get like? Because I can imagine that's just people's curiosity, right? We actually haven't been asked that. Yeah. Wow. Really? Really? Well, you guys aren't. Can we confirm been... this right now? Like, you're not. So, I mean, simple. We're not. Like, no. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, get it over and done with. Confirmed. Stop we're not. Stop yeah, googling it. Like, it's, it's, it's one not, of those weird things. <laughs> it's usually not in media that they ask that. It's usually in like the chat. The shitty before, podcast yeah. like this. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's, it's honestly not even that either. It's often just the chat before you begin the mm. interview. It's like, so are you together? Because they want to get the background so they don't ask something awkward mm. during the interview. So they never actually true. ask it during the interview. Which it's, it's one of those true. funny things. Somebody shared a meme during the Olympics about um, figure skating where it was like it's the media's job to tell us in the pairs figure skating whether these two are together, are uh, like best friends or like a you know a future divorce couple or something like that. So <laughs> I think the same thing should be done for for curling, but we've we've cleared that up and also an exclusive answer on off the podium that we've actually. <laughs> so I'm I'm actually glad that I asked that question because I assumed that was something everyone would ask you, but cool, exclusive on off the podium. <laughs> People can stop googling that right now. sort of told that all of a sudden, nah, guys, uh, that whole COVID thing from a few days ago, yeah, it's back, um, got to go home. Like, how does that even happen? I mean, Tali, are you getting a phone call, knock on the door? Like, what What the hell happened and how did that all begin? Yeah, it was a phone call in the morning. Um, so basically I got a phone call and just they just said, yeah, look, a um, couple of results, came back positive and you will... <laughs> not be playing today um like it's kind of like it was kind of like this is what's happened and it's over um and yeah just like um you know it's already kind of exhausting and I was in and out of isolation the whole sort of game thing the game period so just that phone call and I was like oh just like I didn't know how to feel and I was like "Mm," like this is not how I want to end it and then you know, I knew that there was already a little bit of, um, me- there was a lot of media at the start and now this is how we're going to end. I was like, mm. it was frustration and anger and like upset. And again, I was just in tears and I was on the phone with my family. I was like, um, my bags are packed. I'm coming home. Um, so yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, you guys are playing get wow. your uniform on, get in the taxi and go. And I was like, I actually like screwed. I was like, yes, <laughs> my bag. I was like, fuck, my bag's open. I was throwing clothes everywhere and I found the uniform and um, I found my like makeup. My I didn't have my hairbrush, so my hair was like a mess. And yeah, like not that that's important, but. Um, oh, that's the important thing. That's what Dean was doing the same <laughs> as well. He was getting games, his makeup yeah. and hair and everything done as well. It so. a good couple hours to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so we get on the ice and I was just like, we're here. Like, it, you know, this could, like, we could have been on a plane and I could have been watching a movie on the plane home, like, crying my eyes out and we're here and and we're finishing off our campaign and um, it was kind of funny. I had, like, a brief second to message 
our sports psych messaged my parents. I was like, we're fucking playing. Get the TV on now. <laughs> I was like, we're ready to go. And that kind of thing. So, yeah, I was like, this is this is on. People <laughs> messaged wow. my boyfriend. I was like, turn your TV on. We're on the TV. Let's go. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, was just the conversation. I was like, oh, we're here. Let's enjoy it. Like, Bing Duen Duen's out there. We got yes. the whole ceremony going. You know the party's happening like, when Bing Duen Duen's there. Come on. I know. He's doing all the things on the screen. He's a very talented little panda. So, yeah. He's the best. Like, <laughs> Him and Oscar Erickson, stars of the Olympics. Right yeah, there. I don't know who I like better. Right. They're both just so amazing. But having said that, I didn't see Oscar Erickson attempt to do a figure skating move and his leg fall off. So, I'm giving it to Bing Duen Duen. I know, right? You can't go past Big Dwendwen. So, yeah, that was just like the craziest emotion. I, yeah, it was just like a total, literally a roller coaster. I was like angry, sad, happy, frustrated, happy, sad, and happy again. I was like, what the heck? So, by the time it got to it, I was like, that did not happen. We're on, we're playing, let's enjoy it. And let's. Let's give these two teams hell Which, <laughs> in the I nicest way possible. It worked. I mean, your last day, you're up against the, the reigning gold medalists, the reigning silver medalists. You come out, mm-hmm. let's be honest, you kick their asses. That's the Australian way. Uh, I mean, Dean, was this – How? I mean, similar question I asked before, how were you dealing with this? And then we were saying on the show that getting COVID makes you better. Like we literally were <laughs> suggesting that if Tali had COVID, she should be going around kissing all the fellow Australian athletes so they can go out and win for the rest of the Olympics. So um, I don't know if you, you got on board with, with Jackie and, and gave her a bit of a peck on the cheek because she went on to win a silver. Good for her. Scotty James got the silver as well. So COVID was the, the key to uh, Australia's success at the end there, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. It's <laughs> very, very tough. And I think we're very fatigued by the end of it. But um, yeah, I think that last day, that was just purely running on adrenaline like the excitement that we had um to you know grab our stuff get our bags packed within you know the 15 minutes we had head to the taxi and literally just got on the ice didn't do a warm-up just straight into it not even a single lunge beforehand and um (laughs) just the excitement that we had and we brought through that entire game um i think paid off and yeah we just wanted to to finish off really strong and we're so excited and we're looking forward to those two games and um yeah, I think it, it just showed in like in our character on the ice and how he played and we're just so motivated to make every shot really good and um, maybe we should do it more often and just like not even warm up, just run out there and go. <laughs> Sounds good to us. Yeah, that, that I can, helps. <laughs> I can tell you though that, yeah, the adrenaline was just running super high for that for the both those games and I think that kind of helped us a little bit. But um, yeah, I think the the other games are definitely run on a bit of fatigue there, you know, not a whole lot of sleep those nights. And just I think the worry about, oh, my God, are we, you know, are we not going to be able to play again? And um, is this test going to come back negative or positive? And, um, yeah, just that kind of lingering thing in the back of your mind, not necessarily when you're on the ice, but just throughout mm-hmm. the day and night, you know, that was that was pretty tough. But, yeah, that final day was pretty special, that's for sure. I'm going to ask you a question. Feel free to skip the question if you want, but uh, okay. let's say you're putting together the Australian A team, the Australian B team. You get to choose one of the male skiers to be partnered Ooh. with. Who's going to give you your best chance? Who Or who would you trust enough that they're not going to wipe out and, and ruin your chances of winning a medal? 
Well, I think that's really interesting because like, I think people would think, oh, you'd obviously choose the best person, but I think it depends because on the individual. So say you have someone who's really good at jumping, but they're not very good at, you know, consistency and they always do really well, but only once in a while, whereas it's, it's very strategic, right? So I think I'd probably, that's really hard to say because I'm not very consistent at all as a person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I pull it out when you I can. You weren't speaking about skiing. Were you just speaking life in <laughs> <about> general? Everything. <laughs> life. <laughs> but maybe I'd want someone who is consistent. So I would go, well, everyone is. All the guys are pretty consistent. Maybe I would say Brody because he is a mature athlete. Also from like a personality perspective, if we were in a team together, it's not quite the same because we would normally as an individual sports person, you do your own thing, you go about your own business alone before competition. If it were a team event, maybe it would be different. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we would have to. So he's a very calm, balanced person. I would probably, he'd probably bring me down and I would bring me down to level and we'd be able to just go from there. But also it's everyone, anyone can have their perks. Like Cooper is a powerhouse. Uh, Matt is obviously a really good powerhouse. Um, Jimmy's all, they're all really good. Um, so it's actually really hard to pick. So maybe, I don't know, uh, it's hard. Because I, I said Brody, but now I'm starting to think <laughs> of other people. I don't know. I have no idea. We're going to hold It'd auditions. <laughs> We're going to get Matt, <laughs> Brody, and Cooper all on here, and then they can buy for your vote. <laughs> and then they have to want to go with me, and I'm probably not the most you know, eligible <laughs> candidate, too, because you know that. I think one of the things that's really interesting here is it's not, this isn't technically the first time we've done uh, an interview with two athletes at the same time. It is the first time we've done an interview with two athletes at the same time who competed against each other. Cause I think that's the one unique thing is that your teammates, you're obviously very tight. You're, you're literally in the same environment right now, sitting next to each other. There's no bad blood, but I mean, you do compete against each other. And uh, the, the last interview we did, it was uh, with just with an Australian mogul skier. And she was saying like, you know, it's kind of weird because like I have my teammates, but they're also my competition. And it's, it's really the same with you. I mean, it, how, how is that balanced? Like, do you go into a race do you, when you're going into the Kieran and, and you knew, okay, we're in the semifinals against each other, you know, it's me or you, or, or do you, do you, do you kind of root for the other person? You know, if it's not going to be me, I hope it's them. Yeah. I mean, the Kieran, we were pumped to both be in the final. I think that was a huge win right there for both of us. And, um, my race didn't go as planned and I saw everyone come over me and I saw low come over me. And in my head, I think I just kind of like, I didn't stop pedaling, but I like, I knew I was dying out and I just did a switch and I'm like, come on low. And yeah, I got front row seats to watching her win bronze and it was yeah. Incredible. Exactly. Like what you said, if it's not coming me, I'm so, so happy that it's her and was able to see it happen. And yeah, seeing her up on the podium was very emotional. Um, but yeah, definitely motivated me to like go for it in the sprint and hopefully be able to bring another medal home. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fine line. I think you're definitely like, like you want yourself to like do the best. So if we're in the final together, I want to win, but I know Mm -hmm. she wants to win too. But if I have a bad race and she has a good race, then like I'll hundred percent be happy for her. And like, that was her day. That was, that was a race and she did great. So uh, that's amazing. Right. And we like both. What's amazing is that we both had our moments at the Olympics. So that was 
pretty yeah. amazing to mm-hmm. so to both like live this moment of like winning an, an Olympic medal. And we both got to be like a part of it. Like we were in the final together with the Kieran and then I raced, we raced against each other and unfortunately in the uh, <laughs> quarterfinals, like the plan was to be on the podium together, but it was just, yeah, we were a part of each other's journey to the podium. Are you aware that during your semifinals, the Kieran semifinals, that uh, your names were swapped on the screen? That Lorianne, you were identified by Kelsey and Kelsey was identified as Lorianne? We look the same. <laughs> She's 5'2", 5'3", sort of 5'9", same hair. Yeah. <laughs> we wore the same helmet. It really threw people off. Yeah. So I made a switch. Yeah. Or else we didn't want that to happen again. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's gotta be the tough thing when you have two people from the same country and they normally you could just look at the uniform and, and know, but then when you're wearing the helmets and everything, and especially if the, the TV screwing up your names, I mean, it's amazing that, you know, Kelsey didn't go home with a bronze medal and Lauren, you go home with a gold medal. <laughs> Do they know the difference? I'll take it, yeah. <laughs> You obviously then go on to work with Channel 7 during Tokyo. Obviously, you and I met during Beijing. So going back to what you're talking about, how you got into media and everything along those lines and those connections. Mm -hmm. So tell us how that all came about then working with it. And then going back to you, as you're saying, growing up, loving these moments of Australia coming together, was this sort of like a a dream come true that you could then work on, you know, iconic broadcaster Channel 7, who are the home of the Olympics in this country, and get a chance to – Bump shoulders with Bruce McAvaney and people like that. I mean, I shared an office with Ian Thorpe. So, yeah, oh, I told every single person right. that I knew about that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once he was like playing K pop and he was like, Marnie, do you like this? And I was like, I do. It's also really hard to concentrate. Like, like I'm going to tell Ian Thorpe. <laughs> you told Ian to Thorpe. Turn the music down. <laughs> I was like, this is genuinely annoying. It was strange. Like, there, was a t- there was a time, though, actually, where like there was two commentators that I admired very, very greatly in the office, and they were talking so loudly, and I couldn't hear my boss on the phone, and I just turned around and be like, I'm, I'm so sorry. Could you just, like, <laughs> shh a little bit? Who were they, Marnie? Who were they? Can you tell me who they were? Yeah, they were, they're also, like, amazing people. So they're like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. And also because commentators are just, like, very loud people, they didn't even notice. It was Georgie Parker and um, Alistair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, um, shut up, Georgie, shut up, Alistair. (laughs) That I like love and admire. And I was just like, I'm so sorry, Tommy, get your coffee. Um, (laughs) Thorpey, play more K pop. (laughs) Oh my goodness, so funny. That makes me really happy. Every time I hear K pop now, I'm just going to think of Thorpey. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess he was like, oh, do do you like this? And I was like, oh, like, I'm not going to say no. This is a chance to bond with Thorpey, but I don't really know much about K-pop. So I was just like, oh, black, pink, pink something. I can't yeah. even remember. But I was like, oh, yeah, I love this band that I'd heard because they'd done a, like, mashup, a mashup, a collab <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. so, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I really like this band. And he was like, oh, yeah, cool. And I was like, sweet. That's usually how, like, Psy, Gangnam Style, best song ever, right? Like, that's that's K-pop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. Do you remember the feeling when you knew you were going to the Again, going back on the quota system you're talking about, I'm sure it already comes down to when the Australian Olympic Committee officially says, like, Brendan, you are the one going to the Olympics. But do you, do you remember that moment when you were told you're going to the Olympics and this, this dream that you'd been working towards, you'd switch <laughs> countries, you'd, you'd move to the other side yeah. of the world, like that moment was like? I mean, 
for me, there wasn't really one specific moment because it's just, you know, building and building and building and building throughout the season. So, I mean, as the weeks gone by, it was just getting closer and closer. I'm like, okay, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. And then it, it's happening. It's happening. It just kind of transitioned. I, I can't really put a pinpoint on, okay, like I've actually done it. Like, I think after that first couple of races of me just racing and then seeing where I fared, I went, Oh wow. I am actually competitive at this level. Cause I, this was my first season internationally. So I didn't know how I would, I would fare mm. to be honest with you. It was not even a goal of mine to make the Olympics this season. I just went, I just want to see how I do. And if I do make the Olympics, that's a huge bonus and that's awesome. And <laughs> sure enough that it happened and wow, I'm just, I, I'm still like, I can't believe that I was actually there. It's incredible. You're sitting here right now talking to us, wearing the rings yeah. literally on your clothes and everything like that, which I mean, it's, it must be, <laughs> must be an incredible feeling, but then do you, with everything you just said, not necessarily a goal, but you've done it. Is there then mm-hmm. a switch that goes off and goes, well, fuck, I just made an A final in a world cup. I can, yeah. I'm doing all right right now. I could do all right at the yeah. Olympics. So like bring it yeah. on. I mean, to me, it's just, that's and when I was in that A final, that was the, that was the moment where I thought I, I deserve to be skating at this level. I deserve to be at the Olympics. I, I can be competitive with these guys and this is where I belong. Now that you brought up stories, we mentioned him before. Every time we bring up Bruce McAvaney, I'd like to give yeah. an opportunity for any Bruce McAvaney stories that we oh. like to hear because we've got a list growing of just adding to the legend that is Bruce. <laughs> Do you have a great Bruce story you could share with us today? Oh, goodness. I, oh, let me think. He's, you know what? Bruce is really funny because Bruce is actually quite cheeky. Like, does anybody oh. ever told you like No, that I don't think like, I've heard a cheeky Bruce story. I like this. Like, He's just funny. Like he'll say things sometimes on air and they'll wash over some people's heads and then other times I'm like, that is so, (laughs) so funny. Like there's this horse at the moment going around called Kiss on All Four Cheeks. (laughs) Like the way that Bruce talks about him cracks me up. Like I don't have a specific Bruce because I've never actually sat next to Bruce for like, a time like we're always down the line he's in Adelaide or I'm in I'm out and about in the field in Sydney and he's on set hosting so I'm hoping to gather some really great ones but I reckon if you pressed people a little further you would discover that Bruce has an epic sense of humor like when he's when he's relaxed I'm going to because like this repertoire we're getting this like nice little Bruce Bank I like to call it the Bruce Bank a Bruce Bank a Bruce Bank and if we get ever get Bruce on the show like obviously oh actually I've got one okay here we go yep this is just funny this is not like a epic story but um so recently my uncles um Michael and Richard they were training in partnership in Sydney and they have gone their separate ways so one is trained they're both training outright from each other anyways we always joke that my family's like it's a mess like there's so many of us and everyone's there's someone always warring with someone else like it's just game of thrones you know, style it's game of on. thrones right in our family yep. and Bruce sends me a text a couple of weeks ago 
<laughs> and all it said was, um, hi, Emma, hope you're having a great day. Goodness, your family is has more drama in it than the Kardashians. <laughs> and I wrote back and I said, yes, Bruce, just like the Kardashians, all the drama but less plastic surgery. And he wrote back and he went, are you sure? <laughs> Well, wow, that that might be the most epic thing I've ever heard because on so many levels, Bruce texts you re- re- in itself re- and he knows the, the Kardashians. Kardashians. <laughs> like, do we just picture Bruce sitting there at home on like a Friday night, just like, oh, let's let's watch the Kardashians. Oh, What's Kim and so Chloe up to funny. this week? Special. Look at them go. Delicious. <laughs> like, I just I want I want Bruce to commentate on the Kardashians all of a sudden. <laughs> he's just the nicest man. Like, he's just wow. the best. I don't think anyone would ever have anything bad to say about Bruce like yeah like he's I thank god he's still going like I'm just so pleased that you know he cherry picks what he wants to do nowadays because he can right so he's mm-hmm. going to Birmingham for the com games he'll be there because it's the com games Bruce of has course. to be there. yeah um and then with racing you know he does he's been hosting um on air for like two months on air every Saturday and Bruce doesn't have to do that if he doesn't want to, but he wants to yeah. do it because he loves it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's AFL has just not been the same the last two years without his voice. It's, it's been weird, but uh, it's, yeah, as you said, he's still with us and he's still got like, it I is. mean, hopefully we're getting to get a few more Olympics out of him, at least one more. We'd like a farewell. Like, oh, you know, there'll be more than that. He, like, the on. next one's only in two years. Like he's fighting fit. He's still, you know, he's still got it. I mean, Bruce isn't, 80, he's, you know, he's still got many years, I reckon, ahead of him of 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 contributing to broadcast. And it might not be, you know, doing those eight-hour shifts, but just having Bruce there for a half an hour slab and getting those little gems is, oh, it's worth its weight in gold. And for all of us little minions hanging around, <laughs> getting to hang out with Bruce and suck some of that knowledge and passion yeah. and energy from him that sounds awful but you know what uh, i mean well i think we know Tapping exactly what you it. mean yeah. for sure and and the fact now that i i mean might make we want to watch the kardashians if bruce McAvane, if it's good enough for bruce McAvane, it's good enough for me Let's, i reckon you know. he's a big chloe fan yeah, <laughs> yeah abs- absolutely <laughs> always fun to go down memory lane to hear all of those chats and all those highlights, of course, from back in Beijing. It's hard to believe that that's been a couple of months now since the Beijing Olympics. So uh, so fresh in the minds and such a great time that was had, despite the whole little catching COVID thing that happened in the middle of that. was a lot of fun for that to happen. And so many great guests. It's always good to relive all of those great interviews that we had, obviously on before the Beijing Olympics and then since the Beijing Olympics. And uh, just remember all the great things there. And, of course, the, the whole thing about winning an award. That was kind of a bit cool. And we're still very, very chuffed about that here and off the podium being named the best Olympics and Paralympics podcast at the inaugural Sports Podcast Awards. And as always, we need to take this opportunity to thank you, the listeners, for voting for us. We very much appreciate that support and getting us over the line with that one. You're going to be so entertained from the next bunch of episodes that we've got coming here for you and off the podium. Of course, we're not going anywhere. Aiming for our weekly episodes now, be them interviews or anything else in between. We've got some great interviews coming up for you and just a bit of a teaser Next week, we're going to be having on somebody on the show who appeared on this show about a year or so before the Olympics. She then went on to go in the Olympics and did pretty well. 
and she's going to come back on to talk about her time at the Olympics. So a uh, bit of a wet your appetite teaser for what the next episode will be. And we've got some other great interviews coming up with some new guests on the show, some former Olympians and some great stories coming from them as well. And of course, in the coming months as well, we kept teasing it during our Beijing coverage, but we will be doing some Commonwealth Games episodes. I'm not sure if we'll just sort of do one for the entire two-week period or we'll maybe do a couple like we did back in the Gold Coast of 2018, but we will be doing some form of Commonwealth Games coverage. And the one that I'm really excited for later this year in about November, December time, we're going to be doing some coverage of the World Cup. Now, we are obviously an Olympics podcast, but if there's one sporting event in the world that is bigger than the Olympics, it is the World Cup. And we are going to be a little bit invested in that, particularly because Canada have made it for the first time since 1986. At the time of recording this, not looking too good for Australia, but we will still have a bit of fun, obviously a bit of coverage for the World Cup in Australia as well. So given that we're sort of the Olympics podcast, we can look at some other big events. Obviously, we're doing the Commonwealth Games because that's close to both Australia and Canada's hearts. And we thought, well, why not the World Cup? Why not have a bit of a coverage of that, whether that be an episode or a couple of episodes? We'll uh, talk about that at some capacity this year. But outside of the interviews, of course, we've got some other great episodes planned. Jared, myself, and Colin will be uh, discussing those and coming back some more rankings episodes perhaps and just some general Olympics discussions. So stay tuned on all of our social media. We will, of course, update you what we've got coming up and everything else in between. Search Off The Podium. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Of course, as I mentioned at the top of this, any of those interviews that you just heard, you can see them, video versions of them online. Fantastic to watch those as well. And to never miss an episode, go to your favorite podcast platform, search for Off The Podium, hit that subscribe button and you will never miss an episode. And while you're there, we appreciate your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Anybody you want us to track down, get on the show. We'd love to hear from you, of course, as well. Big shout out, big thanks to all of the guests that you heard on this episode who have appeared on our show over the last 49 or so episodes. We've got plenty more to come. Keep you occupied and keep you entertained on this award-winning podcast. Just another little subtle plug. Got to brag about it. Feels good. And we always appreciate that as well. Special shout out to Jason Momoa, as always. My name is Ben. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. And remember to go left. Go left.